That was a fucking real snore. Yeah, it was. I know that because I've cut those snores up before. That sounded fucking... That was real. That was real as fuck. He was actually talking in the sleep, too. Did you hear him? Dude, that was so fucking funny. Fuck. He, like, says something, then he's, like, totally asleep, and I'm like, oh, my God. Fucking seriously. That is fucking crazy. <laughs> Fuck. The following is based on true events. I feel like something bad is gonna happen to me. Yeah, of course I'm scared to die. Isn't everyone scared of dying? Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 174 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, the Toxic Offender, a.k.a. Mr. Fuck Off. I had the best top 10 list of 2019. Yeah. And of course, I have my lazy head roll Mexican by my side tonight. The man who will create a new podcast every time he gets a new thought inside his taco. Doublecast J, a.k.a. J. Sean P. And I'd like to welcome back to the show the official guest co-host, the man who likes to rub jack-in-the-box tacos on his nipples and send me the pictures at 4 a.m. with his thumbs cocked high, the Sacktown Snore, Mike Merriman. What's going on, motherfuckers? Yeah, Happy New Year! 2020, first show of 2020. Yeah, What's 2020, up? we well, are in a brand new decade, brand new fucking decade, man. That's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad to be here to help Moods represent the best coast against the <laughs> east coast. West side. <laughs> it just gives Fucking me a reason to put more of those West Coast samples in. JP, you just got to accept this is podcast manifest destiny before your very eyes. Yeah, the superiors moved westward and were taken over. Westbound, yeah. West, it's just so much easier on the West Coast, man. The time just aligns so much better. We watch sports earlier. It's amazing. Dude, we get all that shit out of the way and still have time to party at night. That's right. That is fucking yeah, absolutely Yeah, and you ruin right. it for everyone else. Oh, fuck off, man. Even my buddy Jay, man, who lives in Halifax, which is actually four hours difference, so it's even a difference from, you know, to you. It, like, he seriously is watching ball games at, like, two in the morning. It's fucked. Like that yeah, time difference is no, ridiculous, dude. I, man. I watch like, like I watch the end of you know, a football game, and it, it's like midnight by the time it's it's done. Yeah, it's I still ridiculous. have a lot of family on the East Coast, and I and I cannot get over the concept of people going to bed before Monday Night Football ends because I got to work. Okay. I'm like, you fuckers! It, that shit's over by bullshit. nine o'clock for me. <laughs> it well, is absolutely like, true. Like, uh, like that's crazy. The like, last time. The, I was going to say the last time I visited family in the East coast, it, it was like about seven thirty eight, and I was freaking out because I thought we missed Monday night football. Cause you know, I'm used to it coming on at six and then I, it clicked to me. I was like, Oh shit, that it doesn't even, it hasn't even started yet because I'm on the stupid fucking East coast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do like some aspects of the sports running late. Like for example, like when MMA ends, which is usually like 1 a.m. Like, 
I would be sad if it ended three hours earlier in a way because I would be like, man, like I still want to do stuff tonight. Um, but I don't know. You know, yeah, use, but- using that as you know as an example is actually kind of interesting because. I used to host uh, like MMA, you know, pay-per-views here all the time and stuff. And then, you know, the pay-per-view would end at like 9.30 our time kind of thing. And then or maybe 10 o'clock if you got lucky with some of the fights going longer or whatever. But then as soon as 10 o'clock would hit and like when I got older and shit, everyone would just fucking bounce. I'm like, you guys like, are fucking sucks. late. It's 10 o'clock, man. We're drinking, having a good time. And you guys are just going to bounce. But, you know, if I was over in the East Coast, 1 o'clock in the morning, eh, if you want to leave now, you're probably pretty tankered. So mm-hmm. it is what it is. But, yeah, 10 o'clock would roll around. I'm like, fuck, how old are we getting, man? You guys are leaving the, right now? See, I'm, I'm legitimately like an insomniac. Uh, I, I've never been officially diagnosed. But like Watson, he talks about it a lot. I... I'm horrible at sleeping. Like I will just stay up. Like there's day, there's nights where I literally stay up the entire night and go to work because I'm, I just can't sleep. I, I, I just can't, I toss Taryn, you know, uh, and I do that for about three days, getting like three hours of sleep and then it all catches up with me and I sleep like 12 hours straight. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I, I have a horrible time sleeping at night. That's why I've always preferred second shift with jobs because uh it just it, it even when it, like it's easier for me like to like uh yesterday for example i didn't go to sleep until like i want to say like 10 a.m and i woke up at uh 2 p.m and went to work and you know just with that short amount of sleep i was like cool i didn't i wasn't that tired but if i do that and i have to wake up at 7 a.m or 6 a.m and have the same amount of hours i'm like way more tired throughout the day it's it's bizarre uh it's just something about like i'm not tired at night i think that i i think that if i lived in like alaska where it's all dark all the time it'd probably benefit me 30 days of night well it's not always <laughs> like that but yeah 30 days of night yeah oh yeah. there's another show we could do 30 days of night one and two <laughs> i mean that shit yeah, happens awesome to me where i like there'll be especially work nights i'll like uh get tired early but then i'll randomly like just kind of wake up at like you know midnight one and when i what i should do is just like lay back down and go to sleep but instead i'll be like oh well since i woke up let me see what's on here and here and here and next thing i know it's like i've been up two three hours like oh shit this is not good because i gotta work the next day (laughs) Uh, i'm the exact same way man i'm a night person totally night person you know I, I start watching movies after everyone's in bed and shit and i usually watch three or four every night Four thirty-five in the morning rolls around i'm like man i should probably go to sleep kind of thing man but i've always been like that man i you know working night shift like the graveyard shift was like the shit for me man that mm-hmm. was that was like the most amazing thing for me because it seems like i always wake up around seven or eight o'clock at night you know it's like 10 to 10 at night right now and i feel great man it's like you know, at ten in the morning, I didn't feel like this. Definitely not. Yeah, when I when I was in my early twenties, I worked a job. It was a it was a swing shift, but it was four tens. I worked three thirty p.m. to two a.m. and uh, I would get off work, and it's like you know you're up for a while, but you could sleep to like noon, one o'clock, no mm-hmm. problem. So mm-hmm. it, it worked really well for like being an insomniac because you were up anyway and then if you got off work early like on a friday it's like okay it's a friday night you're off work at 8 30 9 o'clock and i'm ready to get it down to college town with my friends and yeah, yeah. 
sure. Yeah, I love I, I love second shift. Third shift for me, I like it for a while, but I start getting depressed kind of after a while because it's you don't you start not seeing anybody. Yeah, and like you know what I mean. Like you you feel like a recluse because you're up when nobody else is, and like so third shift. I don't love love, but I still like it better than first shift. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the main reason I work an early shift now is just because it works better for family stuff. You know, I got yeah. kids in school, so it's like it's better if I'm off when they're out of school. It just makes it easier logistically. But if I, you know, if I was still without kids and stuff and I could just do it according to what I want to do, I wouldn't mind going back to a second shift. So what did you guys do for New Year's this year? Mm, what the hell did I do? Oh, I went uh, over a friend's house and we watched the PFL and uh, just kind of kicked in, reminisced over the last 10 years and talked about life and stuff. It was pretty cool. Didn't really get into anything too crazy. You have some drinks? Did you guys break out the fucking confetti? Yeah, we had, we had some drinks, but nothing. nothing <clears throat> it was just a two of really- you? Uh, and his mom and his mom's boyfriend and uh, his brother and uh, like his mom, a couple of his mom's friends or something. So your girlfriend was out having fun. She was at a party. I think she went to the casino or something. Wow, casino at New Year's. Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> Never done that shit before. Mike, what I don't you do? gamble like that. No. <clears throat> yeah, I. This is the first year in a while we didn't really do anything. We just uh, saw. I, I went. I bought some like little party popper stuff for my kids, and my kids are still pretty young, so they're they. Even if I try to let them, they they can't make it to midnight. So what I do is I. Uh, I don't know if you know non West Coasters know, but out here they'll they'll show like the new year's stuff on the TV for like the East coast new year's yeah. first. Yeah. So I kind of let my kids do like the, their new year's at like nine o'clock, which will be midnight East coast. Well, and That's the real new year's. So, I mean, that makes sense. No, that's like the half new year's, like the <laughs> not, not quite new year's yet. Um, it happens so, first. What do you mean? <laughs> it, it doesn't count as New Year's until the whole U.S. is on New Year's, man. It's like halfway there, halfway. But uh, so you know, I, I the so basically when me and you know when I had kids, we stopped kind of going out, obviously. But I would always go to my friends, um, my friends' family. They you know host a big old party, like a family friendly party. And but I noticed like the last couple of years, it's like it gets to like ten thirty or eleven, and I'm just like, fuck, man, am I getting old or lame or what we, we we would just oh. get tired not not yeah obviously yeah no we wouldn't be tired like i want to go to bed tired but just like wow i'd rather be just lounging at home watching movies at a, around 11 o'clock than quote-unquote partying so they sure were like let's just chill at home party you know we'll we'll drink, have some drinks and you know have some hanging with mary jane if you know what i'm <laughs> saying but uh uh, we did, yeah. So we just let our kids kind of fire off the party poppers. We had like these confetti shooter things, and of course, it made it made such a bigger mess than we were expecting. That we got to sweep up confetti <laughs> at at that time. But um, yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe next year we're thinking about next year heading back doing the party thing again. But it was kind of it wasn't bad having like a night or a year off from that. Just you know, we're fucking old not old old but you know moods you're the same age as me so yeah 
ah, hitting that magical age, you know. Yeah, that's why you got to incorporate your friends and stuff. Like we, what we did this year was uh, we had, um, you know, two of my buddies and their wives and their kids come over and shit. So there was like six adults and there was five kids and we basically had a had a hot oil fondue for us and then fed the kids other fucking food because they're not gonna do, oh, yeah, do with that right. shit because it takes way too long and shit but you know it turned into you know a pretty good party the kids are really good and stuff and uh i mean more of a gathering i wouldn't say party kind of thing but everyone pretty much stuck around till midnight and shit and had a bunch of drinks and had a good time it was actually yeah. quite fun it's very interesting because you know ever since i've had kids like we gen there was one year where we didn't do anything because some our plans actually kind of fell through and shit but uh mm-hmm. um, we generally still go out like we're still those people that will get a babysitter and um you know go and do some stuff but this year we're like ah fuck it man we'll keep it low-key stay in the house do some fun doing and you know have a bunch of drinks because we still had so much fucking you know uh, just crazy Christmas, you know, snacks and, and foods and shit from, you know, from Christmas and shit. So yeah, I, it was I, a I good way to me, get rid of it. Some of it because, you know, <laughs> like really like I'm not going to eat all that shit. So yeah, I think, I think for me and Jen, it's like, we pretty much all, so we own, we own a house now, but before this we were renting and f- pretty much all through our twenties and even our early thirties, we were that house where like, the party was at like you mm-hmm. said you had a mma parties we we had the same thing like we'd have like friends family tons of people over we'd be the party that's like ordering that 200 wing wing stop order <clears throat> at like midnight 10 minutes before they closed Dude. i think we put in so many years of like partying every other weekend that at at this stage of our life it's not that we don't miss it but it's just like we we did that shit for like a decade straight it's it's like we have that in our resume you know it's not that we'll never party again but it's like like, man we we're just ready to kind of relax and we chill we honestly dude that is like i know i'm not as old as you guys but i did like way too much stupid partying in my early life especially in like high school and after um, that I kind of got burnt out of it in the, around like 22. Like funny enough, around when I started this podcast, like I, I settled my life down and and stopped getting into trouble and stuff. And yeah. and ever since then, like I I'll still go drink casually and stuff, but I just don't. I just I just am like more of like a calm dude now, and I, I just. I don't like it. It was fun. Me and me and my friend just you know sat had had a couple six packs and just you know bullshitted. And mm-hmm. it was it was and watched uh, the fights, you know. It was yeah. Awesome. See, yeah, there's always a time your shit's gonna end up like that, man. Like we, Mike, we were exactly the same way at this place, man. When we bought this house, it was like every fucking weekend, man. We always had like backyard barn bruisers. Oh my god, dude, we had so many fucking parties and stuff. It was all the fucking yeah. time, man. Just crazy. We were like that house, like I mean, but respectfully though, man. Like we still let our normal lives and shit like that. But we always had people over and stuff, and it was great and and things like that and i mean even when when we had kids it was like kid um i mean obviously it slowed down a little bit but it was already slowing down from there because we were older right it just wasn't Mm -hmm. as frequent because we used i used to host poker parties here all the time mma uh we still do the super bowl party every single year we haven't missed that and since we've owned this house in 12 years and we're actually doing it again this year and stuff so that's one thing that we kind of have to look forward and stuff but like the frequency of the party especially in the summer is so non-frequent anymore because we're out of town like every weekend so we don't really yeah. party a whole lot and yeah we'd like never use our backyard fire pit at all ever it's I, fucking crazy I, yeah I, I think for us more it's not so much the parties that we miss 
it's more um having the flexibility to just go out like it you know a friday or saturday night when you just want to go out on the town not necessarily get shit faced but you know have grab dinner just do a little bar you know have the flexibility to do whatever the fuck you know be spontaneous that's that's more what we miss and it's not that it's not that our parents like are never willing to babysit but it's like we don't want to be asking them like all the freaking time and you know it probably in a few years from now when my oldest is technically old enough to babysit the youngest like will that'll re-enter our lives where we can just kind of go out because we're we're pretty where we live we're pretty close to our downtown area so it's not like mm-hmm. we're driving you know 20 miles across town to go where we want to go so that'll come back but it's you know putting in that time until they get a little older so it's that it's just that kind of stage in our life we have once that my best friend we actually uh actually it was just a couple weeks back just right before christmas we we actually kind of did that um uh aaron the, like the wife's parents were wanted to take you know the kid for the weekend kind of things so like perfect well we got to plan something kind of thing right so i'm like whatever we don't really have a plan but let's just do this actually no, it was right after christmas mm-hmm. and um so I'm like, well, let's start, we'll go for dinner and then we'll just fucking, we'll just do like an old school kind of hopping around type deal. So we went for dinner, we ended up at the casino right away and like, I don't gamble either. Like I'll play poker and shit like that, but like mm-hmm. to go into a casino and play and gamble and shit is like, fuck that. It's not, I don't really get any enjoyment out of that. So I just kind of sat in the lounge and had a couple rum and cokes and shit, like rum and gingers. And uh, then we moved on. We just went to a bunch of different places, a bunch of pubs and, you know, other places and ended up in this club and shit. It was like fucking crazy. It just felt young again. It was awesome. But it's pretty rare that shit happens, but it did. And it was like really fun. But like midnight hits and also my buddy like hit a wall. And he's like, I, I got to go. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> like we're getting to the point now where there's no late night fucking Wendy's Junior Bacons and shit. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, that was some fucking New Year's talk. Uh, since we're into 2020, um, has there been any films released this year that that we need to check out or what the fuck, man? <laughs> that we so need far? to check out? No. <laughs> What's even come out? Like, I haven't really been... Sh- I've been really in this mode well, since the New Year started. I'm just like, fuck it, man. Like, I am completely not watching... Too- because I started last year in 19, like, New Year's Day. Like, I think there was a movie I watched, like, right away and shit, and I was like, okay. And then I just kind of paced myself all year, watched 130-something, whatever the fuck it was. Who cares? But then this year, I'm like... I started watching shit that I really wanted to watch and I was like, you know what? I'm having fun doing this. I'm not even trying to seek out anything. I'll let everyone else watch the shit for a first month or whatever. And then let me know. So anything good? Uh, no, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, there, there's the two theatrical films. Um, one of them is, uh, the grudge, which was what we just did an episode of that. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know what? Let me shout that out real quick. Started a new Shameless podcast. Plugs. Shameless fucking plugs, uh, man. This, guy. this this is this is the start of a new podcast for 2020. It's me and Carly, uh, and it's called His and Her Movie Podcast, aka Double HMP. Uh, and please check it out. Episode two will be out next week, probably by the time you hear this. Definitely listen to that episode because there's a pretty big announcement on there, and I just want everybody to to be listening to that. Yeah. Uh, and then do you guys start the new it, podcast because Netflix sucks now and you, they don't it, get any good movies <laughs> pretty much uh, no it, it was, I, it was, that was it kind was of a, a limited first episode. 
Thank you, Mike. Yeah, people except, seem except to really for the like West Coast shit talking, everyone can fast forward through that bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's funny though because like every it seems like this one already has more success than Netflix and Chill ever did. So I'm very happy about that. Uh, but our first episode featured a preview of 2020 as well as a review of The Grudge. Um, spoiler alert: we both thought it was awful. Uh, and next episode will be um, tackling underwater, which we saw today. Uh, so yeah, moods theatrical horror. Um, the Grudge sucked. I'll save my thoughts for underwater for that show. But um, I don't think anything has dropped on streaming as of yet, right? Yeah. Like nothing big, Mike. Uh, there's a Shutter movie that just hit called The Marshes. I actually watched that, but I'll I'll bring it up later. Um, under the what we watch segment but uh yeah other than that no i i don't think there's that much and it's funny because i was just thinking about this earlier today it's like the end of 2019 i was cramming so hard and then like we you know we did our top 10 on fresh cuts and then i was so happy to turn the page and then 2020 hit and i of course i knew about the theatrical releases and for january but i was like so hyped to be like all right let me see what's on vod what's on vod and there just wasn't shit <laughs> like yeah i had to wait for theatrical stuff and uh yeah, who would have thought that there would have been more theatrical movies coming out than fucking vod and other streaming well, services what's That's crazy weird, about right? th- what's crazy about that moods yeah is there's actually four horror films mm-hmm. coming out this this month in Every january week. yeah which and you- i actually did some research on for for something else i'm doing on his and her uh movie podcast this guy uh, puts and, more effort into his new podcast than he does <laughs> compared to this one and uh <laughs> fucking guy during my research i've i went back through the last 10 years of films released in january yeah uh and there's never been a month where there have been uh four titles i don't think well i think i said that too i was like man i remember like, we talked about this in 13 14 there was like absolutely none like even for through the whole years and shit i was like when was the last time there was four theatrical films? There was in at least January? one every year in January for the last ten years, though wide yeah. releases. Yeah. So and it's at least one. Underwater is the one that's a technically like a dump off, right? Film like two years ago or some shit like that. Yeah, I I heard something like that too. I, I actually didn't even really have much interest in that shit. So yeah. Then again, what, was, are the uh, other, what are the other two theatricals that are coming out this month? Because I know the, the Grudge, I had no intention. The turning. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, 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 the Gretel and Hansel one is what I'm most interested in because yeah. that's Osgood Perkins directed that. Okay. Of course, from um. Yeah. Yeah. Black um, Kid's daughter. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I didn't. I was surprised that we even got that movie here. Um. The Grudge, but no, no interest in seeing it, man. I really did not. Isn't, well, it, isn't it kind of like a good. sequel to like the remakes or some shit like that? What's going on with that? I heard people saying it wasn't even like a standalone. It's actually like a sequel to the It remi- could be considered a sequel to the original Grudge. Or to the original. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. And I was like, really? I was like, holy fuck. I didn't even know that until like yesterday. I was like, that's crazy. Maybe, I was like, well, maybe that's the reason why people are not really digging it too much. Mm. But it's probably no, it, it, it There's many reasons. <laughs> it's just not know. good, dude. It's. Uh, I just knew it, man. I knew it, but yeah, whatever. Years got to start off somehow, right? Either good or I bad. Felt, I felt bad for Harold and Lin Shay for being yeah. in that garbage. Oh, shit. Oh, I, felt actually, I felt bad Sadler's for William Sadler, Sadler and, and fucking... Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
man, Lynn Shea has really been doing a lot. She's been fucking putting in work, man. You, I mean, she was really the best. Uh, JP, would you say she was the best performance in it, even though the movie sucked? I mean, she was probably the best part of it, yeah. even though that doesn't say much, but still. The, mo- the movie's completely soulless. It just has no soul. Uh, I'm now yeah. 0 for 4 with grudge films that I, I like. <laughs> 0 for 4. Is that including the uh, original Japanese one? It's including all of them. All oh, he, them. he I, yeah. No, I listen. I don't think it's a bad movie. I just it's I don't like it. You know what I mean? It, it's 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 okay. Uh, that's Juon the Curse, I believe, the one from O2. And then yeah. uh, I didn't like the American one. Uh, and then I didn't like Sadako versus Kayako either. Um, oh, you, you can at least have a little fun with that one. I never even. I mean, it was I, okay. I okay it but out, I'm just but... saying, like my 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 what I consider like a a a a score like a a one for one or something is a seven or higher if you're six point five or under it's just not worth my time really um to remember you you know what i mean uh so and granted i like some films Look at this snooty motherfucker six and a half <laughs> get the fuck no, out I'm, yeah. just, I, I'm just Shit. saying like i'm not gonna count you oh, as a six as six a great a success half. if you if 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 I don't think you're at least a seven or above, but that's not saying I don't like film. Like I like films that I've given fives, five point fives. That no they're, way, that are girl. Decent. Six and a half shit. <laughs> but but do you know what I'm saying? Like it, the most people cut it off at five. I mm-hmm. cut it off at seven, just because like there's so much good stuff out there. Like I don't want to, you know, I, I I prefer sevens and above. I don't even cut off anything really, to be honest. I mean, unless I absolutely fucking load the movie like mid lamer. But uh, I don't know, man. I've I've revisited <laughs> films. I've honestly revisited films that you know I at least had a somewhat enjoyment with, and um, and, and just really kind of enjoyed them a lot more than I probably should have. You know, it's happened on multiple occasions, man. I think with a movie like Mid Mid Lamer that I fucking Shut I paid I, I sat up. there that and movie fucking, is good. <laughs> I paid every ounce of attention to that shit. I was glued to it. And just, I mean, really, you were glued to it. That means you liked it. Well, no, because I really wanted to pay attention. I thought there was, I thought there was going to be some miraculous turnaround in this fucking lame ass fucking miraculous story. turnaround from the greatness you are you oh, witnessing. Th- no, it's just like no. I meant what I was. I was actually really paying attention to it because sometimes I would get sidetracked when I'm watching movies if I get bored and stuff. But I was like, hey, this has got to, this got to turn around. Everyone loves this fucking movie. Something's got to change, you know. No, we didn't didn't really God damn but, it, <laughs> and that's why i'm like i don't know if i'm gonna watch this shit again based on obviously the time is definitely a factor i mean if i think if it was a 90 minute movie it might have been better i don't know doubt it but um i can't see myself revisiting that thing anytime soon because i just got no enjoyment out of it and like i still remember it you know perfect like i just watched it kind of thing but oh my god yeah i loved it i mean i thought it was great i mike i'm assuming that made your top 10 as well yeah it was in my top three but he also I had close calls too. on him, and kudos to fucking Mr. Merriman for having close calls on there. That was pretty awesome. Oh, dude, check and- it out. The close calls and the Black Force were my final two watches of 2019, and they both. Did you watch him because of our show? Uh, no, no. I watch. Well, I don't know. It wasn't directly because of it, but um, in the other chat, not the Fresh Cuts chat, but the other one I'm in with Moods and some other people. It was like a week, I think, before we were doing the fresh cuts, and I asked like him and Derek and someone. I was like, "Look, I got a week left to cram what I can 
throw out some suggestions and those were two of the ones that got suggested and i was like all right let me and i i didn't even know close calls was like released like way early in 2019 it was one of those ones that just totally slipped my not you know knowing that it was even out there and it happened to be on tubi so it was like easy to like access so i was like dude i love tubi I was really shocked when you said it was on Tubi. I was like, "Damn, that's really cool, man!" Like I used to. Yeah, it's underrated as hell, dude. Tubi. Here's the thing about Tubi. It has commercials. It. it, (laughs) Well, okay, that. I mean, it actually doesn't bother me though because I'm like, doesn't bother me. It's a pretty good. It's a pretty good free streaming site that has a lot of fucking content on it. I can deal with the commercials that are 10 seconds. It's not a big deal because the movies. Well, because it's free. It's you know, free, if but it they're was, not cut. Yeah. It's not like TV it's a good, versions. Good trade off. Right? It's a it's a fair trade off in yeah. my mind I mean, because they don't, cut, they don't cut the movies. They just put commercials. Exactly. And and like, it's not even that many commercial breaks. Like you would think it would there would be more, yeah. but it's really not that bad. But no, what I was going to say was the thing about Tubi is like it does have sometimes it will have the Netflix aspect where you might have to dig through a bunch of crap to get to. Good stuff, but if you hit like their little categories, you'll notice like they have a lot of fucking quality stuff on here. Like I'm surprised. Like how is this on a free service? Even with ads, I'm surprised at some of the stuff that they get on there. And uh, if if people tell me stuff that's on there, it's like, and then I can skip the whole browsing thing and just you know go right to that shit. And when mm-hmm. I um, I think Derek, I think it was Derek that told me it was on Tubi, and I was like, well shit, I'm watching it and. I even told some people, I was like, Close Calls was pretty like, uh, it was, I think, nine on my list. And I was like, I I want to say it might have been higher if I had more time to like digest it. Because it I only watched it maybe three, four days before we did the show. And I was like, this has to make my top ten. But if I had you know more time to think about it, I was like, man, maybe it would have been like a little bit higher. I just didn't want to have too Ooh, much. Of you know what, reaction. Mike? You know what, Mike? I really, really enjoyed. Like I watched it. I think it was like day two of my thirty-one days of horror. Um, it, you know, this past October, and I like I really enjoyed it a lot. And I, I picked out a lot of things in the movie. I picked out some of the Shining uh, kind of throwouts there. You know, shoutouts and stuff to the Shining and, and a couple other horror films and stuff. And I'm like, and then I had questions, and I'm like, I just want to know if they're if if my questions or the answers to my questions are right kind of thing so i actually watched the commentary because i i saw like on the dvd that um he had done a commentary for and i'm like man maybe he'll do a good commentary and actually talk about and give us a lot of insight into the film and he really does break it down he like he goes into all the shit that he was you know influenced by and where he was going with this and like and what some of the symbolism was like everything he goes into and i'm like fuck this movie's awesome Right. It, he, it feels he, I was like right about of most of the shit. Yeah, I was yeah. right about most of the shit I was thinking about. There was a couple things that he totally filled me in. I was like, awesome. Like, totally fucking cool, man. I thought it was... That's a really good indie film, and I wish more people had seen it, but I got to give a big shout-out to Lacey Liu for actually sending over the 22 Shots uh, Top 10 in 2019 show to the director of Close Calls, and he actually Did she really? Out. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she sent it over, and he checked it out, and uh, I guess... Wait, did he hear Dave? He did. He actually did, and it was so fucking funny because i was making funny of dave actually dave was the one that was telling me about it today and i said hey you must have felt like a real cool guy after you uh bashed the shit out of all that good acting on the movie right <laughs> and he goes dude i feel like a piece of shit now he goes i think I, he goes i think i'm gonna have to fucking he goes i'm gonna have to uh you know help out or do a kickstarter on his next movie or whatever and i was like yeah you're probably gonna have to give him a little bit of loot for that one but uh, but yeah big shout out to Lacey lou for doing that man he checked it out he loved it and stuff so i think he's I haven't seen any other lists where it was on besides Mike. So 
that's good that it's yeah. getting maybe some notoriety maybe people check it out and stuff but uh, i just thought it was so fucking funny when dave was like just went off on the acting on it i was like dude, holy so shit fun. dude dave cracked me up because he that doesn't show, really dude. do that a lot of, like i've been watching dave's videos for years and years and he doesn't really he doesn't go like that. He does it on our on show. He's done it like four or five times. You know it's what? Hilarious. I think it's because we've rubbed off on him because we just don't give a fuck on here. And we're just like, we'll just go off on shit. But if you like, if you know Dave personally, it just, he must've felt really strongly about that. Cause it just like, it came barking at you, man. It was like, dude, the fucking so acting was horrible. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm just like, whoa, whoa, Dave. Dude, what, Holy shit. what was his other rant? There was another rant he had too. It was like great, but and oh, see, uh, I was shocked. I was more shocked the fact because I thought for sure Dave would really like close calls because that seems to be the type of movie that, that we would have in common kind of thing. But it turns out that you and him for some fucking weird ass reason had like eight, eight out of 10, baby. eight of the same movies. That's gotta be like the most I've ever seen. But I have to say though, interesting enough, because that wasn't the most interesting thing that you and Dave had similar lists. Cause I always considered you guys have such polar opposite tastes was the fact that there was six people on this show and we had six different number ones. That's crazy. I don't think that's even ever happened before. No, we've had four different number ones, I think. Um, but I don't think we've ever had six or five even. I don't think we've even had five different no, number ones. No, but I mean, mm. I'm talking the main host. Six people, six different number ones. And so I was kind of right going into the show. I said, I, man, I think our lists are going to be you know, pretty different. And it turns out there was. There was a lot of interchangeable films and there was a lot of films that were you know, just on certain lists and stuff. But the number ones is really kind of shocked me that no one had the same number one so that's cool yeah it is cool do you, let me ask you guys this because you you brought up um mike brought up having if you have he have ha, had he had time to digest close calls it might have went higher one week removed two weeks removed do you guys have any list remorse yet no absolutely not i don't think so only because um I am someone that doesn't, you know, I don't necessarily, you know, so everyone knows up probably by now because me and Venom have been on 22 shots so many times in the past, you know, three, four months. I do a show with him. Venom is like a serial, like rewatcher. You know, he watches movies two, three times before he constructs these lists. So I think he has, he's very definitive. Most of my list making is based on like a single watch so it's hard for me to until like i actually rewatch stuff it's hard for me to say that i have any remorse so i i'm pretty happy with how my uh 2019 list turned out it's hard to say at this point i've had any remorse you know like a year from now if i've rewatched them midsummer um, was the one? Well, I, I, I don't even say a rewatch because I watched the director's cut because I was just kind of interested um, to see you know what additional stuff was in it. Um, so that was the one I quote unquote rewatch. And then us, you poor bastard, man. <laughs> man, I was like moods. If you only <laughs> see the director's cut, you'll love it even more. But <laughs> extra half moods, an hour I, on top of that two and a half. No, thank you. <laughs> I mean, all shit. the all the great stuff got even better. In, in the director's cut i don't Moon know what tweet. the fuck i swear th- this has to be one of the most bizarre things like for a movie that's so well liked it's in the realm of movies that i really do like it's kind of artsy it's it's got like that type of shit that i like it just it didn't work for me at all didn't that, work for that's me at exactly all. why i was so shocked when you said like you didn't like because i was like man it, it it feels like the the uh 
the elements of that movie are like right up your alley. So when you, I thought you were just fucking around the first time you said like, oh, when you started calling him mid lane, I was like, this motherfucker, he's just fucking talking. I, shit. I thought Brandon was trolling too because I never know when Brandon's being serious or trolling. Um, which is usually like ninety percent troll. Um, he, but he kept call, he kept saying it sucked too, and I was like, "You're fucking lying! It's gonna be your number one." Um, but no, he did. He actually didn't like it. Uh, th- I've, I've seen a few people who didn't like it, but uh, for me, I did have a little bit of remorse. Um, don't get me wrong; I'm I'm very happy with my list, and I usually always am. Um, but there was one film that I think the more like because I had watched it like the day before we recorded. Had I had I watched it maybe a week earlier, it probably would have made my list. Um, and that's Lords of Chaos. Uh, I really loved it, dude. It, it was it's one that I keep thinking about. I don't think even we, still. I don't think we really discussed that a whole lot. But did you know the story before going no. to that, or you just take it? See, no. that's see that's what's interesting about the movie. A lot of people that know the story, they you know they can t- if they can take it as a movie you know, and just kind of accept it as a movie, uh, you know, turns out, you know, most people kind of liked it and stuff, but if you didn't know the story before people seem to really like Lords of chaos. Right. Well, I, I liked it even more after I knew, like found out it was like based on a real story. So, uh, but yeah, going into it, I, I know you reviewed it on here, but I had forgot. Mm -hmm. I I didn't know it was the same movie or something like that. You know what I mean? It It was just, it was just a giant, giant fucking story. Like when that shit happened, I remember like it was the craziest story ever. Like hearing about this band mayhem and the fucking lead singer killing himself. And, and then, you know, the guitar player fucking, you know, using brains fragments and making necklaces (laughs) and shit and actually using the actual photo that he took as an album cover. It was his real dead body. It's like, it's fucking crazy. Like that shit was actually for real. Like, I mean, it, it was like this massively insane story. And it was just like, wow, this music's fucking insane. It's real, man. There's like real saneness. They're burning down churches. And it was nuts. <laughs> it's fucking nuts. But they they really Hollywoodized the movie a lot, you know, with, you know, Buddy having the fucking girlfriend. There's a lot of shit that they had to throw in there to kind of make, fill it in to make a movie, you know, and shit mm-hmm. like that. But, I mean, it's still good. I really enjoyed it, actually, for what it was. Uh, I, I, lo- I think that um, Rory Culkin had one of the best performances I've seen of the year, dude. Um, I, I thought he like absolutely killed that role and especially in the end like what all happens in the end is is his acting is top notch mm-hmm. um, yeah that was that was a that was a great one from the year the uh, actual, but other than the actual, that I was gonna say the actual scene where the shit goes down mm-hmm. that's one of the most brutal depictions of someone getting stabbed yeah, yeah like, that's because what, that's, it, it's just I think Fuck that man. a lot of it has to do with Rory's acting. Actually, that's that's what one of my you know props was for. But but the thing is, like, I don't know what I would have knocked off because I really like Bliss, which was my number ten. So you know, it, it's like I almost wish that it was a top eleven that year because I, I really liked. See, Bliss Bliss was my number ten until I saw Close Calls and Dark For or Black Forest. That those are the two that knocked it off, um, and I. I was going back and forth because I was like, man, I, my my fear when I was making my list after I saw this, I was like, is this just a knee jerk reaction where like because they're so fresh in my mind that I'm oh, kind of over hyping them in my mind? That happens and to me. I just, yeah, I was thinking about, it, I was like, nah, man, and um, I just went with it, and 
you know, Bliss is I, I loved Bliss. No issues with that movie for the most part at all. It's just oh man. I mean that's kind of the thing about making a list, you know. Uh, your top ten when there's a lot of good movies, uh that shit happens. You know, I'm i I'm looking at my eleven through twenty five right now and I'm like, no, there's absolutely no remorse here. I mean, the movies that I put on my top ten are definitely the ten that I would stick with right now and probably not change anything, to be honest. I mean I just I don't think it's changing at all. I'm pretty happy with yeah. this list, man. Considering the year was a little bit weaker for me, you know, there's not like a whole lot, like an abundance of like just. Re- I I had a, like a pretty easy time compiling my top ten list, which is I guess good and bad. There's pros and cons to that, but I would like it to be a little bit harder and make myself kind of evaluate other films in different perspectives and different ways and shit. But this year I was like, hey as I was doing this through the year, I'm like, Hey, these ones are here. Like, is this knocking it off? Blah, blah, blah. And it just turns out it was, it kind of set itself. It was really fucking Mm -hmm. simple. It was definitely the easiest year I've had probably since we've done this show. I don't really remember how I even did the the list in 13 because we didn't really watch a whole lot. I mean, overly prep. Like, I mean, we probably watched a fair amount. But like I said before, I've explained this. It was just harder to see films. It was, I wasn't going to buy everything. It's just, it's different then. Well, and we we didn't start the show until I want to say November. So, I mean, we only had like two months of prep before we did our... I mean, we you know. watched a fair amount from the year, but it was we watched a lot of older and retro films. We weren't really concentrating on the new shit, to be honest. Yeah, I, ne- I never concentrated on the new shit no. until I started this show. Yeah, I mean, you you would watch the shit that people were talking about, or if you if you read or saw something that was interesting and check it out and stuff like that. And that's pretty much what it is. But now it's like everyone's like, "Yo, man, Kate." compile a list of the films I need to fucking check out right now. It's like, it's like crunch time. It's just like chaos when it comes down to it. But I think I've done a pretty good job of, you know, kind of, I just feel so much relief, man. Just like, I don't know, like this year I was like more relieved than ever before to be done with it. Um, I just was like, man, I just feel so like that first week or two of January, especially if we take a week off of just being able to watch like whatever the hell I want. And, and, just kind of go with the flow is so nice you know what i mean because yeah i mean dude we talk about it all the time somebody asked us the other day like what amount of hours do we spend doing this when i'm i i uh, made that post asking if people could basically um give me some of their drug money so that i wasn't poor uh so i could quit my job and podcast um and yeah it's like the amount of prep dude is like a, 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 at least a part-time job if not a full-time job uh, when we're, when we're going hard weekly, it's insane. We, we put in like a lot of hours and that's why whenever people say, you know, like, Hey, like, I'm glad your show is like five hours. It makes my whole entire work day like smooth. Like, that's why I love that stuff. When people say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I just, I just completely forgot about 19 moved on to, 2020 and just started off my year with berserker <laughs> i started off with stand by me which i had on 4k 4k nice. and i wanted to watch since i picked it up but i couldn't because i was prepping for everything else so yeah that was nice been a while since i've watched that it's always been a favorite of mine well it's been a while since i had like a mini marathon like kind of by myself you know like i watched seven <laughs> movies new year's day because I I told the wife I said man when I get up I'm just I'm fucking going down to my man cave and I'm not coming up at all 
like I'm just I'm having a day by myself kind of thing and I watched seven movies I busted out like the Robocop trilogy I've like, seen that I, I watched like a whole pile of like, different <laughs> shit I even watched City on Fire oh, actually no, that was the next day but I watched a whole pile of shit I've watched so many Angel. movies since the beginning yeah I watched the Angel trilogy yeah man it's fucking crazy I don't know what's yeah, yeah I like looking fire. at your letterbox because I'm just like one I'm always like how the fuck does this guy fit all these in and then <clears> two I'm like just curious to see like what you watch because you will go on like streaks of watching the same type of thing for yeah. a little bit like you'll watch like a bunch of christmas movies in a row or something or you'll like like i remember before you watched all four of those poison ivy <laughs> movies in a row oh my god <laughs> yeah that's a bad franchise by the way but yeah no, i know i watched the street fighter trilogy too which is fantastic man that's some good shit right there Man, I'd never seen him before. Man, that's the hella awesome stuff, man. Sonny Chiba, amazing. You said City on Fire. Are you talking about Ringo Lamb's City on Fire or something different? City on Fire. No, this one has got, um, uh, what the fuck? Uh, there's like a bunch of fucking people in it. It's, it's basically about the, the dude that like lights the whole fucking city on fire. He works at this plant and he kind of blows it up and then it turns into like mayhem. It, it would go great with uh, with threads. It has that type of feel to it. Oh, okay. It's kind of like yeah, a, it's like a disaster yeah. film and shit like that. It's uh, yeah, it's got a lot of fucking people. The, in it, the city on fire, I know, is Ringo Lambs, which is like what Reservoir Dogs is based off of. Basically, yeah. yeah, no, this one's so. got like Henry Fonda. He's he plays like the I think he's like the mayor in the film. It's got Leslie Nielsen in it. Um, oh, who, else is, who else is in the fucking movie? Uh, I think Susan Clark's in it. Shelley Winters has a small or a smaller role. Barry Newman's in it and shit. Like, there's there are a lot of people and shit. It's it's like a disaster film, man. It's like you know this shit could happen you know some dude basically gets passed over for like a um you know like a supervisor position and he he's been there a long time and he's pissed off and he they work at this kind of this type of plant and shit and he fucking blows it up and it it actually asks i don't think he means for the whole city to blow up kind of thing but like everything catches on fire and it's just like fucking mayhem it's okay it's okay i i mean you know if the production value was a lot better than i was actually anticipating it to be um, but uh, it's okay, man. It's okay. So those movies kind of get you thinking, though, right? Like when you watch th- shit like Threads, it has to be like one of the most depressing movies of all time. But yeah, this right here is on the same. It's not the same level as Threads, but it, it's the same idea. You know, people are literally fucking just being burnt out of their homes and and dying and shit like that. And you know, but yeah, it's kind of depressing. So. <laughs> But yeah, enough of that. <laughs> so 2020, down, right? Way to bring down the goddamn show. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, no, the point is I've been just watching a whole pile of shit. Mixed in, like, I watched a couple, you know, Sergio, Sergio uh, Cabucci films, you know, Italian westerns and shit lately and stuff. And just been nice. Been nice. And then prepping for the show, man, this week, which was interesting, you know, to say the least. So. Hell yeah. Yeah, man. Well probably going to do it for the intro we should probably move on, move on to some news should we do that uh sure all right well let's uh let's move on to the news then we'll do it live no. We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Alright, so let's see here what we get. Um, first up, Sam Raimi 
um, addresses the Evil Dead franchise in an Ask Me Anything went during his promotion of The Grudge, which he produced. <laughs> uh, he says, Bruce, Rob, and I are working with a young filmmaker who is writing a new Evil Dead story that he will direct. Uh, Raimi continued, as for me, I would love to direct a new Evil Dead movie, but I'd really like to do it with Bruce. And he says he's retired uh, the character. I hope not. Do you think Bruce and is then, pissed off because they, they canceled the, the TV show? Uh, pissed off, I don't think. I think he's just like, he was just like bummed and just was like, yeah, that's probably it for me. But I, I mean, it, I, I think I mean, a lot it, has it, to do with it, though, man. I think that he really likes playing got, Ash. But I think it I think it honestly put a bad taste in his mouth. I think he honestly wanted to finish off that shit properly, you know, and then kind of go from there. I think, honestly, if that had to run its course naturally, I think the idea, you know, with Sam Raimi saying that he would do another film with Bruce, I think Bruce would jump all over that, man, if he had to finish out that TV series naturally, man. I think it left a bad taste in his mouth. And I can see where he's coming from and maybe give him some time. And maybe Raimi would be like, hey... You know, here's a script, Bruce. You know, it looks pretty. It, it, it could be pretty fucking sweet, man. You want to come back and do this shit? I think you might be persuaded. Man, See, to be honest. I think that they, like, his head was already in that area, like before the TV show, where he didn't really want to play Ash too much anymore. Well, what is he worried about being typecasted? Yeah, Bruce Campbell is fucking Ash. He's been typecasted since 1981. I think he's just worried about being old. Yeah, I mean, I think three. But I mean, it doesn't matter his age. He's fucking Ash. Who can, no, I don't look at Bruce Campbell and be like, man, you are way too old to be fucking. No, I'm saying like he doesn't feel like doing it at this age. Like, well, like the whole Robert... gimmick of the uh, the whole gimmick of the show was kind of uh, him being that, yeah. older to to begin with. It was like I'm not the same fucking young ass kicking Ash as I was in the movies. It, yeah, it was definitely it was kind of a play on. Well, if that. it's a, if it's a physical thing with him personally, yeah, I can see why he doesn't want to do that. Should you know, kind of not embarrass himself I, I dude i gotta get a stunt man to walk up some steps like that's fucked up but no, I, mean, I don't i don't like think it's three. that i just think he's like it's like just doesn't feel like playing the character well, he's just probably like, tired of it i think yeah i mean the show got if you would have told me like you know a decade ago that there was gonna be three seasons of it i probably would have been happy with the fact because that's still a lot of content if you if you think about it to continue yeah I, and it's been one of those things where like before the show started or before the show got announced and confirmed, it's like, how long were we hearing about like, oh, you know, rumor that this, rumor that about a new Evil Dead. And this is not taking into account the remake, but just as far as Bruce Campbell goes. And we finally got the show and, you know, the first season was really good. And the second season is when like the stars started kind of like supposedly interfering with like story elements. They went through showrunners, all that kind of stuff. But we still ended up getting three seasons of it. And I was like, Yes, would I have liked the show to keep going? Of course, because it was good. But at the same time, it's like I was kind of happy that we actually got a full three seasons of it because I would. I never didn't saw... like the show. You didn't like any of it. Probably had too I much comedy after in it. Se- I, it did. I stopped <laughs> after season one. I was just like, it, it's too goofy. Like, I mean, it was is... de- it was definitely almost like the the comedic slapstick of Army three. of Darkness yeah. and yeah. Evil Dead world kind of yeah that's what i'm saying like to me you that's why i like the original or the uh remake so much and i know i agree the defibrillator shit is horrible but if you take that out the rest of the movie is hardcore horror you know what i mean it's an actual horror movie and that's why i like evil dead one so much is because it is a horror movie 
And I, that's my preference. I can appreciate to both, to be honest, man. I mean, obviously, I'm a massive, massive Evil Dead fan. I love that it's a bonafide horror film. There's people out there that are, that are going to tell you differently that there was intentional comedy in it. I'm like, I, I don't see it. I think if there's things that are funny in Evil Dead, yeah, I think it was unintentional, which is that. which is different. <laughs> yeah, which is different. If it's unintentional, that's totally different ballgame. That's a different fucking conversation. But Evil Dead 2 is pretty much a remake of one with comedic elements part three is straight up comedy but um i don't know man i don't know i just i never checked out the tv series the comedy elements don't really bother me but i think with the tv series i can see why they wouldn't make it like straight serious horror you got to appeal to a bigger i can see why too because sam never sam prefers the other version of evil dead he doesn't well, Sam that, Raimi that makes doesn't prefer Evil Dead 1. Because, look, o- there's only one film like that in the first, you know, three. Mm-hmm. The second one is more goofy. The third one's even more goofy. And then the TV show's even more goofy than that. Uh, but part, th- you know, the, the, the reboot, I really like that because it is so much horror. And it's got a lot of carnage in it and stuff like that. Yeah, the defibrillator thing is fucking stupid. I hate that. I actually hate that mm-hmm. scene. But yeah. I get, I, I I can ignore that for like the rest of the cool movie. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the hell kind of Evil Dead they would do. Well, if Rami, well, I mean, if Rami prefers like the comedic more, I mean, I couldn't see him doing another serious one. That's kind of leave that up to the other dude, I guess. But um, well, that's that same article. I'm assuming that JP's referring to. He also talked about like uh, Fetty Alvarez, like sequel. Yeah, that was the next Alvarez. I was forget his name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he said, "What about a se- a fan asked him, what about a sequel to Fetty Alvarez's remake?" And he said, "If Fetty would write or direct it, yes, in a split second, mm-hmm. which is a weird answer to me because, like, he said early on, write Bruce, and direct it, so just have Bruce, no involvement in it. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, well, he's like talking about three separate Evil Deads essentially yep. here, right? Mm-hmm. He's talking yeah. about like." Bruce, Rob, and I are working with a a young filmmaker who's writing a new Evil Dead story that he will direct. Then he says, as for me, I would love to direct an Evil Dead movie, but I'd really like to do it with Bruce. And he says he's retired uh, the character. I hope not. So that's two separate Evil Deads. And then if Fetty would write or direct it, yes, in a split second. So that's like a third. I'm like, I think, uh, I think okay, Rami, why can't well, Fetty do it? Here's, here's a question, though. I, I think Rain. <sighs> I got a question though. So let's say Raimi talks Bruce out of Ash retirement. Do Which they? It's possible. Do they take into account the show? Because then you have Kelly and Fetty, or not Fetty, but uh, what's Heffy? Uh, do you do you just total? Is this on a separate timeline, like before that sh- show takes place, or what? Because it's I think like, they said it after the show, probably. So is there a chance that Kelly and him are in it, or is They're, it? There's probably a chance, but you could also just, you know, reference them and move on to a new story. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think uh, Raimi's uh, talking shit out his asshole right now, man. To well, be honest, I, mean, I, I think he's, he did that. He did that all through the 90s, really. See, I, I mean, think I think that he's saying that he would love 
to direct another Evil Dead movie, but unfortunately, Bruce Campbell is retired. I think it's just so fucking easy for him to say that just to please people or kind of get that little pop into people's ears and well, give them a glimmer of hope. But he knows it's never going to happen because if he knows Bruce Campbell that well, it's, you know, he's using the leverage that he's retired not to do it, but he's still going to tell you that he would love to do it. I don't think he would come out and say that he would love to direct another Evil Dead movie if Bruce Campbell had never said that he is fully retired from that character. I don't see Sam Raimi saying that shit, man. He's he's popping off right now, man. He's putting that glimmer in, in our assholes and it's not fucking true. Is, so, isn't that, isn't I just, that like, I'm seeing like, right through it. It's transparent as fuck. He's, he has well, no intentions of doing another movie because Bruce Campbell wanted to be like, shit. Isn't that shit. why stuff like this is hard to even call news because it's like he's just mm-hmm. fucking blabbing out the mouth. It's not news. It's just it's no. just a... Uh, it's a conversation um, piece, but I... No, no, no. My Bruce honest Campbell, opinion, I thought like... Didn't like somewhere last year he Bruce Campbell said he like they were working on an Evil Dead video game and he would voice it because technically, yeah. yeah I mean, I I'm looking so. for if if that's done all that. It doesn't take a lot that. of physical activity to voice a video game, though, right? Yeah. So, no, no, no I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to call him out for that. I'm just saying I would be super excited. No, if no, that no, comes I, to I'm not either. I'm not either. I'm just you know that's probably a big reason for it. I, I hope it does paycheck. happen actually yeah because the one of one of the evil dead games i think fistful of boomstick because there was hail to the king but i think fistful of boomstick was like the really really good one i really I liked hail to the king but it was hard as hell I yeah know. i might i might be mixing them up it's been i mean i think that was playstation 2 era so it's been so long since i, I had it for game. dreamcast uh but no i think that you know, when it comes to them working on a new Evil Dead, I'm sure we'll get a new one, but I don't think it'll be Sam and Bruce. But there, I forget there was a news a couple of weeks ago that that Sam Raimi is like returning to horror to direct something else that got announced. I forget what it is, um, but yeah. Well, I mean that's 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 good news, I guess too. It's I mean, it's a it's called a drag me back to hell. Drag, no, me, I don't. drag me back to hell. <laughs> no, I don't. You know, know what, man? I, that I, that I movie's not that bad. Too. I actually no, it, don't mind that movie. Too I much. like it. It is a little slapstick. Like it, it's definitely like, dude. You know, I like, love Drag Me to Hell. No, it, like, it is love good. It, it is good. so good, dude. That's a pretty strong word, man. You love that movie. I like it. Yeah, dude. It scared the hell out of me when I, I I watched that shit back when it came out by myself, and I was like, dude, this shit is scary. Uh, I would, I would honestly, I would like to see a remake or a remake, a sequel to uh, the Alvarez film. Even though I'm not the biggest fan of me the too. That's what I prefer. They like. Do. I've never seen a movie. I can't even think of another movie where I hated every character with so much fucking passion, man. Everybody in that movie is just a piece of shit. Really? Wait, from the Evil s- Dead? Yeah, from the sister to the fucking brother. Wait, all the why? friends are douches. Everybody sucks fucking dick in that movie, man. Why? It's just horrible. But why? Because she's a fucking junkie piece of shit. He's a fucking piece of shit. Everyone oh, well, just sucks, on. man. She's not. A, how do you know she's a piece of shit? She's just a junkie as far as we know. But she comes off as a piece of shit too. Like she's, it's just, it's just the way her character is in the film, man. All the friends are douchey. I couldn't wait for them to die. I mean, the best thing about the movie is watching all these assholes fucking die. I've always said this, man. This is this should not be news to you. Um, I no, that was I my don't biggest remember problem. you ever saying that. I oh. remember. I think I remember you saying the characters suck, but I don't remember you saying that like they were assholes or anything. No, they, they just come off as douchey and fucking. Every character in that movie, man, I was like, oh my god, this thing is just fucking painful. But, you know, the overall movie is actually pretty, the effects are good, you know, I mean, the blood rain's amazing. Um, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of good stuff going on in the film, but man, the characters, dude, like, it's just, it's mm. just so polar opposite, you know, com- you know, from the original Evil Dead, the characters were so likable and everyone's just like, 
decently likable. Oh yeah, you know? I remember this conversation right? a little and then, bit. And now. then you this take these characters, and then you take these characters, and I'm not like tre- directly trying to, you know, you know, compare them and shit like that. But I'm just using it as an example. But these characters are so hard to get behind because everyone just sucks. I don't know if it's the fucking dialogue or what it is, man, but they just suck. I don't know, but the movie itself. I, isn't I need bad. to rewatch it because I don't really remember the characters. They don't stand out to me one way or another. I, I think I remember the the main chick the most just because she was like the junkie and stuff. But yeah, that was that was my main thing. Outside of Jane Levy, who played the main junkie chick, but all the yeah, all the they were just more generic to me. Not not yeah, so much more likable, yeah, it's just they, generic. Yeah, kind of basic. I don't remember a lot of development with no, those. Just watch the characters and just the shit that they say and how they how they go how they are within the narrative and shit it's just i don't know man they're just not good you can't get behind any of those motherfuckers and characters are a thing with me i like characters so i, like yeah, I just i, can I get think behind. my favorite part of that um movie is like the atmosphere and the just the gore like that's that's where it really shines well the atmosphere and the in the gore those are the major major highlights in the movie for sure you know yeah. the actual effects and shit are really good. So what do you hate it? worse, the characters or the defibrillator scene? The characters, I could, I could take the defibrillator even because it's like stupid. It's like dumb, stupid, but it's like it, I don't loathe it. Like the characters, the characters yeah. suck. But the Evil Dead haunt at Hollywood Horror Nights. To be honest badass. and to be fair, that scene just—it feels. I don't know what the fuck, but it just feels like it's coming from a different movie. Right, it just—it almost—it it feels like, a, like it's coming from a parody or something. It does. It feels like it's coming from like a totally different toned film. Or like, hey, we're just gonna try this, and maybe people will fucking you know buy into this. Like, who's buying into that shit? Ain't, that shit is not gonna work, man. It's retarded. I don't know, but all right. Uh, after that, we have uh, just just a brief um, news here. Um, Lee Winnell's The Invisible Man has officially been rated R for strong bloody bloody violence. And language. Good. So, wow. That's good. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. That That's one of my most anticipated for sure. Uh, speaking of rating news, uh, the new Mutants uh, is finally coming out. Uh, at least I assume it is. You know, it's this film was supposed to come out in 2017, I believe. 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2018. Actually, it was on my top five most anticipated 2018 films, I think. Or was it 20? I can't remember. One of the years. Uh, but yeah, that film is rated PG-13. But according <clears throat> to Josh Boone, the director, he said that it was always PG-13. It was never going to be R. Um, which is fine. You know, uh, it, 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 I prefer that versus cutting it to a PG-13 no, nope. that? <laughs> that just that just sounds terrible. I can't believe that movie was actually on an anticipated list for you to watch. Or yeah, I had no in- that thing looked like shit from the start for me, man. I never. Well, I don't. I don't. And now it being I a fucking PG thirteen film. Like, oh my really? lord! Now we're gonna dumb it down basing, even more. I was basing it more on like the concept. I didn't yeah, know. I thought it looked interesting. It sounded like an interesting concept, like, and I, I I'm all for letting letting the movie uh be what it originally was supposed to be as opposed to tinkering you know uh, it looked like studio interference is what caused it to what be delayed what a year because yeah, they they did it they wanted to do a ton of reshoots wasn't it supposed yeah, to come out the same year as the first it and then yeah. because of its success they were like oh we gotta cut it or add stuff to make it more scary or yeah. whatnot they did a bunch of reshoots and then um 
that now this version that's coming out, I guess, is the original cut. So I guess yeah. they tossed the reshoots. Um, but no, I don't know. It's just like I heard, I heard the concept and it sounded cool to me, like a bunch of kids with powers in a mental hospital. And then Boone was saying that he was like heavily inspired by Dream Warriors. So to me, like that intrigued me, and I wanted to see what he did with that. Um, but I didn't really know like what at the time, like what it, cause I didn't watch trailers back then. I, I didn't know what the, like what it looked like or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I saw the trailer that year when it was originally supposed to come out and I'm not really a comic book person per se. Like there's, there are like s- certain ones I'll get interested in. Um, but overall, like I'm not someone that's like gets excited for all of them, but I saw that trailer I don't remember if it was in a theater or whatnot because it's been a while, but the concept itself is what interested me. And then when it got delayed and just kind of got shelved, I was like, what the hell are they doing with this? And then all of a sudden now it resurfaced like, oh, yeah, we're going to take it back to what it was originally supposed to be, which I just find hilarious. It's like, so you should have just released it. I think that was my favorite part. That that was my favorite part about the whole New Mutants uh, idea. Was it getting delayed and shelved? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I like the I like movies set in hospitals and stuff. Well, I think it's an interest. It's just an interesting concept, like because it's like they have mutant powers, but um, the hospital, you know, it, it looks like what it is is they they have them there under false pretenses. And, you know, things aren't as they seem and they band together. That's what I get from the trailer. Obviously, I don't want to spoil too much because you guys don't watch trailers. So, I mean, I, I think conceptually it's a it's interesting. So whereas I'm not I'm not the person to like jump on every single comic movie that comes out. I think for this one, I just think because of the concept itself, I'm interested yeah i just prefer them to be normal people kind of like you know dream warriors you know just the special powers and shit is actually the concept well, that me, defers you know me what, from watching you know it reminds me of is like the what the concept kind of reminds me of the first season of stranger things with uh 11 because her origin was like kind of in the that facility where they're like you know they have her and trying mm. to mess with her because she has her abilities and stuff that's what the trailer that original trailer from a few years ago reminded me of and that's why i was kind of interested like oh they're kind of and i'm i'm a i don't remember i don't know when the um comic itself for the new mutants or whatever you know i don't even know if that's what it was called for in the comic iteration because i'm not up on comics so much but uh yeah it reminded me of the first season of stranger or at least as far as 11's background and that and i was like oh cool we're gonna have like a mutant x-men type movie but conceptually like that and that's what kind of had me interested and then now we're what two three years later and it's finally getting (laughs) released and moods uh can't wait for his reaction after he goes to see it maybe you'll like it maybe you'll (laughs) like it you never know you know i I, i'm a little bit cooler on it now that i know it's pg-13 um but you know i i I don't know man who who knows split was pg-13 i really like that one see Uh, i don't i don't my see here's the thing with me with pg-13 is like if 
if the original story was meant to be in the confines of PG thirteen, I'm fine with it. What what annoys me is the when they like that it up. Yeah, is that yeah, Black that Christmas is, bullshit when me. she's like, yeah. oh, we wrote an R rated movie, but we had to we wanted to cut it for this this oh. and that. It's like oh, and she oh. had the audacity to say like it's it still pushes the uh, boundaries of what PG thirteen allows or something. I'm like, no, it, it did not. It, at all. it didn't at all. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that I, that shit drives me nuts, man. Like when shit has to get downplayed, you know, when scripts are written as R's and then they they come out as PG 13s That's that's always been my problem. Like I don't have problems with PG thirteen films. I've always said this. It is what it is. But when you know that there was a different version of it, and this is the final product that you're getting and seeing and shit like that, that shit annoys me to no tomorrow. That that's I'll, what uh, I've always like been movie, like that. Yeah. Like a movie like The Meg, where I was like, it's. It was fine, well, but it could have been great. For instance, if I think you know you're, you're watching the monster. You're watching the Monster Squad today, right? And that movie's uh-huh. rated PG thirteen. You know, but that movie was supposed to be PG thirteen, and it shows. Yeah, right? well, and it doesn't. It, it doesn't well, feel like, like there was anything that was supposed to be in there that wasn't. You know, like and it it's feels mostly like due. It's mostly just due to the probably the little bits of language that the kids are using and shit that they gave it the PG thirteen rating. But that's a great example of a film that. It's actually one of my favorite movies of all time, and it is PG thirteen. Here's an example of one that is the opposite, though. Like Gremlins was supposed to be R, and yeah. it ended up PG thirteen. I feel like it works you know well. You know what's funny about Gremlins, though, is that I never knew that for all those years until whatever, I guess, a few years ago, whenever we reported on that bullshit. But I've never really been the hugest Gremlins fan. I'm, I know we've reviewed it on the show, and I'm just—I'm not in love with that movie. I never have been. I don't know what it is. I, I think I like the music more than the actual movie itself. I don't know what it is. There's something about that, and honestly, I can't really stand part two. Well, we're doing it, so <laughs> I, I won't lie. Like it's fucking Phoebe, she's the only good thing about the fucking movie. But um, I like part two. But for me, but uh, Joe Dante only did part two because he told the studios, "If I'm going to do a sequel, I get to do it however the hell I want to do it." Do you He's like, like I part don't... two? JP, what do you like part two? Yeah, I don't like it a lot. I'm surprised you do because like it's it. so goofy and it's like more of the same, but it's like goofier and shit. And like it's uh, goofy, but it's fun. It doesn't yeah. have. It has this kind of awkward tone to it too. Like I. I could never figure out if it was trying to be. I don't know what the fuck it is about that movie. Well, it was Joe. Supposed- Don- it was Joe Dante being as ridiculous as he could. Yeah. Well, he because he they ha- wanted him to do a sequel, and he's like, "Fuck it, I'll just do something crazy like Halloween two kind of." Well, he had the attitude of like, "Yeah, I'm never gonna be able to replicate the first one, so I'm just gonna you know do this fucking other direction and make it." <laughs> but you know, I hate that fucking mentality too when people when they decide that they can't replicate or you don't even have to replicate, you know, the first film in a series or, you know, first film of anything, you know, with a sequel, <sighs> the fucked up thing to me, man, is that it's just, it's totally copping out. You can still make a serious film. Just try to make another good, se- not like not serious, serious, but like on the same type of tone. I think when you go the full comedic way and just make it stupid and silly and ridiculous and stuff like that, people are just like, ah, they give him a pass for that. Like, ah, fuck, he just kind of did that shit, you know, for whatever. But it just that's it's, my problem with Basket Case two and three. It's not. <laughs> it's not like it, you know. Yeah, I mean, the, those movies are kind of fun for what they are. I mean, they're bad and shit like that. But it's the same concept. The first one was like kind of goofy, but still like grounded. Yeah. Just like Gremlins. Gremlins kind of goofy, but still grounded. And then Gremlins Two is like insanely goofy, and Basket Case Two is insanely goofy. It's almost the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> I think it's a little bit different with the Lauder case, but because he actually wanted to make those movies. So I think he wanted to do a totally different approach by himself. But like with Dante, it was like they approached him and like, hey, you want to do a sequel? And he's like, well, okay, I'm, I'm not going to try and do something good like the first film. I'm going to take it, you know, this kind of angle and just I go kind of goofy I still tried to make it good. I just think that he just wanted to do something crazy. But because, it's just, but what I'm saying is just easier yeah. to do something silly and goofy than it is to try and especially I like agree. if like if you take like an original film say say like I don't know like the first film in a franchise or whatever and then all of a sudden they just go completely goofy and shit you're just like what like yeah I hate it's, when they do it's that. just so except easy. for with Chainsaw I just feel like it's easier or, to go that route than it is to try and do another good film I mean even evil even Evil is. Dead two I mean Evil Dead two you could make a argument that they went more splatterhouse and straight horror. I mean, it's. I think Evil Dead Two is great, but it is. I think there's a little bit more goofy elements than the uh, first uh-huh. one. At least per- purposeful. It's a fucking comedy, dude. Yeah, <laughs> practically, it's like, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It, there's cases where it works and it doesn't work for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's move on here. Uh, next up, um, we have an announcement of a documentary uh, hitting called Never or Sorry. Yeah, Never Sleep Again, Scream Queen. Oh, Never Sleep Again, Scream Queen. <laughs> I don't know how to say this right. Never Sleep Again, Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. This is the 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 Mark Patton documentary. Yeah, yeah. Um, about the, uh, you know, being gay in Hollywood, I guess. In the well, I, I guess we knew that was coming. Because well, every, everything has to be so politically like, correct uh, now. Yeah. Yeah, isn't it about like the the kind of gay undertones of Nightmare on Elm Street? Is, it, that, is this the same documentary that he did that was like about him? I don't or know. Was this different documentary? I I, I, did, I didn't really look into this. I just saw the title. It was, you know, it was for the the gay and lesbian community and stuff. And I was like, okay, but is it is it is it talking about like all the films that are involved in this kind of subgenre of gay undertones? No, it's shit? just, I, no. I don't, I thought this, okay. So like what so I it's thought just about was, Street was, too. Okay. Crazy. I thought this was about Mark Patton and his like mistreatment in Hollywood during the eighties for being gay. I thought that's what this was. If this is something else, then I am, I am not sure. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know. Because when when did Does, he come when did he come out and said he was gay? Because I remember like during the making of Nightmare on Elm Street two, like he wasn't fully out. He didn't know that he was gay. I I don't really know. Yeah, no, I think that I think that this is like it wasn't like out like to the end like to publicly, but I think like people knew he was gay or something during the. Yeah, so the director didn't have any prior or, knowledge, or maybe of, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's gay. necessarily about you know it's that, just, like the, if it's about the movie or mark Patton. Mm. so See, i, I thought always took I it as it was more of a coincidence that you know they made part two you know with these heavy heavy gay overtones right and it turns out the main actor in the film was actually gay this is kind of ironic a little bit but yeah see i thought the doc was about that like how <sighs> I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to say because now that JP mentions like there's the other thing with Mark, I'm like, damn, what is this? Because I, I, do you guys? So have you thought Mark it was Patton a documentary a- about just the fact that Elm Street Two seems really gay? 
No, I, I, I thought it was a collaborate. I thought it was using that as a prime source, but then you know, kind of going. I don't with- think those two things are connected, though, right? Like, I don't think they made Elm Street two gay because Mark Patton was gay. No, I, I just, said I said no, that they didn't. Okay. I said that they didn't oh. because I said it was a coincidence that yeah. they were making a movie with obvious heavy, heavy gay overtones in it not realizing that their main star was actually gay because they didn't know at the time that he was actually gay. And I, I, you know, when you hear the director even talk about it and shit, it's like they didn't even realize that they were making the gayest movie of the 80s, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, and that's the thing. There's been like a lot of back and forth on that because I know... Well, that's what they say in in the legacy in the Elm Street. In Never Sleep Again? Yeah, yeah, they they said like, oh, it was just coincidence, but then Patton's kind of pushing back on that. Like, Okay, so I don't know that half of the story, but I thought it was like taking this example of Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and the the heavy gay overtones and using that as, you know using that as a starter and exploring other 80s films that have these gay overtones and stuff but maybe they're taking the different route and they're going into the fact of how he was mistreated maybe he didn't get roles because he was gay and shit I don't know I think it's like that you okay. know like well, the, I guess that would make more sense if it's about him continued. yeah if it's about himself <laughs> if it's about himself he's going to use the Nightmare on Elm Street 2 experience and then go from there and then you know and then explore his uh, you know the rest of the 80s and stuff with his issues so I mean that makes a little bit more sense because I'm trying to think of what other movies actually had like heavily gay overtones that you can make a whole documentary about Friday 5 look at all these gay overtones man <laughs> dude you know what's fucking bizarre dude so in Friday 5 you know um, fucking uh, what's her name Voorhees um, Susie no, Pamela, Pamela or um, Debbie Sue Debbie Sue Voorhees man so I'm watching one of those angel films the other day yeah, mm-hmm. she has a small little part in it. Really? I've never she seen naked? her. No, she's not. She's just out in the street. She was a hooker, <laughs> oddly enough. But she's in the movie for like two seconds. But I'd never seen her in anything else. And I was like, hey, that's that Voorhees bitch with the big titties. I probably should yeah. say that's kind of rude. but So uh, she's actually making a Friday the 13th fan film right now. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, there's like a few little alumni in it. Uh, so this film, Scream Queen, uh, comes out on dvd and digital march 2020 so i'm actually very curious on this one um are you you bi curious on that one (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm actually curious Uh, too because if it is about you know him and his mistreatment of being gay and so i think that's kind of an interesting story but yeah there's also more uh queer horrors you would quote unquote it uh coming out this year because that shutter uh, like similar to horror noir that came out last year. Did they say they, queer horror? Is, is that that's actually what, the technical that's they, term? That's what they that's said. That's what it's labeled as, yeah. Yeah, Shut that's what the they fu- said. That sounds so offensive to me, man. Queer I know, horror. that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, that sounds that's, more offensive than saying fag horror. I don't know, man. Queer horror just doesn't sound politically correct at all, but. I think I queer know. is politically correct, though, right? Or is it not? Why do I always think as queer as being like the word you don't want to hear if you were, if you were gay? I don't know. I it mean, sounds it, old school maybe it's like maybe because they used it back in the. But 60s I think I think that's what I think that's how I think it's because it's the context of the era era that they're using the term. Because I would like now in 2020 or I guess, you know I wouldn't say like oh some something something is queer, but if they're referring to that era like the 80s era, I think that uh, see I thought or not, not not even 80s specifically, but just in the past. See, I thought, I think that, I thought you were supposed to use, like, the acronym nowadays. Because I saw, I think even on Shudder, don't they actually have a category as, like, LGBTQ? 
on there. Uh, no, there's a couple other letters plus? in there. <laughs> there's like a few more letters now, I think. Every it's, year they add a letter or well, I thought a plus it was sign. Like, or... I thought it was lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, trans and plus. Queer. But then they put a plus sign at the end because it's like. Uh, wait, what's the plus? Oh, well, because... I, remember, I remember when it was just. Wait, what's the Q? Wait, hold back on a minute. Back, back in the day, it was just LGBT. I know, but isn't so. that what? Okay, gay, lesbian, boy, gay no. person, no. lesbian is no. a female. Lesbian, gay, trans. I just, bi- I just said, no, I'm saying, gay, what does the bisexual. Q mean, though? Queer. Yes, but what does it stand for? I think. Queer, well, they already right? have gay in there, so I don't know. Really that's understand. what I'm saying. Like, gay yeah. is boy gay okay so what's been is girl gay what the hell is queer because i think queer is a more vague term for just like not well i don't even want to use a say not normal but just queer could be like anything what i mean the, what are the ias it's a, it's a bigger umbrella and that's why the plus sign is at the end because oh it's oh my god it's here covering it the spectrum here it is lgbq TQIA plus. Oh my god. What is the I and the A? Okay, so now there's also an I for intersex. Incest. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Final episode. That, that has to nothing to do with homosexuality <laughs> necessarily. Okay. So uh, I for intersex and an A for alley or asexual, okay, depending is- on whom you're talking to. So the A stands for alley or asexual. And then, oh my god, dude, like. This is getting confusing. What, is, in, what is intersex, though? I don't know. I don't know. I thought the whole point of putting the plus sign on the end, though, was to kind of cover to, like to the cut, whole thing. Be like, yeah, because it's like we're getting a little ridiculous here. Like, yeah, you would think like L B G. I hope people don't T, take this conversation. He was kind of enough, and then you can put out. the plus. Like, you kind of have four of them or five of them, and you put the plus after that. I don't You're think you need to add have the whole alphabet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what if there's like another? Oh, okay, day? here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I looked it up. I had. I am curious, man. By curious, uh, intersex people are individuals born with any uh, several variations in sex characteristics, including chromosomes, gonads, sex hormones, or genitals. That, according gonads. to the UN Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights, oh my God, that's a mouthful. <laughs> that's gross. Uh, do not fit the typical definitions for male or female body. So intersex is basically somebody uh, uh, that's hermaphrodites. It's probably the more polite root word. I guess. hermaphrodites. Do people still use that word, but no hermaphrodites is someone that can impregnate themselves. It's totally different. No, this is just hermaphrodites are two like, like boys and girls, boy and girl, right? or, or, you know, you could possibly, you could have the possibility of, you know, that would never happen, but, um, but yeah, so they're, <laughs> basically just people that have characteristics of both sexes so intersex pretty simple um okay they're not they're so, not they're not hermaphrodite hermaphrodites actually physically have characteristics these are and then these are just you know different characteristics i feel like asexuals don't even belong in this this is interesting this is i didn't because know, I didn't asexuals like like i feel isn't this like to band together for like hey we need to like you know be like stand together but i'm like that like nobody even cares about the asexuals <laughs> you know what i mean who who are what is asexual just you're not attracted to anything or something what does that have to do with this i i, I mean i guess it's just involving every s- sort of well, sexual premise or, or what's that 
Well, like, asexual like, means that you're not. Pet, a, they, I want an H in there. See, asexual. Yeah, like I said, it's it's this is this is providing something for every individual out there, whether you're you're gay or what what transgender, or whatever. So, asexual is basically someone that's not attracted to anybody. They're just basically Jeremy. So the, then they should put they I, I think they should put um like heterosexual people in there too then we could all just join together. But I don't Well, I think I don't think it works like heterosexual is not a minority group. Yeah, it's not the minority group. It's, oh. it's kind of, I think I think according I guess to definition asexual it's, is it's, minority. I don't want to I don't want to say normal. JP, don't you mean cis? But it's gender? more the standard. No, right? I don't. I think I don't want to say normal, but I think it's more the standard, you know, heterosexual people, it's like the Yeah, yeah I think that like I don't. I don't know if asexuality is a real thing. I've never met a single person. No, I, I think I, I think it's a real you think thing. So now. yeah. I think what so. is the definition? They're just not interested in attraction. Yeah, they're physically period. like they're not attracted to men or like females. So they're just asexual means that they're just by themselves. Uh, yeah, but they're not attracted to trans people or uh, any. They're not. They don't have sexual attraction to. Well, what's, well, I think I think the real meaning to asexual is that they're not actually interested in any type of physical sexual activity either, right? Yeah. The, the, I mean, I think it has something to do with the the not being attracted to anybody, male, female. And I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna it. say a hundred different bullshit. things. I don't think that's a real thing, man. There's I just don't think sexual. it's your brain is like can be wired that way. Maybe maybe you can. I don't know. I think there's probably less real ones. Honestly, than, dude, I think it's it's kind of ignorant to say that it doesn't because I mean, there's still people out there that think that, you know, gay people have made a decision, you know, it's like, yeah, they don't believe that they were born like that. It's 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 not a hindrance to be asexual though. Like nobody's beating up asexual people out of a bar because they don't like them or anything. You know what I mean? So I'm just saying like, I think it's more just minority group status because they're not in the majority. Yeah. I get, I mean, that's what I'm assuming. Well, because I, I think a lot of people don't even understand what asexuality is. I, I think I think JP's point is like there's not discrimination against asexual people. Like no one. Well, I think there's is. also a lack of knowledge of it too. I mean, you didn't yeah, even nobody know about cares. It like until five minutes ago, the the people that care that you know people are gay or people who like are religious reasons or something like that. I don't think there's a person on the planet that cares if somebody's not attracted to anything. You know what I mean? Or you know, so I don't know it. I think that well, I get the like discriminatory, you know, uh, pe- you know, situation with you know if you're bisexual or transgender or something like that. Totally discriminated on all the time. But are asexual people really ever discriminated on uh, against? I think it's it's. I don't think it's fully about the discrimination. I think it's because they're they're a minority and they're different. I guess right? so. I think that's why they're there. But yeah, it's I mean, more the minority status. Yeah, and I, you know this whole thing, though, man. Like I've always been someone that, like, you know, I joke about labels and shit like that all the time. You're putting labels and stuff. Like, I'm not a big fan of it, though. And I feel like this is just putting labels onto people. It's fucking insane because, like, we're sitting here trying to figure out this whole thing. And and as the L LGBTQ oh, completely ignorant has. Yeah completely gone i didn't even know that there was an i a and a plus and shit like that and i'm like this thing is just putting more labels on i'm like i want to be the plus this is absolutely insane to me like i have no problems with this i'm just getting confused which is probably the the comedic word to use right now isn't it (laughs) (laughs) but uh well how many letters does jeremy fit into (laughs) he definitely fits into the lesbian one yeah (laughs) 
and the and the asexual thing, I guess. Is there something for somebody that just will never get anything? Jer- I don't want to Jer- say pussy, or he might. Jeremy, aka Ellen Degenerate. <laughs> Ellen That's Degenerate, yeah. Still one of the greatest nicknames of all time, man. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was a weird conversation for the show. We don't really discuss that very yeah. often. But well, yeah, yeah, we're not only here to inform, but we're here to educate too. The synopsis of My Nightmare on Elm Street is an examination of the homo- homoerotic subtext of the horror film. So it sounds like it's specific to. Myla Kunis just went too. down on Natalie Portman. That's now that's lesbian. <laughs> Mila Kunis. That's yeah. yeah, that's two pretty good looking lesbian fantasy because yeah. it kind of only happened in her imagination, right? Black Swan. Hey, Black Swan. Spoilers. Yeah, Black Swan's on the TV in the background right now. Oh, I got I got Hostel Two in the background on the TV. What channel is Hostel Two on? So that's what that fapping sound was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was jerking off to Hostel Two. <laughs> he wasn't even uh, jerking off to Hostel Two. You were jerking the off to the channels. Oh, well, I don't have Cinemax. To the the LGBTQIA plus conversation. Oh my god, I can't. Even, that's that's like a mouthful. All right, fuck. let's let's move on. I would probably before we say some shit that we probably people. shouldn't say. We probably oh, are like, haven't already. I'm not going to be rude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, I would never be rude about that shit. Uh, no, in all honesty, like we we love the gay folks out there and gay brothers and sisters and trans peoples and stuff like that. So we yeah. are you're an all inclusive podcast. Yeah, dude, we have Jeremy as a main host of the show. The thing I of like about those type of people is those type of people that sounded so bad but is that they're more honest what do you mean those type of people well i mean they've put the 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 name it's the acronym has put them into a box i mean for fuck's sakes but they're just more honest than than straight people i think there's more liars out there than you know more more trustworthy true that all right so uh this next it's not really news but i thought it was cool um Bloody Disgusting reported that Letterboxd reported uh, their 10 highest rated films of the year that are horror. Uh, so number 10 was In Fabric. Number 9 was Knife Plus Heart. Number <laughs> In Fabric eight, made their top 10 list? Highest rated. So that's an oh, average high. rating of users. So, oh, yeah. highest rated. Okay, yeah, yeah. But still, that means that a lot of people gave it a high rating. Wow, that's... That movie was very, very disappointing. I even said that I really liked the the premise of In Fabric. I thought it was, but the execution was pretty terrible. And actually, Dave agreed with me on that. He's like, ugh. Mm-hmm. Good idea. Uh, totally missed. Yeah. Yeah. After that, uh, eight was Ready or Not. Seven, Doctor Sleep. Six, Climax made the list. Five, Tigers Are Not Afraid. Four was Us. Three was Mid Lamar. <laughs> it's catching on. Uh, it's catching on. Number you actually two, said lay more right the <laughs> correct way uh number two one cut of the dead and number one the lighthouse lighthouse was the highest rated one oh, cut wow. of the dead was number two wow interesting hmm. yeah uh all right so that is that uh next up we have netflix in early talks with andy muschietti for the, of course, director of the It Chapter One and It Chapter Two, to mm-hmm. do a remake of The Howling for Netflix. Oh, uh, for Netflix! Wow, interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I'll be happy if they get D Wallace back. I was going to say D Schneider there for a second. What? 
it, it wouldn't be yeah. hard to get D Wallace back. I mean, she did critters attacks this year last but year. But get back, get back, get her back to do what? Well, she played like a different a cameo role. or yeah, just just have her in. I I love D Wallace. Man. She's I mean, like, does that, is that going to be inconsequential to the movie though? Like what? How many remakes like, have you seen where people from Rizzo have made like a cameo or some shit? It's it's not. Well, no, I, I, no, I understand that, but I'm like, is that really going to matter to no. whether the movie's good or not? No, I just think that, uh, that would be cool if that happened. I'm not. Lot, I'm not gonna. Unless the movie's shitty, because then you're gonna be like, why the fuck did she agree to? <laughs> well, she's been in. Well, a you can't look at it like that. I just thought it would be a cool idea because me personally, and the reason why I say it is because I love the Howling. It's like it's my favorite werewolf film. And I love Dee Wallace. She's like Damn, one of the nicest. Your number one. She's it's my number one. She's too. one of my favorite people I've ever met. Like, man, she she was so fucking nice, and she just didn't want to stop talking. And she's really soft hands. You were like rubbing my shoulders and shit. It was awesome. Yeah, she's she's probably the number one person I've ever dated. It was cool. <laughs> ever dated? <laughs> <laughs> just fine. But uh, man, uh, it's like that's I don't a know. shit franchise, man. I don't I don't really care for any of them. Like over even the first movie. one, yeah, I think it's a good movie. Fuck, like man. I think I gave it like an eight, but I, I just it's I, I don't I just never want to watch it. It's just part one is legitimately great in my opinion. Part two is is a great example of a film that's bad, but it's so much fucking fun. It has a great soundtrack. It's got goofy I don't even silly like part two. It's I like got, part three more than part. Two. Oh, Marsupials is fucking boring and horrible it's like one of the worst aussie films but it got ever. cool effects yeah it's got all, but the story the narrative is so stupid in that movie so bad but at least part two has christopher lee in a really weird role it's got good effects it's got sybil danning's huge ass titties bouncing everywhere it's got <laughs> it's got lots of gore it's got some it's, it's a fun movie man it's a really stupid fun movie i can't Dude, believe that, christopher lee was that, even in that fucking movie the, pair, the pair of titties number two just keep showing up at random times <laughs> well man the, the credits are like the best man they just keep <laughs> Like it's just it's, so it's almost like I mean I love titties, but it's, it still feels awkward <laughs> when they just keep showing up. I know, like, right? What the just, going on here? It's, it's like you can almost hear like the record, you know, getting cut up. It's like, tick, tick, tick. <laughs> it's like yeah. coming back to her titties. Like tick, 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 tick. the first one is. I, I I love the first one because it's how many so of them have different. you seen? <laughs> oh, of howling? Yeah, too many of them. <laughs> Well, we've seen them all. <laughs> God, it, all eight. Yeah, all eight. I mean, throughout throughout the years, I've seen them all, but I don't care to revisit. Have you really seen Howling Seven? Howling Seven is actually the worst, one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. That is a fucking ninety minute country western music video. He's not lying. It truly is that. It is. A, it is. Well, a there's literally no country. actors. They they shot a, most of the scenes in this bar with like real people, and it's just it's so bad. Like there's like no narrative to it. It's just a terrible fucking. Movie. There's like a couple like insert shots of like werewolf vision. Yeah, it's so bad. It, it's so bad. Oh yeah. man, that's some bad shit, man. Like I'm half. I'm like. Not even sure it could, could qual like it's like a home movie. <laughs> like I don't think it's a real movie. <laughs> it really is, man, because there's really no story. It's just shot with real people, and they just said whatever and shit. Is like give free reign. Like I don't even know how it became. It's pretty bad. Like the guy like produced it, directed, it, starred in it, fucking did the music, did fucking did like everything, edited, fucking is this like ridiculous, man? But yeah, he was like, what the hell was his name? He he worked on a couple of the other Hollings. It, 
in in certain ways. I think that um, you know, like, part five. It's like the Agatha Christie fucking ten little Indians type story. I know it doesn't really fit in too too well with the franchise, but I think if the movie was a standalone, I wouldn't say it would be like cult status, like you know a Halloween three or anything. But um, I think it's worthy. And it's decent. I think part five is actually pretty decent. It's bad in the franchise, though. I mean, like I didn't really care for that one, honestly. I liked part six a little bit more. The freaks. Yeah, freaks is okay. It's okay. I don't like it as right. much as. Part well, five. as far as the new story itself, I mean, what are your guys' thoughts about just the fact that they say they're remaking the first one? Like, I don't. Oh, is that I'm what like, we're talking why? about? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm just. I'm fine with it. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine with it. I'm just like, why just why not just make a werewolf movie? Why do you have to? save howling remake i don't i don't understand because it's gonna be more interesting for is people there any other it. specs on this thing like do we have no it's it's very it's brand new Mushinati is directing but here's the thing like but he's not i think right like, i like you know he's just directing it so who knows what kind of script he's being handed or anything like that yeah. if there's one type of film that could benefit from name recognition it is werewolves because there are a lot of bad werewolf movies that come out, and honestly, it's hard to catch on and be known as a good werewolf movie. Um, they're like late phases was probably one of the best, uh, and maybe were. But other than that, it's yeah, really hard to get a success successful werewolf film off the ground. Well, the thing is about werewolf films; they don't really make a lot of werewolf films like modern ones it's kind of strange actually i mean they not, do not with any sort of budget you see a lot of like you know no budget werewolf type movies like bone hill road that we saw recently yeah yeah uh, but Did you guys like dog soldiers oh uh, yeah we're talking modern yeah like dog soldiers kicks ass yeah like i'm talking like the last 10 years like i mean werewolf films are so sporadic like they'll come out you know and spots like i mean I, I i dig the wolf cop movies i think those are kind of funny i mean they can classify obviously late phases um weir was really good um i, I even dug how i thought how was okay i mean there's a little bit shoddiness on the the werewolf a little bit of cg but most of the effects are practical and shit but i thought that one was pretty good but they don't make a lot of werewolf movies they don't you know where the horror industry will go in phases right in late phases they'll go in late phases and uh you know they'll they'll make like a fuck ton of found footage films and a fuck ton of zombie films like those have really yeah, but werewolf tatered off. films have never been never like the done one that to go to. exactly it's never been like that they'll go in phases even with like vampire films and shit you get a lot at one time and then remember a couple zombie years ago when, when slasher films came back there was like 10 or 11 or 12 like really good slasher films like three years ago two years ago and then there wasn't any last year or like the year before it's fucking weird like these come kind of come in phases but werewolf films have always been that kind of like niche main you know main type of horror character yeah you know what i'm saying yeah. like they just don't do a lot of them it's, it's kind of kind of strange but yeah well what i mean what are you gonna think if they just do like all cgi werewolf transformations well, i think I'm it's a- bad you know what mike <laughs> i don't think that they're gonna go I, honestly dude i think the way a lot of movies have been going this way i think with netflix it might have a, a little bit of a budget where they could probably do some practical stuff i think people just are really starting to realize well not just the horror fans and stuff but i think the producers and the directors and stuff are no nope. really nope. I, think, I just thought of it i i think they're it's starting it, what i just thought of it it's andy muschietti and it both it movies are filled with cgi they're gonna fill it with cgi yeah, I'm, yeah. Well, I'm more I'm more interested to see like who is writing and because 
probably uh, anti Muschietti. Yeah, those are the worst things about those it movies, man. Is honestly the shitty. Side. But I yeah, mean, you, that's you what can't... I'm saying. I could totally see them go in that direction. Like, think of the end of it too. Like, I could totally see the whole end being like a crazy werewolf spree. But, or something. Well, yeah. Well, but plus, put it with Netflix, though, it's too. like, what's the budget going to be? You know, how well, are they going to probably have pretty the high? But I think, like, when you put it into perspective, some of the shit that they are CGing is, you know, to do those practical effects is a little bit harder. I think when you're dealing with a werewolf, we've seen some modern werewolf films that have come out recently that are all practical and they're really fucking good. Right? That's like, true. And those are really low budgets. I'm assuming, I'm assuming with late phases and even weird and shit like that, like, I think some of the... I, I think Netflix might even have a bigger budget than some of those movies. Those are pretty low budget movies, which oh, yeah, have practical sure. effects. I think, so, I think that it'll have the budget. They definitely have the budget. There's no excuses when it comes to Werewolf, in my opinion. Well, unless say, you, they have the they have the funds. Will they give this one the budget? I and mean, let, unless you yeah, want to, I do, guarantee you, they will give it the budget to be able to do practical. The I only thing that I worry there's about, not a Netflix movie that is low budget, dude. The only thing I worry about is if they try to duplicate, you know, a transformation scene and they and they go the CG route and stuff. But you don't necessarily have to do that. If you're going to do a remake, you can do your own thing. You can call it the Halloween, whatever. You don't have to have what people call the second best transformation scene in, in uh, werewolf films. But, uh, you know, that, that kind of worries me. But as for a stand-up werewolf and shit, in my opinion, there's no excuse. I mean, I don't mind seeing a dude... In makeup, in, in in a suit and shit like that. that that's okay Look, with me. Man. I believe you're referring what you're referring to as bipedal. <laughs> the, yeah. Did you say stand up werewolf? Yeah, exactly. Bipedal. Yeah, exactly. I like that's the a technical term. Thank you. Bipedal ones as well. But like, I like that shit, man. And well, bipedal no goes back to like the whole wolf man as opposed to werewolf. Because yeah, I don't I don't like the humanoid ones though. I do like, though, man, because I think that. I mean, they, the, but they stem from humans, though, too. So it kind of makes yeah, sense that, that kind they would of be like that. Separates it from just being like, because a lot of times, if a if a man just turns into a straight up wolf, it just is a wolf, as opposed to like a werewolf or wolf man. Yeah, but I don't. I just don't believe the wolf man is capable of like tearing people up and stuff. You know what I mean? Well, when so, he trans- like, that's well, he's not when he's in human form, but when he's when he has a transformation inside of him, that, well, that the, anger, the wolf all man that, and fucking the howling does i mean the what they transform into are fucking yeah but those aren't those ones are different those are like dog soldier kind which i like those ones more those are my favorite kind yeah 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 but the ones that are like a little bit more wolf but still bipedal like wolf man that's the whole thing because like you know the howling versus american world for london where it's like in in american world for london it's almost like it you lose all control whereas in the howling you you have like the main villain and like the secret society who are like they are kind of embracing it and they they can con- not control it so much as in they almost embrace the fact that they are it's more of a controlled thing i think they've they've figured yeah. out a way to kind of control it and be you know and kind of segregate themselves a little bit. Well, because one that one dude create a community like, out of it. When the know? dude confronts like D. Wallace, and he's like almost like half transforming while he's talking to her, it's just to like almost be sadistic about it, you know? Yeah, it's like Bad it, Moon. It's like the movie Bad Moon, right? Where the dude, the uncle, uh-huh. lives out in the fucking in the trailer and stuff, and then like when he turns, like he's out of fucking control because like he's going after them and the dog, and like yeah. you know he's like completely out of control. That's kind of different, but that's what I, I like. I, that's I, what I, I love I, about I, the Howling. I've always loved it, the Howling storyline where they they have this community. And they've controlled it. I think that's great, man. It has everything. It has like the cool uh, werewolves. It has like the sleaze factor. I think it has a good story. And I like how the uh, 
they have the story with like the doc who's trying to like almost you know tame them to be like we got to live amongst society where as in like part of their group is like no humans are here for us to like you know feed on we're superior and it's like mm-hmm. that kind of conflict yeah. with them i i just think it, there, it has a lot going on for it it felt very different from like what other werewolf movies were i think that's what i what one of the reasons why i really like that movie is because it does have such a kind of a different narrative it's not your typical just you know turn just under, under the full moon just a dude be, you know be to do turn into werewolf yeah, and a dude that's been cursed and then you know when the full moon hits he turns in and he's got to go feed and shit like yeah that. and like the howling they don't see it as a curse really no or at it, least to it, most of that group it has a lot of depth and i mean honestly the howling does have a lot of social commentary to it also right i mean with you know that different type of community i mean it's relevant yeah. to today and shit like that i mean you can really put that commentary into when, today's yeah. world a lot and i mean there is they're trying to say a lot of that you know the, the same stuff that's going on today and stuff. When I, when I was growing up, American Werewolf in London was my number one, but somewhere along the line, the Howling flipped it. Where I like the Howling the best. I think I'm one of those people that has lived in the minority group for so long. Yes, insert jokes right there. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, with um, American Werewolf in London, man, I have never been in love with that movie. Ever, I don't. I, I think one of my favorite scenes in the movie is like a fucking dream sequence. The dream sequence in that film is probably my favorite scene. It's alien and it's dudes. not even part of the movie. Like it, it couldn't even, it, sh- it doesn't even have to be there kind of thing. Right. It's like, I don't know what it is, man. I've always said that that movie, it does. It has a fantastic transformation scene. I think the effects are brilliant in that. There's a lot of really good things to it. I just don't think it's the, I think it's overrated as fuck to be honest, man. Like, I, I, I really do. To, but after seeing it in a theater, it's definitely bumped into my favorite werewolf films. Um, I, I think that I, I, I felt a little cheap with the dream sequences back then, but they are part of the narrative. Like, well, it know, feels the, like John Landis, like that's the type of shit that like he, right. Like if you look at the rest of like John Landis stuff, it, American Werewolf in London reflects like the type of stuff John Landis writes, and it has kind of that weirdness to it. The goofy, the go- there's some goofy stuff in it, but the werewolf stuff itself is just brutal and excellent. Yeah, done. It, like I said, there is good points, and I understand that Landis, you know, with his comedy background, and he he's done a lot of shit like that and stuff. Which you know, I, I prefer Landis's uh, comedic films, man, more than his you know horror comedy type endeavors man to be honest i don't know what it is man i know i'm probably gonna catch a lot of hate a lot of flack if people are actually listening to the segment right now but just being honest man you know it's like nah probably not it's like with mid, <laughs> mid you know with mid lamer I, I felt like i caught a lot of beef on people like are you fucking kidding me you don't like mid lamer well they weren't saying mid lamer at least but. you didn't like shatter everybody's favorite carpenter film apparently coming out of the woodwork with like prince of darkness is my favorite john carpenter film i'm like you know what happened the fuck there? were you people at? you know what happened there is because Every i specifically before. said on the show i'm like you're gonna catch some fucking heat for that one <laughs> no I'm yeah not. but i'm like i've never heard a single person ever in existence say their favorite carpenter film oh, is there was more comments rolling in like yesterday and today and shit like some guy I wrote know. another another fucking paragraph about how it's the second film and and the apocalypse trilogy and stuff and i'm like yeah, yeah i'm like we, i know we, that we know, I that, know shit. that we, we know that we just don't always say everything that's you know needed to be said on everything kind of thing but jp said but thank you for the comment if you were listening to the show and you're hearing us talk about you thank you for the comment we do appreciate it. people just don't comment as much as they used to and and to be 
honest, well, start, I've actually noticed that like the last couple things have gotten a lot of comments. Well, you know, back in the day, man, YouTube used to, well, with the comments on YouTube and stuff, most people used to say a lot of positive stuff, but now people comment when they have to chime in and, or just be like, Hey, you're wrong about this. Right. That's like the only time people ever say some shit. It's like, it's fine. I, the feedback is totally 100%, you know, accepted. We love that shit, but it's just interesting how people aren't as positive as they used to be with really everything you know it's just mm-hmm. you got to focus on the, i mean we could have a show that was 95 percent positive just all like butterflies and fucking rainbows and and popsicles and shit i don't know what the fuck i'm going with this but anyways and then you say one negative <laughs> thing and, and it's and people will fucking focus on that one negative thing that you said in the show that they don't agree with it's it's like mind-blowing to me man it's crazy i don't know my nearest resolution was to be nicer to people that i don't like but it's not gonna happen so uh, my, mine I'm just is, joking, just, people. I like you all. I like you all. I'm fucking joking. My, mine actually is partly that too. It's actually to just be. If I don't have anything nice to say, I'm just not going to say anything Dude, anymore. Stop being a goddamn pussy for two reasons right now. First of <laughs> all, stop making New Year's resolutions because my New Year's resolution was not to make any. I had a couple. I, I had a couple. New fucking Year's hate New Year's resolutions. I think they are stupid because it gives people. I understand it gives people hope and it gives people drive for certain things. That's that's all good and stuff. But at the end of the day, people don't make realistic resolutions, so they're all fucking stupid. And mine dude, are all, mine are very realistic. Like two years ago, mine was the quit being nice to people. That's never gonna happen, dude. You're a dick. No, 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 no. It's not being nice. It's just not <laughs> starting fights. Yeah. Or anything. Oh, give me a break. Um, like, the show serious. wouldn't even be the same if you weren't gonna no, start no, no. fights the, with me. No, the this show's fine. I'm saying like like with other people like online and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Um, fucking people online. Man. And then taking uh, jabs at you on other podcasts and shit. <sighs> Who does that? <laughs> Who fucking does that? I don't know. You tell me. I, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm just, you, I'm just a toxic offender. Man. Do, you, do you want me to read off the list? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. There's so um, many, there's so many fucking people. Uh, but no. So, uh, yeah, that and then to watch a, more of my collection, which uh, the, hopefully the Patreon will be helping me do that. Um, and then uh, the other thing was to not be out of shape going into my 30s. Oh, yeah. Which I've already started. I've lost 24 pounds before New Year's, so <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Um, nice. 24 pounds, I, really? I, yeah, I, I don't really get yeah. to see pictures of you very often. I don't really know how fat you got it again and shit. Because you're yeah. always fluctuating weight, aren't you? Dude, right? I know. People always are like, dude, like, oh, JP got huge. And I'm like, yeah, but like watching like four months, I'll be back to like, because I, if you look at the history of my YouTube, it's like I balloon up, go down, balloon up, go down. Like I've always done that. But yeah, I've, uh, I lose weight pretty easy, but I've noticed <clears throat> I, I've noticed since I've gone past 25, I haven't been able to shed it off quickly like I used to be able to. So it kind of freaked me out a bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm actually trying to. And I know you were getting into some fitness like over the past year, too. So um, good. Good with that. I, I was very surprised, actually, because the last time I did like a major um, like weight drop is before I got married back in 2007. And back then I was actually a lot smaller than I started this time. I was about 235 at that time and I dropped down to about 185 in like three, four months. So I dropped like a lot, like 50 pounds. Well, I think it was 45 pounds or whatever it was. 
and then and then just let myself go again right through my 30s and i got like really big like i was 270 in fucking september and now i'm down to 210 so which you know i did gain it back a little bit of weight during the holidays and stuff that's holidays ex- yeah that's expected yeah. right i mean but it was also because uh i really couldn't go to the gym for like two weeks because i'm just so busy i have so yeah, much shit too. going on and my kids like I, I honestly couldn't go but i wasn't eating i wasn't really off my diet so i wasn't really gaining the wife was so mad at me she's like how the <laughs> fuck do you only gain back five pounds of all the things that you fucking ate during the holidays and i'm like my meta- yeah. my metabolism's back up and you know, I'm allowing because I've been changing up shit. I've done this before, and I want to drop down. I'll, I'm going to drop another 10 pounds. I'm going to hit 200 and then just maintain. So, but I mean, that's pretty good. That's 70 pounds, right? So, I want to drop definitely another 20, and yeah. I'll be happy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, you know, so the, those are the, those are realistic New Year's resolutions. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, I could definitely do all of those things. Um, watch some of my collection. Which I I've think if I had have made that as a New Year's resolution to lose all that weight, I wouldn't have done it. I just I need to do shit on my own. Well, that terms. that's why I started it. I said I, I started it before the New Year's resolution mm-hmm. passed. You know, I didn't yeah. wait until January first to start doing what I said. Mm-hmm. I said this is going to be my New Year's resolution, so I'm going to start it back in December or, or actually November. I started it. So yeah, and and I did slow down significantly during the stretch of like Thanksgiving and then Christmas and then New Year's again. But mm, uh, yeah. I'm still on the right track. I still go to the gym like two to three days a week. I, it, three if I can, four sometimes. But I definitely try to hit at least two. And I'm, it's been working. Diet is key too because uh, you know they always say diet. you can't outrun a bad diet, and it's true. You could do as much working out as you want, but if you're eating horrible then you're not going to see any results. So, and, and before I used to, I could still eat bad and work out and still lose weight. Mm -hmm. Now in my, you know, almost 30, I can't do that anymore. If I eat bad and work out, I'm, I'm not seeing any progress. So I've definitely been, um, watching my diet a little bit better. I'll go in spurts. Like I'll go on a diet, like a keto diet or something for a couple weeks, maybe a month. And then I'll, I'll stop and then I'll eat still good, better, not perfect, but not dieting either so mm-hmm. that that's been very successful for me lately so that's i'm just gonna stick with it for now i think the keys are obviously um diet and exercise losing weight but i think the the main ingredient is uh is willpower man if you can really yeah. stick to what you set your mind to do it's really actually not that hard like i said i've done this before it's been really easy this time i just felt like i was really fucking motivated like if anybody knows me personally and like i would drink a lot of beer man i just love drinking beer and everyone's like how are you doing with that i'm like fucking great i feel great i'm not hung over any days and fucking i don't care it doesn't even bother me um i do miss eating bad foods though i i won't lie like i'm a chip That's person my biggest one. <laughs> chips are my like my kryptonite like if i open a bag it's gone right so but i haven't i haven't even touched chips in like since september uh end of august kind of thing kind of thing but it's all about willpower, man. Like tonight, I took a picture of me and my kid, man. We were at the food court waiting for his skates to get sharpened at uh, the sports store. And he said it was going to be a while. I'm like, well, fuck. I'm like, dude, are you hungry? He was like, yeah, I want some popcorn chicken. So I took him to KFC in the food court and sat there and watched him eat fucking fries and popcorn chicken and shit. And I'm just like, man, eh, whatever. <laughs> like, that's that's, that's And it is, man. Sitting in the food court watching people eat New York fries and like Taco Bell. And, and I'm smelling staring, it. And like, I don't even like Taco Bell, but motherfucker, would I, I would have ate like 16 tacos, <laughs> man, if I could have, man. Like, but I don't. 
And that's mm. why I'm doing, I'm doing so well. And like, I'm around it all the time. Like the wife, she doesn't give a fuck. Like she's sitting there having wine in front of me, eating fucking chips. Like she doesn't give a shit. <laughs> she's like, she's like, I know it doesn't bother you. I'm like, yeah, motherfucker, it does too. But, but it's all good, man. But it's willpower, man. It's that's the main ingredient. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I feel I feel so much better if I go to the gym. I truly do. Like I I feel less tired and lethargic. Um, it's just awesome, but yeah, I, I, I oh, I've been doing that absolutely, man. I'm there. I'm there Monday through Friday. I'm actually going to go tomorrow because I'm going to end up having. It. I'm going to go and do some serious training tomorrow because yeah, I mean, I I know I'm going to end up going out for dinner tomorrow, so I'm going to match. Well, it'll be my cheat day. I only eat once, like a you know, have a cheat day once a week kind of thing. Yeah. Right? So, got what it. the you, hell was the news story that this dude, branched off I, of? I know we've been going all <laughs> over the place. Uh, anyway, let's. Oh, let's it was the Halloween remake. But anyways, yeah. long story oh, short, yeah. we've uh, been talking about fucking ne- Netflix doing homosexuals them. and fucking <laughs> diets. <laughs> That's that. This is like the, this is to like the 22 up. topics of moods and horror. Well, yeah. the, 22 tangents, man. That's what we've yeah. been kind of dubbed as, but uh, not, whatever, man. And people, if they don't want to listen, don't listen. It's yeah. all good. It's all good. Anyways, uh, is there more news? Yeah, a couple more things. Uh, Fox renewed American Horror Story for season 10, 11, 12, and 13. So at least four more seasons of American Horror Story. Um, kind of surprises me just because it's like they're, they're so confident in it that they have another four years guaranteed. Well, not guaranteed, but they're saying that they're going to do it. What do you think the next four uh, topics are going to be? Dude, that's uh, they, what's so been, cool about the show is it's like endless possibilities. They've been rumored like for a couple of seasons now to do a, a season in space. Well, <laughs> so kind of I'm, cool. a, I'm assuming jump, that's probably one the of them. Shark, though, right? They should do a fu- <laughs> exactly because every time a franchise goes into space, it just turns complete shit. They should do a what post-apocalyptic about- one, man. That would be fucking dope. No, they they did that. Oh, did they? Uh, not this season, but the one before it. Oh, that was supposed to pop. Oh, see, I haven't started watching it yet, so it's like, fuck, okay. Yeah, it was yeah, kind of I the end of the world. I haven't started watching it yet, oh, okay. 10 years in. <laughs> and I have, like, all the seasons. It's absolutely ridiculous. How was that slasher one? Did anyone see the slasher one? I, I liked it a lot. Uh, oh, really? I, I kept hearing from people that it was fucking horrible, but... I mean, that's the thing with American Horror Story, though. Every season, it's like that. Some people love it. Some people hate it. The reason I liked it was because, uh, well, I liked the slasher um concept but i also like the fact that so every season there's like a point maybe like episode five or six where they like flip something where like it totally changes this uh, the trajectory of the season but i felt like that moment in this season it didn't totally flip anything on its head it, it stayed kind of aligned with what was going on to where it seemed like a a reasonable kind of flip um but you know i i had fun with it it to me they nailed the 80s slasher aesthetic you know I, it's like we're hearing what? it over and over again because 80s it's it's like they're still going i mean how much more 80s nostalgia do we need when are we gonna click over to the 90s but i thought you know ryan murphy nailed it with with uh this one and they had they had uh, a guy play richard ramirez who was like a recurring character throughout the season <laughs> wow which is crazy what's that your crazy. what's your favorite season my favorite season is uh um the hell was the name of the second one asylum, asylum. yeah yeah because i thought asylum was like the most horror centric like it was just 
pretty scary as far as what was going on and um i thought they just did a good job with the story and they didn't they didn't go out on crazy like side stories too much it felt kind of reined in i still like the first season too murder house so they didn't um, act like this podcast and just tangent off left right? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah but that, uh, american uh, american horror stories problem for the most part has always been how they wrap it up the end, yeah. end because I've it's heard like that from everybody they the the common theme with american horror story is like the episode one or two episodes before the finale feels like it should have been the end but the, it, they always treat like the last episode or two as some kind of epilogue and that's where things really get weird but i thought slasher kind of did well slasher was like a big finale at the camp at the camp and everything kind of stayed within the confines of the story so i thought it worked yeah there's one day i want to watch those one day like i was always hoping it's gonna that take more than I, one day <laughs> you know you know what i like i even considered maybe bringing it up to put on the patreon or something to like almost force us to watch one of the seasons because i've ever since we started this show i've been wanting to check it out and i just there's, there's there will never be a time until we're done with the show or the show's done that i'll get a chance to do it um unless we did it on here uh i even brought up like years ago of possibly even doing it way before the patreon but yeah i own the first three seasons on blu-ray but i just never i've never given it a chance i know i would like it because everybody's told me i would like it but yeah um do you think it's the most successful horror show or is that still the walking dead i would say walking dead just because of sheer amount of people watching it and the crossover i think american horror story for the most part it feels like it's more it's still more horror fans or walking dead it seems a little more niche still the walking dead feels like the diversity of people who watch it who don't necessarily watch horror in general oh, tons 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 yeah. tons. Dude, i've There's talked like, to people that watch the walking dead that have never even seen or heard of dawn of the dead <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> yeah as- there, there's people that watch The Walking Dead that didn't even know it was based on a comic, which of course, and yeah. didn't know that was based on like Romero um, zombies. Because Robert Kirkman himself, the original creator of the comic, he his whole his whole um, framing of The Walking Dead when he first created it was, I'm a huge fan of Romero movies, but when the when the movie ends, I I always wanted to see what happens to those characters afterwards. That's that was his basis of, of wanting to make a long term story, to where you get to stick with those characters over the long term. And I thought that was an interesting um, outlook because I I was similar when I was a kid, like in um, especially Dawn when they take off in the helicopter at the end to leave the mall, it's like, yeah, like what happens, the fir- right? The yeah. first time I saw day of the dead and it opens up with like the hell mm. or pretty much at the beginning when there's the helicopter, the part, because I didn't know anything going in. I thought it was going to be the same characters. Cause I was a kid yeah. and I didn't know any better. And when it wasn't, I was like, damn, well, what happened to, uh, the yeah. characters from Dawn? I think that was kind of intended intentional yeah. mm-hmm. to, to do that. But, um, yeah i i agree i I like i I used to think that too uh so after that we have um richard stanley's lovecraft film this was another one of the most anticipated of 2020 um that is color out of space uh will be coming to 4k in february so this I actually picked up a Rue Morgue that had a big article on this film. It was yeah, on the cover. The new one. 
Yeah. Yeah, I guess what uh, asshole seeing it next week in the theater? January, February edition. I'm actually, I'm actually, I literally have it sitting right in front of me. Like I'm not even, I'm so, actually holding. So it do right I. Now. It's Venom has a ticket. Venom has his ticket to it. I'm like, rest in asshole. peace. Rest in peace to 2019. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, so uh, I, I didn't really know much about it other than Jack Nicholson or fucking Jack Nicholson, uh, <laughs> Nicholas Cage. What's Jack it? Nicholson. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Nicholas Cage is uh, in it, and it's um, Richard Stanley. Uh, but apparently, like the sto- the Lovecraft story actually sounds pretty interesting. So this looks like I, I think it'd be pretty cool. And it's Spectre Vision, which is awesome. yeah, it looks like I saw the trailer. It looks pretty fucking cool. It could be the breakout hit of the year, the one that everybody like all the you know, kind of like Mandy was mm-hmm. two years ago. Um, all right. After that, we have Scream Factory announced a couple of titles. Uh, they re are they're re-releasing Death Stalker one and two, uh, which was a exclusive uh, for their website oh. back in the day, of the 2016. They did a thousand copies. I'm glad I uh, fucking stood my ground and said, "Fuck, I'm not getting those exclusives. They're gonna reissue them one day." So yeah, I don't smart. know if this is website exclusive again or not. Oh, you didn't fuck. Don't get my hypes up. My hypes up. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after that, they announced Escape from L.A., the sequel to John Carpenter's. <laughs> it, ha- it had to come out, right? It did. Yeah. I- I'm actually surprised it took this long. Yeah. Uh, again, killing it with the hammer stuff. The Curse of the Werewolf, which mm-hmm. is good. Um, collector's edition on that. And then again with the cool, just old movies as well. Uh, the Spider, nineteen fifty eight, also known as Earth versus the Spider. I fucking love the Spider too. That's a great movie. Yeah. Then a couple of more Hammer films: uh, Captain Chronos, Vampire Hunter, and The Lost Continent. I shit which, you not. I was literally talking about that movie last week. Which one? S- Captain Chronos. So huh. fucking bizarre. I, that I, it's I get- like The Lost Continent. Yeah, that's cool too, man. I've never seen it before, but I was I was like, Captain Kronos, man, needs a fucking nice release. Sure as shit. So weird, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah, um, man. Ever so- since they acquired those Studio Canal shit, man, like they've been just fucking murdering it, man. Releasing like yeah. e- like I they've been burning holes in my pockets for like the last year and a bit. It's ridiculous. With all the ham or the universal stuff and all the hammer shit. I would love to get fucking graveyard shift, dude. That's that's one I've been waiting on forever. Is it Paramount? Yeah, so you're probably not going to see it. But wait, wasn't Silver Bullet Paramount? Um, yeah. Wasn't Pet Cemetery Two Paramount? Yes. Maybe they do so have. Maybe some Paramount. we will see it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think they do do Paramount titles now. So I, I'm I'm assuming Graveyard Shift will probably come this year. Mark our words. I, lo- I love Graveyard Shift, dude. Well, that that's like just a fun I like comfort movie for me. I, I shit you not, dude. Every day that I'm watching movies in my man cave, when I look straight forward, I look at a fucking original one sheet of Graveyard Shift. <laughs> Every fucking day I stare at that thing and I'm just like, where is the Blu-ray? I know there yes. is like a European one and stuff, but I've always I've just not grab that one because I just have this in the back of my mind that it's going to get released in region one it's not like I care about the region but I just for some reason I want the region I don't know what it is about that movie I just want the region well one, it but. just doesn't seem like a title you go out of your way to get it, to get 
uh, imported because you know it's eventually going to come out in the U.S. anyway. I know, right? So, but well, I, I guarantee we see it this year. Mark my words. Yeah, uh, that's it for the news, though. Sweet. That is the news. Fucking thing sucks. Alrighty, so getting into a quick little knowledge segment. The word I bring to you today is knowledge reigns supreme. You got no time to joke and play, cause knowledge reigns supreme. It's probably not gonna be quick because every time we say quick, it's not. But since the topic of this show, this Patreon pick show, is uh, kind of mockumentary type style films. I thought, why not find a top 10 or, in this case, 15 list of the top 10 found footage slash mockumentary films. Uh, This list right here is not compiled by us, but it's compiled and on a website called flickside.com. I just typed in, you know, top 10 list, and this is what I came across. So um, I thought it was kind of interesting. But without further ado, how many is it? It says 15 terrifying mockumentary found footage horror films. So there's 15 mm. on this list. Because uh, do you consider found footage and mockumentary the same thing? I think these are. I think it's just ref- alluding to the fact. No. I think it's just alluding to that they're found footage, but they are mockumentary films. Okay, so these are mockumentaries. Yes, because this episode, I struggled with what to title it. Should I title it Mockumentary Volume One, or should I title it Title It Found Footage Volume Two? I would say Mockumentary. These specific films on this specific brand of found footage. Yeah, I think. um, Yeah, I think that these movies are specifically mockumentary style films. I mean, some of the films on this list. Somebody. Because found a, is found footage itself a genre, or is that just a method of delivery? It's a it's a it's a method of delivery, but we lump stuff into genres. Oh, so, okay. uh, but do you, it's a subgenre of horror. It's it's like a slasher film, but it's fucking found footage. I mean, but like a fa- but like a found footage movie like Wreck is completely different than found footage of like one of the movies that's being covered, even though they're both delivered via. POV. Yeah, so those alike. are just found footage films. Right. But mockumentaries are specifically when it. Some mockumentaries. Because ma- mockuma- mockumentaries don't have to be found footage. You know no, what I'm saying? No, that's what, that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm saying these are mockumentary found footage style. Right? Yeah. Kind of done that. But, okay. but I, I, would, I would say they're mockumentary first, just delivered via found footage, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, either either way you look at it, I mean, it's it's lumping the two together. It's like found footage is kind of like a subgenre of horror films. Yeah, I think I mean, is like a too, sub of that too. It's two it's two styles that partner for yeah, these ones exactly. Yeah, but I was wondering because like a film like Rise of Leslie Vernon that could be considered mockumentary. That's yeah, hundred percent mockumentary. Yeah, um, but not but I, I don't but it's say done it's found, found footage, footage style. But it's done in the found footage style. It is until it isn't. Right, because yes, then it goes into see, a rac- actual movie. So that's why I say, yeah, see, that one. That one's a little bit different, and I think that's why that movie's actually a couple of lists I even looked at. I don't think it was even on because of that reason, but but you know what I'm saying, like found footage, you know, certain type of film. But these, the specific ones that we're viewing tonight are those are straight up mockumentary found footage 
type films. I mean, especially the fact of like, you know, the tunnel, like some of these movies are literally having, you know, the, the characters from the narrative tell the yeah. stories, right? That's most, stuff. most found footage is mockumentary. Most, not all. Cause not, there's like stuff like Cloverfield isn't no, or, that, that's well, just found footage. That's cl- that found footage. Mock- mockumentary is where they're, they're trying to deliver a narrative to be true to you. But yeah, we obviously even, know it's fiction. Even some found footage films do that in a yeah. like like there's, Cloverfield's supposed to be true. Obvious, but, yeah, there's obvious exceptions yeah. to the rules. It's but, kind of interesting to think about like how many non-mockumentary ones there are because there's not as I feel like there's more mockumentary ones than non. Probably because when you do because do- they're shot almost documentary style, right? It's guerrilla yeah. filming, and and because that's feels, that's where you're getting it from, right? Yeah. Well, it feels like the whole purpose of the POV is because they are documenting exactly. The Hence the mockumentary. These are documentaries, but they're not real, so they're called mockumentaries. But they're done in that documentary style slash found footage style because every most found footage movies are kind of kind of derived from that narrative right like someone's Mm -hmm. going to do something and some bad shit happens and people either find the footage and compile it or in the cases that we're doing tonight there were survivors and yeah i mean the first two like the main two were mockumentaries right what about something like the the i haven't seen in a while i haven't seen in a while but something like last exorcism that's just was that done like almost like a mockumentary or was it just I think that's found footage. footage. It's yeah, found footage. It, I think the, I think the narrative and the, they're they're going to investigate so I don't know. It, it's I don't think it necessarily trying to tell like a real story. I think it's more just filming what's going on and shit and then it turns it's found footage. What about something remember. like the, what about something like Troll Hunter? Mockumentary, right? That's about them because they're documenting like the troll like supposed troll thing going on in that country or whatever yeah i mean but, so some of these some of these are hard if they're not fresh in your mind because like yeah, the details yeah. well i haven't seen troll hunter in a while but yeah i just I, there, yeah there is definitely some crossover on certain movies where but i like think that's why on. i think that's why it says slash like 15 terrifying mockumentary slash found footage horror films so, so but I, are they including stuff that's just found footage or i don't does know it let's, find to, let's find out let's find out all right, in at number fifteen, the infamous Ruggiero Diodato's *Cannibal Holocaust*. Now, that's ob- mockumentary. Obviously, this is mockumentary. It's, yeah. it's done in a found footage style because it was documentary telling it. But we we understand that. A little bit surprised at number fifteen on the list. Uh, number fourteen, <laughs> *The Blair Witch Project*. Um, what? Get the fuck out of here! I Wait, knew- hold on. Hold on. I, I didn't even get to be outraged about Cannibal Holocaust because I was just like, oh, Cannibal Holocaust. But <laughs> two of the best I know. off the bat. If I was to compile a list of the is best. Is ranked? Do they write anything next to them? Uh, Yeah, they do. Um, Yeah, there's a little bit of write-ups. And so I guess these are. I mean, if they have numbers by them, I would assume that these are just not done randomly. Well, so um, above that, before they start listing them, does it say like no or like random order or, or chronological order? Yeah, is it like ranked specifically, or just I'm gonna give you 15? Mm. It just says a list below mentions some of those best efforts along with their fairly good work. So maybe they're not completely ranked. They might be chronological because Cannibal Holocaust is the first. No, they're definitely not chronological. Um, okay, so I think I think it's more of a just a 
just kind of a, a list with numbers. I don't think it's actually ranked. Cannibal Holocaust number fifty, number fourteen, Blair Witch Project. Uh, I knew that. I knew that reaction was coming on TV, so I wouldn't told well, too no, much. Both merit. of them, though. Both of them are. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It, it doesn't even say like coming in next, you know, kind of thing. It's just <laughs> I think they're literally just listed. But number thirteen, uh, the Poughkeepsie tapes uh, from two thousand seven. Um, I haven't seen that. Is that is that mockumentary or is that found footage? It is mockumentary. It's about the serial. Yeah, it's mockumentary. Yeah. Done, obviously, found footage style. Uh, number 12, Incident at Loch Ness, 2004. I have not seen this one, so I can't comment on it. I'm surprised Same. to see some of these on here I hadn't seen. That's crazy. Uh, number 11, Cloverfield uh, from 2008, Speak of the Devil. Love uh, Cloverfield. Yeah, Cloverfield's cool. Um, number 10, Afflicted. Uh, which from 2013, which I've seen also, um, I actually really like that movie. I know Jeremy was not a fan of that movie at all, but it's kind of cool, man. It, it kind of plays on this whole vampire superhero type shit, and it's weird, man. It's like it's a very strange kind of found footage. I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I guess it's documentary too because they are investigating some shit, so mockumentary style. Uh, number nine, Paranormal Activity, 2007. <clears throat> I just, oh, I know that is not documentary. Good. That is no. purely found footage. Yep, that's purely found footage. Yep. Okay. Well, I don't know. Are, uh, well, yeah, I guess. Because I, I mean, mean he's only... saying I'm documenting what's happening here. Yeah. I'm... But he's not like going to make a documentary. No. Yeah. See, it's not. It's not like in a news format. Hence really. the slash found footage. Okay. So okay, number eight, so... The Bay, 2012, which is obviously mockumentary. Definitely. Um, number Easily. seven. Now this one, I'd, I've heard of this movie, but I've I completely forgot about this. I remember some people talking about this one years ago, but it's. Uh, Europa Report. The Europa Report. Is that Europa? Europe? U- yeah, Europa. Yeah. Is that Lars Venture? Europa? No. I've never seen, Have you seen this one, JP? No. No, okay. Uh, number six, Wreck from 2007. Uh, number five, Troll Hunter. Also not a documentary, right? Mockumentary? No, Rec, I don't no. think no. so. Uh, Troll Hunter would be considered a mockumentary. Well, I, guess I don't know. I don't know. Is Rex start? No, no because, that's like a live broadcast. No, because they they get called to the place where all this shit's going down and it's filmed. But it's, is it? Isn't it's it? Not, do, well, yeah, I guess because it starts out with her doing kind of like a night show, like right, and yeah. they just happen to get called. Yeah, but that's not she, the same as doing a. A documentary. No, like a it's, a, it's no. almost like it starts out no, as this, one, but the, then she gets called in. No, well, I don't know. It's no, been a while she's but. she's she's following. I think she's telling. Okay, what? Oh, she's yeah, doing she's, a show like TV a, reporter like a, Angela and her cameraman are taping the the mundane details of a fireman's job. So I don't think well, that, I don't. I think they might just be documenting that. Maybe yeah, it's more a show as opposed to documentary. It's, yeah, it's it's like a piece for TV for a news broadcast. It's like, it's like David tells Insomniac, so but then in a it's, sense, it's kind of crazy documentary in a sense, I guess, but not fully. It's kind I of mean, at least that, that one could be like a hybrid almost a little bit, at least the way it starts. Exactly. I mean, she's doing a minor piece for a TV. Report, yeah. Cause they're, they're report. definitely like, as the movie turns, they're not like documenting it for a special. No, no. <laughs> it's not like the Bay, like the ones that we're reviewing are true mockumentaries. Uh, number five, Troll Hunter, which we just mentioned, 2010, which I will say is a really fun movie. I really enjoy that. Oh, one. It's rules. Uh, number four, Creep from 2014, which I really like. Creep, man. Creep is documentary. Uh, no, I would say no, it's more. I would no. say it's more found footage because yeah. it's yeah, it's definitely not a mockumentary. Lake yeah. Mungo, and in at number three. Um, so the two of the three that we've met or that we're reviewing tonight are actually on this yeah, list. These definitely aren't right. Lake Mungo, <laughs> yeah. No, um, number two, Ghost Watch from 1992. 
uh, uh, again, more of a broadcast, not necessarily but it, a but documentary. It's, well, it's not, but it is more of a mockumentary on what they were. It, the whole thing was actually like a pure joke, right? So mm-hmm. I, I guess it kind of falls into it's a little bit different. It's not the exact structure you would put into the other ones. But uh, number one, it says Nori, a.k.a. The Curse, 2005, which is fucking fantastic. It's a great movie. Yeah, there, there's some fun ones on there for sure. Uh, I'm now I'm questioning if I should count, call this mockumentaries or not, though. Well, should it be found I, footage volume two? Because what sucks is the first found footage show we did. Dude, just just call it mockumentary were, found footage volume two. I mean, hmm. you can lump the two together because essentially they are the same with different titles. But what if we do one that is just found footage? Do I call it found footage slash mockumentary three? I don't think they have to be the same names. I think they fall under the same categories. I think I think because, people understand what you're getting at, though. I know, but I'm just saying for titling aspect, not necessarily what they get, but what like we like how it's archived. You know what it, I mean? Yeah, it's kind of more depending on your show itself. If you're I'm, just I'm doing fine with like calling it found footage found or volumes of found footage, found footage volume or? two. Yeah, I think that's the best way to go because. Uh, all like found foot like you well, know you if we did found a footage mock- volume two subtitled could, mockumentaries because it'd be different if you're yeah, doing we could do that, volumes of mockumentary movies then it doesn't matter if it's found footage or not yeah but here's the thing well we might but that like if let's say we did um what, but then like, if Man we do a volume three and it's just found footage then you just put found footage volume three part two yeah. just happened to be a hybrid of the mockumentary slash but here's, found here's, what, here's yeah. why I'm bringing this up because the first one we did was two mockumentaries as well, but we just called it found footage. Ah, whatever. Because what Grave Encounters are mockumentaries, right? 100% mm-hmm. they are. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. I think we call it found footage volume two, baby. Okay. So, well, I don't know. The first Grave Encounters is definitely mockumentaries. The second one, or is it just some dork that was a fan <laughs> of everything that's like, oh, well, now we're going to go there? Because the second Grave Encounters, were they even doing a show, or is it just some dude that was like obsessed with... I think so. I can't, I can't actually remember. I can't actually remember. I remember the loving though. both of them, but I, yeah, I don't know. I can't quite remember what the actual narrative for part two I, I was. Didn't, but. I didn't think the the main people in the second one had a show. I think I thought they were just obsessed with the. Yeah, the they want to make their own documentary about what happened there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. Were what they the making the first or one? Were they just going for their own? I, I I don't know. It's been so long since I've seen it, but well, you know, I couldn't just stop there, man. I clicked out of this and I saw bloody disgusting has one. So it says thirteen oh, s- cheater. So Good lord th- moods thirteen scariest. It just says mockumentaries ever made, and I believe. And then the reason why I'm doing this is because I think this one actually is just straight mockumentaries. Um, so like other uh, like what like man, is it man bites dog? Uh, yeah, that'd be a mockumentary. Um, so the first one lists these are not ranked; they're just listed. So it says the War Game, nineteen sixty-five. Don't know anything about this one, um, but it does look like it's straight mockumentary. That's interesting. What, what uh, year was this list published? Uh, this list was published in two thousand fourteen. Hmm. Wow, pretty old. Yeah. So a lot of newer films wouldn't be on here. Well, no, obviously they wouldn't. But, but that, there's I some. Think- I think that's why we get uh, the war game 1965 uh next up on the list is punishment park from 1971 this one looks really cool man it's like another mm-hmm. old school entry this experimental film is set in a fictional di- dystopia where protesters are labeled traitors by the state and rounded up into camps that's kind of cool 
Um, next on the list is a Legend of Boggy Creek, which is a perfect Ooh, yeah, example. That's a great one. See, that's, that's why a great I want That's what I'm saying. That's like the that's like one of the kings of mockumentaries right there. Because I think they, people at times thought that shit was fucking real, man. So it is real. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they actually announced that as one of the titles for our April drive-in that we go to every year. Mm. Uh, so that will be um, nice. oh, and that, that brand new 4K or scan or whatever. The, apparently, the new scan on that shit is like bananas. So mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, next up again is Ghost House 1992. Uh, Man bites dog, also from 1992, which is phenomenal. That is a fantastic film. Here's a great one: The Last Broadcast. Oh yeah, the film I that came out that. just before Blair Witch, uh, which is a fantastic film, definitely a mockumentary. Uh, Nori the Curse from 2005, which is really really great. I reviewed that on this show. I don't know what episode it was, but it was really good. Uh, from 2007, we got Head Case, which is actually pretty good. I don't mind that f- film either. I think I have a couple editions of that actually. Uh, 2007's Long Pigs. You guys ever seen that one? Canadian mockumentary about a serial killer. No, no. Oh man, Long Pigs is fucking fantastic, man. It's really, it's like disturbing, man. This guy's like showing the the documentarier how he basically dissects human bodies, and he's like talking about like tying off the or the the colon and shit so he doesn't get contaminated. It's fucked up, man. It's really crazy shit. Uh, next up, the Poughkeepsie the tapes from two thousand seven. Oh my god, uh, like Mungo, the fourth kind from two thousand nine. You guys seen that one? I've seen uh, yeah. it, but I don't. I the details aren't even enough. I had to even remember it being a, a mockumentary, but I guess so. I just remember actually being surprised by it because I thought going into it was going to be terrible, and it turned out it was actually pretty good. So, yeah. Huh. Uh, and then the last one on the list is the Tunnel, 2011. Interesting. Hmm. So All yeah, right. the mockumentaries <clears throat> slash found footage, whatever. Yeah, you guys know what we're getting at here. But uh, yeah, that's knowledge. Um, thought those are a little bit fun. Too. I like doing these little quick top tens and shit. So. Yeah, they are fun. I like yeah. them too. So, and that is knowledge. Let's get into some box office brawl. JP, you want to do the honors of enlightening us on what's going on? Uh, let's get ready to rumble! So, uh, as we mentioned last time, we have a new format. So, this year's format, Jeremy was, in fact, the winner of last year. Uh, This year's format, because I had actually... The reason I did this is I actually had a few messages of people saying that they didn't like um, how the box office brawl was done. Um, And I actually never mentioned it, but I actually felt similar to the, the what the people were saying like I'm one so person I'm so glad that people message you with that shit cuz I would never respond to it. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's why they message me because they know that I'm the one that kind of handles it. Even though it was Jeremy's segment. Yeah, exactly, initially. exactly. That's funny. Yeah. Um, but one person was Watson and we kind of brainstormed over it, but uh essentially, I think that it kind of becomes um less about what like it becomes more of like a game of screwing over the other person instead of a game of like actual skill of guessing the or luck of guessing, you know, depending on what you think, uh, guessing the numbers. Because like if Jeremy did 14 million and I think it's going to make more than that, I would just say 14.1. So, you know, so it, no turns into, I, it turns into opening rounder prices, right? Yeah, essentially, <laughs> essentially like that. Uh, so 
what we decided to do was (laughs) uh, give our numbers to a third party. So we don't know what each other picks until all three are submitted. Um, and it kind of works out good like that because it's, it's a true who's going to guess the correct number. Now, the only thing that sucks is me and you moods. We're facing Jeremy, who is looking up what other experts say. I know. I noticed that he does. His numbers are very, very similar. It's what a, a fucking cheater. Cause I totally yeah. looked into this and I was like, his numbers are like the same. I don't know what his box office mojo or something. I was like, this motherfucker's cheating, man. <laughs> Yeah, so we're we're like bad. We're like you know running uphill on this one. Yeah, um, but, what a what a fucking Ellen degenerate kind of move. Ah, there, that was a perfect uses of it. <laughs> I love it. So fucking uh, true. So, he not only cheated once last year, he cheated twice. He's cheating with that oh, yeah. shit, and he's cheating with the fact that he wouldn't actually do the box office brawls when he got up a few. He's like, fuck it, man. If I just don't do them, they can't catch up kind of thing. <laughs> Motherfucker. Yeah. Well, he had to send me the thing from another world a couple of years ago. And that made him so upset that he's like winning at all costs. Now Such a um, he picked the, for people wondering, he picked the ambulance scream factory release from me. Uh, Record of sweet murder, which I completely had even forgot. So I should probably just send that to him right after the show. Fucking just send he it. he has mine already. Yeah, I completely forgot. Shit, man, slipped my mind. So the first uh, film that we had was The Grudge, which came out last week, and uh, <laughs> that we predicted. We were all really close on this. Uh, Actually, we were so, so close that I guessed the same number as somebody, and I had to like reguess. Yep, that was crazy. So uh, Jeremy guessed twelve million. Moods guessed twelve million, which uh, I told Derek if somebody guesses the same number, tell the person that answered you second to pick a different number. Yeah. Um. And I picked thirteen million, so Moods changed his to two point one million. I was reading the fucking yeah. And it ended up making eleven point four million. Ugh! Such lame shit. So if you would have said eleven point nine million, I was thinking of it too. I was thinking yeah. I should have done it, man. Should do you get a do you get like a bonus point if you're within a certain percentage? No. So you only get a point if you're the closest person. So it's no longer me versus moods and Jeremy versus moods and me yeah. versus Jeremy and Jeremy versus moods. Straight up point. Yeah, it's just straight up point. So Jeremy would take the lead one nothing nothing. Uh, and that was now the thing about the grudge is it actually when it debuted it with the Thursday night previews it was projected to make around 13 million or above but once the actual like reviews started coming out it had significant drop off and ended up making less than projected so had the movie not, actually not been good surprised. I would have won because a lot of people went and seen it on the Thursday night previews, like more than expected. So had it actually been a good movie, I would have won, but no can do. And then the yep. second film here, uh, which we made our predictions for too, and Derek did get them back to me in time, uh, is Underwater, uh, which came out yesterday. It's a of us recording this. Uh, Moods guessed $6.5 million. I guessed eleven point five million, and Jeremy guessed thirteen point five million. Holy shit! So very big difference between 
Jeremy and Moods. You know what? I actually I gave Derek my numbers. I was like super busy and I was just like all flustered and I was like I I don't know at all because I don't even really know much about the film at all. It's <laughs> like I threw out the most random number ever. That so really was. what's funny about the number you picked is that's actually what going into it it was projected at. Shut was the around fuck three, up! I literally not, I think it was six million was what they were saying. Wow, crazy. Um, but after the Thursday night previews, they're saying you know, and some decent reviews, they're saying that it could you know make it a little bit more, a little bit less uh, than what kind of me and Jeremy are going with, but. I think that my logic of picking that was I was thinking, okay, I think that it'll do better than The Grudge. So I was like, The Grudge made 11.4. This is going to make 11.5. I didn't even have any reasoning for mine. It was just pure illogic guessing. Yeah, I truly like guessed like based on just I thought like it would be fucked up if it didn't do as good as the grudge it was PG-13 too grudge was R I figured it had to do better uh, but Jeremy with the 13.5 scares me because I do think it could even do that probably um, so yeah uh, that is underwater he must have read that from a different source <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh, next week will be the turning which we'll get to on the next show. Mm-hmm. It, it looks uh, so bad. I thought it looked pretty bad too. Yeah, I saw. I actually was forced to watch that trailer in the at the cinema, and I I, I turned to Godzilla and I said, "Holy fuck!" AKA Chris Marquette. Shout out to Chris Marquette. <laughs> um, I was like, "That looks really bad." He just kind of like laughed. He's like, "Yep," <laughs> but. I don't really have the best track record with uh, with calling that shit because sometimes I say that looks really really bad and then it turns out to be really good. I don't think that one's going to be one of those ones. Um, I wanted to just say this because like it, it's something me and Carly been talking about a lot, not a lot, but we brought it up a few times. Carly is his so girlfriend. when we were doing the end of the year show and she was talking about the fanatic, she totally forgot to mention this, but I thought it was super cool. So the fanatic is about a f- super fan of uh, this dude, right? And um, Devin Sawa plays the dude who's being obsessed over. Devin Sawa also played Stan in Eminem's music video of Stan. Isn't that crazy? You know, I didn't even think of that. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah Carly's the one that brought that to my attention. She said she meant to say it on the show, but she wasn't. She didn't know for sure if. She, if it was him and she didn't want to say it and look stupid so she didn't say it but then later she looked it up and i'm frankly i'm appalled that you know the huge super fan you are of eminem that you didn't just (laughs) clue into that right a fucking way (laughs) no because i don't know who i didn't know i I didn't know that i i I didn't know that was him i mean eminem is like top 200 (laughs) but isn't that funny because it's like Hey, and shut up, dude. Eminem made your top 20 favorite MCs. I don't even want to hear anything about it. <laughs> Where the hell's my top 20 MCs? I'm saying moods is. I yeah, watched that list video. was also done in 2013, too. So, <laughs> like, literally 2013. Moods was very drunk when he made that Actually, list. <laughs> someone made a comment to me about that the other, not about Eminem being on the list and shit like that, but um, about how I should, like, how the list have probably changed. I'm like, oh, dude, like, it's fucking crazy. Like, everything has changed so much, man, because it's been so long, right? Might have to re-up that. 
It's funny because I never thought about the fact that it was Devin Sawa in that video, but as soon as you said it, oh, you can just picture even, even just yeah. based on memory now, like just a photographic memory of seeing that video. I was like, holy shit, yeah, that was. Yeah, it was. Right? <laughs> and it's like so obvious now that it was said out loud. I that, like, that's so cool, though, right? Because he was playing an obsessed fan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm hella glad that he did Eminem a favor like that. <laughs> uh, do you think? Do you think Fred Durst like did that oh, on purpose? Uh, maybe Durst. <laughs> but him and Eminem had like a beef, though. What on who's who's the worst? <laughs> is Watson really a Fred Durst super fan? Super fan, or is he just yeah. messing around? Yeah, I think he actually likes uh, like Limp Bizkit. Biscuit a lot. I could totally see that. That's I mean, I, I, could, I could see it, but I could also see him just messing around, but who knows? I mean, I could see really liking Limp Biscuit back in 96 and stuff when they put out their first album and then their second. Uh, I, I could see that, but like still being. $3 bills, y'all. $3 bill, y'all, man. That, that record was awesome. And then Significant Other. When that, when that album came out, man, it was like, man, this new group, Limp Biscuit's amazing. <laughs> I think the thing is their first album kind of hit at the right time. Are you t- like, talking about you, fucking hot dog flavored starfish? Uh, not that one. Three no, dollars. That's a third, that's a third like album. Because I think that one is where they blew up was the chocolate starfish one. No, man. Significant Other Man was the fucking... That was the <laughs> one of the biggest selling albums of the fucking 90s for Christ's sake, man. Really? Yeah, dude, that album was ridiculous. All the, all the dude, all the dude bros loved it. I don't even think I heard of them until Chocolate Starfish. What? Significant They're Other like was that. like the biggest shit ever. Man, they fucking they were like everyone was blaming them for the fucking Woodstock in '99 for the riots and shit because of break shit or break stuff and oh my god, it was oh, fucking, fucking sexual assault. Oh fuck, it just went crazy, man. Fred Durst is the devil. He's making fucking half a million people do crazy shit. <laughs> <laughs> fucking insane record sales that almost sold Wait, like diamond what, I think. what singles were on significant other um well break stuff was uh, on there oh okay okay now all right i know uh nookie um, yeah yeah that was kind yeah, of okay I, I remember that, that's songs. what blew them up right yeah oh, that was that fucking up, huge but I, I think that i mean chocolate starfish sold like nearly as many albums honestly though I'm looking at it now it's only like it's less than a million off. Damn, dude, that sold seventy seven point six million albums. Seven point six significant million. other. Yeah, yeah. Shock and Starfish. Well, I mean, it was obviously feeding off the. That doesn't surprise me. It didn't it sold as much as it did because I mean, really, I mean, they had some pretty big singles off that too and shit. What's crazy is that results being very actually went platinum too. <laughs> yeah, crazy. I know that's nuts, and that was two thousand three. Yeah. Three years later from Chocolate Starfish. Man, it had that one fucking slow ass. I can't remember what it's called, but that album sucked, though. Dude, they. I just think that, like. I think that why that people liked them is because, like, they just had, like, a different s- sound for the time. You know, there was, like, that rap rock shit that was going on then. And, uh, you know, it, it is, like, kind of a hyper hype music. But, like, if you actually break it down and, like, listen, like, to the lyrics and shit, like, Fred Durst is, like, awful, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's just very generic. Well, it's—I yeah. mean, it's not really meant to be a lyrical type music and shit. It's more about—it's more about getting shit hyped, really. You know, come on, yeah. let's face it. So, um, 
But yeah, man, that's fucking insane, dude. These album sales. Holy shit, man. Fuck. I was close with the diamond anyways. 10 million, fucking seven. But yeah, it's crazy. Like, $3 bill, y'all end up going double platinum off the success of Significant Other because I don't think that album had even sold fucking 100,000 records before fucking Significant Other came out. It's crazy. At least some people yeah. went back and bought them. So. But that's usually what happens. I had, a, I had a couple of them. I had the one that had, I think... It had all of them on the cover with like knives thrown at them or something. Was that what it, what it was? Oh, I can't remember. Remix albums. <clears throat> I don't remember. But anyway, is that it for box office brawl? Uh, yes. That is everything. Okay. Well, that is going to conclude box office brawl. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. They will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Have you checked the children? Children. What do we do? Why don't we just wait here for a little while? See what happens. Alrighty, so moving into the what we watched or the dub 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 portion of the show. Yeah, you guys all know the deal, man. Review some movies, give some ratings, pass the torch. Mikey, start us off. Oh man. Well, this this one kinda came up already in the beginning of the show. Or somewhere in the beginning. Um it's the grudge. 2020 not much more to say i mean we kind of got into it a little bit man i mean unless you are a super fan of the grudge series or the grudge franchise skip this one i saw it uh, we did an episode on fresh cuts about this nobody liked it too much uh we had a wait um, somebody liked it no no nobody nobody on our show liked it um we had lacy dan and Don and Ellie on and surprised Don didn't love it. Don didn't give it a 10 out of 10. I was a little surprised, but, uh, (laughs) then again, he is kind of a purist. Like he likes like original, like Japanese stuff. I think too. Yeah. I mean, really JP said it best. It's soulless. This, this is chalk up as like a, what was the point of making this? I mean, maybe studios thought they could get some money off the name, the grudge. Cause otherwise it, sucked and i i was disappointed because you know john Cho. i'm a fan of his i was hoping that you know maybe he would carry the movie but he's he's kind of wasted in this he's yeah he's kind of brushed aside i mean lynn shay's cool her scenes are cool um william sadler is kind of just cool to see him randomly in this because i had no idea but man it's like if if you've seen the original grudge just stick with that there's no reason to go see this i mean um and as a franchise i don't think the grudge is that great to begin with um i i was intending to rewatch the 2004 is it i think the sarah michelle geller one i was gonna rewatch it just to see like how how good that or good or not good it was but i just ran out of time um, and I thought I, about I said, watching it too, but I was just like, man, I don't feel like watching. Yeah, I, because based on memory, I don't remember liking that one too much either. And when I say rewatching, I meant before I 
went to the theater not before the show but um i didn't have time to do it and after seeing the 2021 i'm like i don't really have an appetite to watch any grudge movies anytime soon i did watch the uh first one before and you know i liked it well enough it's not like my favorite j-horror to begin with like i'd much prefer ringu to the grudge but uh man this sucked do not go see it don't waste your money um yeah i don't know what else to say because we kind of already talked about it a little bit at the beginning of the show if i had to rank it i ah, fuck uh i mean how low do i gotta go to convince people not to see it three i guess three that's what I gave it. yeah so there really a pair of threes no it, it's awful i mean because like some of the other later like I like the original one, but like some of the later ones I don't think are that good, but at least, you know, I, I would still say they might be worth watching as a first time watch just out of curiosity, but 2020, just avoid the hell out of it. Don't watch it in the theater. It There's has no reason okay to watch it. Gore, but that's it, man. Yeah. And uh, like something I was saying on the, on our show is like, I am a defender of like jump scares. I know it's been like, sh- uh, like chic to like, <sighs> be anti-jump scare it seems like in the last decade or so i love jump scares still but this one was the worst offender of how did you jump scares because everything was a pre um premeditated by like a musical cue where like you knew exactly what it was going to come and the jump scares were really meaningless because it was like oh a ghost is going to jump out and say boo basically and then it's meaningless to the actual scene it just sucked like it, there was nothing original, nothing interesting. It, it, I think I think Don might have said it best, where it's like when you remake something or do a sequel or something so many years later, you're really looking for them to add something or diversify uh-huh. it. And this did the opposite. It's like they took away things that made it. So kudos to Don for saying something good. <laughs> you know, that's, so. that's what I said too, man. It's like it truly felt like there was not even that they didn't do anything new or expand upon anything but they didn't like i truly feel like they didn't even attempt to it's like they stripped down what like what they thought a grudge movie was and didn't like build at all on it and it was just it was just disappointing as hell because going into it like i try to temper expectations anyway like you know i try to go into everything just even keeled and i didn't necessarily think it was going to be great but i was like you know give me something just fun at least and this did not do that so yeah three out of ten yeah also three wow man that is fucking that sounds amazing i can't wait to watch (laughs) this jp uh, okay, um, I had a chance to revisit Green Room from 2016. Had it in the collection for a while. I saw it initially when it came out. And I actually had it in my top five of 2016. It made my number five spot, I believe. And I love. I liked it a lot then, but man, I'll tell you what, I loved it this time watching it, so... It follows a punk band called The Ain't Rights, and they are traveling through um, the Pacific Northwest, and they're they're you know on tour, uh, and they're doing like these smaller gigs 
um, with probably just enough money to get to the next town, you know. Uh, but they get interviewed from this dude who's like a, you know, radio DJ, uh, and he arranges a show for them, but the show ends up canceled, so they're kind of effed without a money. So he calls his cousin Daniel, uh, who gets them a gig at a neo Nazi skinhead uh, punk bar in Portland. Uh, so the crew travels there uh, and they, you know, play a show in front of these these Nazis, these neo-Nazi skinheads. And uh, basically they witness a murder and they kind of get holed up in a room where the Nazis with machetes and Rottweilers are attempting to kill them. Uh, that's the basic plot there. Dude, I just this movie is so good. It really is, man. I like I liked it back then. Honestly, it made my top five. But watching it this time, I even saw like more greatness in it. I, I, I looked at my original top five list and I was like, you know what? This would be my number three now. I would have the witch, invitation, and then this uh, would have been my my top three of 2016 had I redone the list. Uh, and I think that this movie blends. It's uh, directed by Jeremy Solnair, who did um, Blue Ruin, which was really good as well. Revenge film. Yeah. Uh, and this movie, did he? What did What did Jeremy Solnair do after that? He did something else too. He did that Netflix original, right? Uh, the hell is it called? Something in the night or? The- oh yeah, yeah. The the dark the the Alaska movie. Yeah 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 dark was the night or some shit like that yeah and he kind of like brought macon blair into like the scene too because now macon blair who's starring in all his movies for the most part is like making his own shit too fucking murder party man did he do murder party Party too yeah and he also did blue ruin blue ruin yeah i mentioned blue jp just said that come on mood oh I i didn't hear it sorry yeah, uh, I didn't see Hold the Dark actually. That was one I just kind of missed. I think I was going it to was watch good. it. People kept saying it wasn't horror, and I was like crunch. It was like it crunch time two years ago or whatever, and I was like, ah, fuck it, whatever. It's not horror, and it's um, two hours plus. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's much more like I think it's much more uh, divided among people as opposed to his first three, which are more universally loved. But I liked it. I, I thought it was yeah. Good. He's four for four in my book. I like all four of his films. Uh, but yeah, th- this one, you know, the violence and carnage in this film is just palpable. You know what I mean? It's it's extreme. It it's realistic violence for the most part. Yeah, it's visceral. Uh, the when Anton Yelchin, rest in peach, peace, <laughs> uh, sticks his arm out of the door and gets it hacked up with a machete. Oh, which you don't tra- see about his arm back yet. You oh. don't see it happening out there, but when he pulls it in, <clears throat> it is horrific. It is a horrific visual that is one of the most ugly, you know, knife wounds I've seen in film. Uh, it really is like when, the way that it's like at different angles and like like it looks like 
like a uh, spiral noodle or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's disgusting. And you and his acting in that scene, dude. I I I feel so horrible that he died at, at his age because that's he just was a tragic, fantastic yeah. actor. And the um, way he died too. You read about uh, that, right? Yeah, How like his car was in neutral and yeah, he fucking, accidentally rolled into him and pinned him. Fuck, yeah. man, that's horrendous. Yeah, I shit. first noticed him in uh, a non-horror film called Alpha Dog with Justin Timberlake. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's a good movie. Yeah, Jake, Jake Mazursky's little brother. <laughs> yeah, he is great in that movie. Everybody's great in that movie. That's a fantastic movie, by the way. Based on a true story. Based mm-hmm. on a true story. Timberlake kills it, and that was the first time I was like, oh, Justin Timberlake actually seems like a pretty, pretty chill dude. Um, <laughs> you know, that I didn't ever seen him in a movie before, but um the the you know uh, anton yelchin was just great you know what i mean he's great in this movie all of them are um imogen poots is in this movie as well um the i I, the punk aesthetic uh is i i i I didn't i wasn't in that scene but i knew people who were in you know my era Mm -hmm. but it seems like people think that it's done pretty well in this film so I can't say that it is or isn't, but it feels like it is to me. It feels pretty accurate. For I mean, I was more in the metal scene than punk, but there was some crossover because they would book a lot of, you know, hybrid bills on, sh- especially small clubs. You get a lot of like the crossover. Um, it felt pretty true to that scene to me. Yeah, and uh, you have. Um, uh, this was an A24 film, by the way, mm-hmm. which I totally forgot. Uh, also, it's Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart played, played a perfect evil motherfucker. I always wondered, man, if Patrick Stewart got cast in that film because he's been a life baldy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's great. He um, plays the part so well. What what makes him so great is like as the leader, he he's that calm collect because like you have like the like the Billy badasses, but he's just more like the you know quiet in charge he he's so knows surgical get, about yeah. everything yeah yeah he's yeah very, he never feels like he, he's not in control of the situation he plays that alpha male role quite well he's, he's yeah he's the he, he just he's feels the like he, he has an answer to like any anytime you think that like the white power dudes don't have the upper hand he always has like the solution yeah yeah and charge man charge like i love the like there's a scene early on where they call the police and just how everything deals with the, how they deal with everything just seems like so professional. Like he basically just quickly pays like two younger skinhead apprentices, if you will, to like take, take the fall for that. And like, you know, stat, like one of them stabs the other one. It's so disgusting too. Like the violence looks so real in this film. It really does between that. And like, there's a nice, uh, you know, shotgun blast to the face. Uh, there's a there's some great violence in this movie. My question is is this is this a horror movie? Oh, one hundred percent. I remember that debate for this film. I never thought like it is horror. It, it's scary, man. It's but weren't yeah, you on the other more, side of that debate though? Is saying it, it's it's got horror elements, but it's not a horror movie. I don't think on this one. I'm pretty you, sure you were. Somebody can pull the clip of me back then, but I. Yeah, it has a tension. I, it has a tension. It has the gore. It has the 
characters in peril. It, it's her horrific situation. I mean, if anything, it's like almost like a reverse home invasion because they're in someone else's it's a home. Sie- it's a you siege know? narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Which I'm a huge fan of. I've always loved the siege narratives in, <clears throat> in horror. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's scary to me. Like when I'm trapped somewhere and people are trying to get me, that's mm-hmm. scary. Um, mm-hmm. Especially if they're Nazis. Like, <laughs> yeah. mach- with mach- machetes are, in my opinion, one like the most terrifying weapon. They're in chainsaws. I worked around chainsaws when I was in, in my teens and and young twenties. I seen my friend cut his arm almost off with a chainsaw uh and it it's just oh I got chainsaws a, I got scary. an awesome still chainsaw man i love using that fucking thing yeah i did um i did tree cutting for mo- like my mo- my mom's boyfriend uh his father owned a tree cutting business and my best friend's father owned a competing tree cutting business and i worked for both of them in my like from like 13 to like 20 um so yeah definitely know a lot been around chainsaws and trees a lot um but yeah chainsaws are scary and machetes dude machetes just are terrifying because of the amount of carnage they can do with one swing you know what i mean like you could get stabbed in you know the the arm or something take a machete to the like arm it's way scary it's like just terrifying uh but yeah, I love this movie, dude. Uh, I'm at like a nine and a half out of ten on this one, dude. I, I came up from an eight and a half, full point. So good. <clears throat> wow, it's pretty good. Yeah, if I had to rank it based on memory, it'd e- easily be a nine. It might even be higher if I like rewatched it more recently. That's what happened. I I watched it once back in 2016. It was sitting on my shelf. Like I said, I've just been watching kind of whatever lately, and. Uh, I decided, hey, let me throw this in. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah way back in the day, I remember I talked about this on uh, Exploding Heads. I was a guest on there like years ago, and love this movie. It's, it's. I, I think I saw it like at an advanced screening. Somehow I scored tickets to it, and I, I knew a little bit like at the plot, but I didn't know a ton, and I hadn't even seen Blue Ruin at that point, so I didn't know much about the director. And I took my friend, and it was just like, holy shit, what the hell. You know, you know when like you go into something and like you, you know a little bit about it, but not much, and it just kind of blows you away because it's like you had no idea you were watching something that's cool. That's yeah. how I came out of the theater. Like, holy shit! I oh, just saw plus, something special. Plus, you got that cool armbar break, dude. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the, and the dude got choked out too. Yeah, and then he got his fucking. St- the um, disemboweled, which was disgusting. Yeah, when the chick, when the chick was oh. like, oh, oh. <laughs> they, they do not make pretty violence in this movie. It is not beautiful at all. Dude, the, the like the scene when the fucking dog takes her out, or yeah. no, is it the dude where that? Which one's the one that the dog like chews out the throat or whatever? Is that the other band member, the guy? Or uh, the... yeah, that the guy gets. The guy gets the throat ripped, but I think the chick gets killed by a dog later on too. Yeah, that shit was just brutal. Like, it's it's not like they keep the shot constantly on it, but what they do show, it's so realistic looking. It's just like, oh fuck, man, I gotta rewatch this, man. I'm I don't remember a whole lot. <laughs> Dude, definitely it, check good. it out, man. But please yeah. watch it because it's it's better than 
you probably remember, dude. Like, no, I think I, I, I think I gave it a really high rating, man. I think I really loved it. I thought it was amazing. I'm pretty sure I came in higher than you the first time. I think I was at like a nine out of ten or some shit. And like, and like, honestly, like, like I the, remember it in the, pieces, but like, I, I just want to. I'd like to sit down and watch it again. The yeah. the gore the gore stuff just makes it better because even before you really get much gore, just the tension of the situation because yeah, yeah. the fact that that I think the like um, they get told like ahead of time like don't go here after, you know and they accidentally walk in on the murder and as soon as that happens you're like oh shit they're not gonna let them out of there because yeah they play w- that whole thing script wise very good like the way that they're kind of negotiating like just come out like you know we would like it actually the way the characters react to it is very what you want them to do with where they're like fuck no but then there's like a slight almost wanting to believe them but like just the the whole way that that thing happens is like yeah and the and uh what i love too is like the hierarchy of like the fucking neo-nazis because i think like some of the lower level dudes i think they're hesitant to even like hold them captive or you know go through with the violence but patrick stewart's character being that leader is like there's no way i can let them like walk because it's too much of a risk but he's trying to orchestrate it like you know he's playing his own guys for puppets too and i think that it's so well done he has to almost manipulate his own people to be like no we got to take him out but i can't just come out and say it so he's yeah, he's talking about it. like he wants like uh this part like he wants as little amount of people to know what they're doing as possible only the red lace people which i assume red laces they don't really expand upon that which i like but I assume because your brain can do the rest for you. I assume those are people that have proven themselves and they're people who have like, you know, they're, they're like, they, they've ranked up in the, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's hierarchy. The, yes. But yeah, that, so that's moral cool. of the story is moods rewatches because it's fucking good. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I remember, I remember a lot of the shit you guys are talking about. I just, yeah. I remember one scene with like at the bar and some like serious carnage, like behind the bar or something like that. I don't know. Maybe yeah, there's there's a nice shotgun blast. That oh, that's scene. what it is. Okay, yeah. I'm just having. Mm-hmm. I just watched too many movies, man. I can't remember them all. <laughs> Dude, that's. I'm the same way. I used to remember every movie, like all the details. Yeah. Dude, I'm looking through like some of the films I watch, and I'm like, I literally don't know what that movie is. At least I know <laughs> that I've seen the movies. Like some people, like just completely like. I've never seen that. Oh, yeah. and, they, and then that, they pop it in and they're like, I've seen this fucking movie. Like, how do you not remember that part? I can see like forgetting details and shit. That's completely natural, you know, but yep. Especially in the last three, four, three, four years, man, like the amount of movies. I mean, in the last two years alone, I've watched close to 1600 movies. So God damn just in two years. So that's in fucking insane. That um, is insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane because it's all logged. It's all. I don't even know how you have time. Bucks. You're I a parent, goddammit. Yeah. I, I fucking don't ever watch movies when, I, when people are. I'm a night person, man. It's just I sacrifice sleep for watching movies, I guess. But I'm a soldier, man. I do it for the game. Don't hate the player. I hate the fucking game. <laughs> all right. So moving along here, man. Uh, First up, Patreon pick. I'm not sure who the Patreoner is. I apologize sincerely because I forgot to write your name down because I actually deleted off our Google page that we keep track of all the stuff on, and I went to write your names down and it was gone. So I <laughs> apologize for that, but you will know who you are when I mention it. From 1989, a film called Marley's Revenge. 
the monster movie. <laughs> I'll be honest, man. I had, I didn't even, I'd never heard of this movie. Like it, this one obviously slipped through every crack in my life. Um, probably for good reasons, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know anything about this one. This one's dubbed as like a comedy horror. It's definitely along those realms. Uh, basically this one follows our two main characters, Alan and Gary. Uh, they are <laughs> trying to smuggle Gary's um, aunt and uncle across the border from they're from Haitian descent and trying to get in the United States. Um, and of course, when they get to the border, what they don't realize is that there's these like redneck vigilantes who patrol this border on this coast. And they they take matters into their own hands because they, they patrol the border, um, you know, looking for drug dealers. And of course, they mistaken they mistake Alan and Gary as drug dealers. And what these rednecks do is they actually, when they capture these uh, drug dealers, they take them to this island, they bury holes and just kill them. <laughs> That's what they do. They're just <laughs> vigilante rednecks. It's ridiculous. So, anyways, Alan and Gary they get captured along with the aunt and uncle and stuff, and they they get hauled off to this island where um, his auntie ends up getting killed and shit like that. But what they don't know is that his uncle his uncle is uh his uncle marley is actually a voodoo priestess and he manages somehow to resurrect all the dead bodies that are buried on so these would be ex-drug dealers ex-drug dealers because they're dead (laughs) that's funny um so yeah he resurrects all these uh these people they turn into zombies and shit like that and also this really huge fucking monster and shit and not only after he does that shit you know it's it's kind of funny because it's like the zombies against the these vigilantes, but it's also against Gary and, and uh, Alan. Also, so they can't get off this island because of all this carnage that's happening on, happening and shit. Anyways, that's the premise of the film. Pretty much the entire movie. Um, it is just like pure, strictly comedy. It's very slapsticky. It's got like really fucking like Looney Tunes sound effects and shit in it, man. Like there was actually a couple of parts that made me laugh out loud because I just wasn't expect. It wasn't like overdone with the with the cartoon sound effects and shit. But every once in a while they throw in like one of those acne sounds, and I just fucking pissing myself laughing. Uh, going into this movie, I actually thought the movie was going to be shot on video. It just appeared it was going to be shot on video, and from the opening scene, I actually thought it was shot on video, but it was a VH transfer I was watching on YouTube. And the VHS was so bad that it appeared that it was on, that it was actually shot on video. But once that, you know, kind of cleared up and shit, I realized it was probably shot on 60 millimeters, you know, shot on film. So, which actually had a really cool look to it and stuff. But, you know, it, it it's kind of a fun movie. It's just really, really bad. I, I didn't really care for a lot of the comedy. It was kind of falling um, very flat for me and stuff. But the one thing I will say, though, the zombies in the film actually look pretty cool. Like, once the zombies actually get resurrected, which is probably the biggest problem and flaw with this movie is that it only runs about 77 minutes you got this pretty simple premise but it takes about 50 minutes before anything really happens all you have is all this character interaction with these rednecks and gary and and alan and all this shit kind of going on for like 50 fucking minutes before the you know the zombie action kind of starts and it lasts like 20 minutes you know before the credits and shit so it's kind of like children don't play with dead things, you know, like the buildup is better in that movie, but then you kind of want more of the action, you know what I'm saying? It's obviously budget constraints. I understand that. But once the shit starts happening at the end, it's, you know, pretty atmospheric. The zombies actually look pretty good. I thought the makeup was pretty cool. Uh, not really a whole lot of like, not like a lot of gore and shit like that. Um, maybe like a little bit uh, here and there, but definitely some missteps. 
um, <laughs> the big fucking creatures like in this huge rubber suit. It's actually kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, it's just kind of a boring movie, to be honest. I was bored out of my fucking tree, to be honest. Uh, and there's not really a whole lot to say about it, man. The ending was ridiculous, kind of <sighs> stupid. Um, and it's rednecks, man. It just... It's like, like, you know those stereotypical rednecks you see in movies and shit that they just, they say all the things you know they're going to say? Well, that was the script. It was just those type of dumb, stereotyped rednecks and shit. I'm just like, oh my god, this is like just so awful. Uh, I did get a little bit of enjoyment, like I said, the last 15, 20 minutes. But overall, very, very boring movie. For a 77-minute film, it seemed like it was taking forever, forever to get going. 3 out of 10. I cannot recommend this. I thought it was pretty piss poor. Um, that's Marley's Revenge, the monster movie. It's too bad that what like the last twenty minutes wasn't like sixty minutes of the film because it actually probably would, with more with more with more gore and it would have been definitely recommended. But nope, not this one. I always wonder like because like, people send us these titles with never like saying why. I think it's probably because he went out on a limb and probably thought that, you know, maybe I hadn't seen this one because it is pretty fucking obscure. I don't think this thing has any other releases besides some pretty minor VHSs and it seems like it's pretty hard to find, so pretty obscure shit and uh, okay. maybe they thought it was video. I don't know if they'd even seen it or not, but I'm assuming maybe because, you know, I do like shot on video films for the most part and that's why I assumed it was shot on video. It was 89. It just seemed like the type of movie, but it wasn't. It was actually there was a little bit more production value to it, which was shocking to me, but it just didn't, it just fell flat. So I don't know, but yeah, it's a good question. Why do people pick some of these movies? I'm assuming cause I probably hadn't seen it. That's it. No other reason. Mikey. Or because they hate you. I don't <laughs> think like this pick you. was intended. Cause I, I bet you the person that picked this probably thought I was going to enjoy this, but it, there just could have been a lot better film there. I mean, it's, you know, it is what it is, but yeah, these things happen. Yeah, well, continuing with that, I my next one is uh, The Marshes. It's listed as 2018 on IMDb. It just was released on Shutter, I think, earlier this week. Um, it's an Australian movie. A few biologists they're basically conducting research in the outback in the marshes. And uh, shit goes awry, and there's a killer on the loose. This movie sucks too. <laughs> like, is this movie Australian? Yeah, it is. I, wow, I'm there's a lot of Australian was, movies being reviewed on here tonight. Crazy. Yeah, I'm not gonna say I was like hyped going in. It was more just like, oh look, a 2020 release. Other than like what I, you know, obviously we're getting the theatrical releases, so I already know about those. But you know, it's 2020. I'm looking forward to like just things dropping on VOD or whatever. It's it's the new year. You're you know you're looking forward to consuming all the new stuff as soon as you can. So um, when I found out this dropped on show, I was like, all right, let me check. The, the first bad sign was like when I pulled it up and. You know, they had the little, like, skulls with, like, the rating, and I think it was, like, two out of five, and I was like, all right, well, that doesn't necessarily matter because, you know, I don't necessarily have the same taste as everybody else, so I'm going to check it out. No, they were right. It's not very good. It's it's just (laughs) – it's just kind of boring. It's not, like, a horribly made movie. There's a little bit of okay gore. It's like the – it's like a – kind of like a cannibal killer movie in the Australian outback. Um, 
you know, it's not poorly made. It's just uninteresting. There's nothing. There's nothing outside the scope of what you expect going in. It's, it, it, you know, just from the synopsis, like okay, they're gonna go out there to do their science surveying and shit's gonna go awry, and it does. And I don't know. There's it's one of those movies where like if there was just more killing and more gore maybe the fun factor would you know elevate it a little bit but there's just not even that much of that there it just doesn't have much going for it and uh yeah uh it's on shutter i mean if people want to check it out against my advice but (laughs) (laughs) you know i'm not gonna like totally talk everyone out of giving it a chance i guess but i would say you know don't don't bother um you know i don't have really even a lot to say about it i'm just disappointed i was hoping for something a little more fun maybe some more kills in it but it's weird because like the little bit of gore you do get is actually decently done there's a like a part where the dude like carves out like some internal organs on a dude he has strung up and that was that was like the one scene where i was like okay this is all right. And then it goes back to being boring and bland and kind of sucks. Cause like Australia, they put out some good stuff. <laughs> like it's like one it, of my favorite countries, man. For Yeah. It, it, their stuff is usually like pretty brutal. And like they, they manage to just make good horror movie regardless of the genre. So yeah, this one was disappointing. Uh, it's the marshes. So I would say skip this one as well. What's the rating? Oh, the rating? Shit. Um, uh, I, I won't be as harsh as the grudge. I'll say for it. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, that was the I mean, I mean, I mean, I exclusive. What'd you say? Yeah, for it? For it a 10? Yeah, it's like <laughs> I have to give a bad enough rating to make, to like sway people away from seeing it, but the grudge was just so bad that I don't want to like give it as bad of a rating. Yeah. But I would still, it's like, yeah, full, hopefully four out of ten lets people know that I'm definitely saying don't bother with it. Yeah, it was it was a it was a Shutter uh, distribution original, not like they made it or anything. So, yeah, I yeah. think that. Let me see here. Yeah, I don't know, man. They that that's disappointing <clears throat> that they would lead off with something so blah. Um. But yeah. yeah, they they have some misses throughout the year for sure. But uh, all right, uh, what do I got next? Okay, let's do Billy Club 2013. This was a pick from Mikey Fish. Mikey Fish always comes through with the the indie flicks. Uh, I do appreciate that. Like Patreon listeners out there, take note. Um, Mikey does a great job giving Patreon stuff. I know one person is... would beg to differ on that one. <laughs> well, that's that's just because he likes fucking with Jeremy because Jeremy's an asshole. I'm nice to Mikey. Um, so uh, Mikey, see what what happens, right? I say, Mikey, you do great picks and you give me awesome stuff. And he's like, awesome. He's like, I'm going to keep giving you fun stuff. Jeremy's like, fuck Mikey. He gives me shit. <clears throat> and what happens? Mikey keeps giving him shit. Yeah. <laughs> See, yeah. there's lessons learned here. Um, he doesn't yeah. learn. He just doesn't fucking learn, man. You know, I we know. tell him this shit and it's obviously happening to him, but he's just not figuring it out. <laughs> like, what is so hard about this, man? 
Good lord. But yeah, I uh, this one is this one's a lot of fun. It's uh, it's called Billy Club, uh, 2013 independent slasher film. Uh, it follows a group of kids now grown up who used to play Little League together. Uh, one time in Little League, they lost a game, and it was all Billy's fault. Uh, and they believe Billy is back for revenge because he was bullied after. I don't want to spoil like what actually happens because it's revealed throughout the film uh, and not necessarily at the beginning. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's the, the killer is dressed. There's actually a pretty cool scene early on in the film at the beginning where uh, the killer is like, you know, putting together his get up, which reminded me of like Nightmare on Elm Street, how Freddy's like designing his glove and stuff like that uh he uses a baseball bat with nails and a retractable knife that he builds himself pretty cool uh it actually is a great slasher weapon uh and he's dressed up in i don't know what does he have like a catcher mask on or something i don't know yeah know he's he got the catcher's mask on there yeah yeah um and a slight and, bat you know some yeah the bat and then he has like the uh he has some, like some pads on and stuff like that um catcher pretty cool i actually really like you know gimmicky theme but i dig it very very well thought out for a gimmick unlike a bowling bag on your head um good lord <laughs> fuck <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, uh, these, these group of, uh, people reunite that used to play on this little league team together. It's super convoluted, like why they meet up and stuff like that. They're just kind of in town and stuff like that. Um, and then they decide to like go out and pay respects to the, the coach and like the rest of the, the team, some of the team that had been killed, uh, back then. Uh, and you know, slasher killer stuff happens. Uh, I think this movie's pretty entertaining, man. I, I really do. I think this is a very entertaining. Like, it's not the best. Like, the acting spotty. It's very amateurish in certain aspects, but I think it excels in other aspects um, better than average. You know what I mean? Like, so you might have some things that drag it down, but at the end of the day, it's entertaining. It ha- it, it does excel in some aspects, such as gore and just overall like fun factor and fun you know the killer looks good and stuff like that um there's some actual like genuinely funny moments in this film uh there's there's a scene where a girl is like hooking up with this dude and uh she doesn't want the other person to know and he like kind of walks up to their like shack or whatever and he's like hey what are you doing there she's like i'm getting a shower and he's like huh like what's all that rustling going on in there and he like she like comes out and he's like you're like all dirty and shit and your hair's not wet and she's like oh yeah i like to take quick showers sometimes i don't wash my hair and he's like yeah but you're like filthy (laughs) and it's actually like very funny like i I was actually laughing out loud which is you know doesn't happen a lot with these indie films like sometimes the ratings so bad i'm laughing at the movie not with it but in this case i was laughing with it um there's a weird like scene where a dude like kisses another dude like kind of out of nowhere and then it was just kind of, I don't know. I felt a little misplaced. I think it was for comedy, but, um, and there's a scene, like there's some dumb stuff in the movie too. Like, okay. Like a girl, uh, like runs into the woods when she could have just like ran over to the car and left, you know, just stuff like that. That is stupid. But, 
Um, it's a slasher film. There's usually some stupid stuff, so I'm not usually as harsh on them. And it and it's like throwbacks. So it's try. I think it's set in like the 90s. It's trying to be like a throwback slasher too. Um, I honestly really liked it. I thought it was good. Um, I give it a six and a half out of ten. Cool. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it. I remember digging it though, man. You know, anything to do with baseball and shit, I'm I'm fucking down. All right, moving along again. Another Patreon pick from someone I don't know. <laughs> I apologize again. Uh, so this one right here is from 1983, and it's called Copperhead. Now, this is a film I did know about. <laughs> I did know about this movie, and I'd never seen it before. I thought this was another film called Copperhead, or like it was like a. I thought this was a TV movie about rattlesnakes at first too, and then I clicked on the link just to see what is this, and I was like, oh geez, yeah. <laughs> it didn't look so good. <laughs> yeah, so this is a, uh, a shot on video film from 1983, actually a very very early one, and um, I'd known about the history with this movie a little bit. Like I said, I'd never seen it before. I don't think it has any type of formal release. Maybe it has a VHS release back in the day. I meant like after the VHS. Uh, so I think this one's pretty fucking obscure uh, to find and shit like that if you want to check it out after you hear my thoughts on it. But um, uh, yeah, this one was kind of notorious for having lots of real snake killings in it. And it's definitely true. There is a lot of real snakes that get killed in this movie. It's fucking bizarre. It's not even Italian. It's just they just <laughs> managed to kill a lot of fucking snakes in this movie. It's crazy. Um, in fact, the movie opens up with a very, very tedious, probably five, six minute scene of a close up. It's literally just like a stoic, static, or stoic. It's a static type shot of this camera just focusing in on this uh, on this copperhead and. Obviously, someone had thrown a mouse there. The copperhead bites it. The mouse dies. And then you get this like painstaking five-minute intro to the movie called Copperhead of this snake literally ingesting this fucking mouse. Like, it ta- like it's obviously time-lapsed a little bit, but you get to see from the process it gets bit to the process of the final, you know, the little last bit of toes being ingested into a snake. Yeah, I'm like, oh my god, and then it cuts into this movie, and it's basically about this um, this dude. He's got a wife and his uh, two grown child or three grown children. They're essentially on the run, uh, so he's kind of purchased this land out in this like kind of swamp land, swamp land and shit like that. And they're on the run because they've essentially kind of stole a uh, like a treasure and stuff. And he's super fucking paranoid that like everybody's after him, like not only the people that you know that he stole this treasure from, but everyone's, you know, kind of out to get him and shit like that. And it doesn't, and there's absolutely no evidence of anybody knowing where they are. I'm sure people are after them, but nobody knows where they are kind of deal. And uh, he's like a massive, massive fucking dick. Like this guy is just paranoid and delusional and shit like that. Anyways, one of their neighbors comes over one day to uh, essentially kind of introduce themselves and shit like that. And he sees a snake and he turns out that he's like a biologist and stuff. And he deals with the type of shit and, Anyways, this father freaks out, grabs his gun, and fucking blows the snake away. It's just insane. And now he now he hates the neighbor and shit like that. So, uh, so he's essentially the rest of the movie is just you know him kind of being super paranoid about you know people trying to find the the treasure and stuff like that and and whatnot. Um, my thoughts on the movie though, man. This is another one of those like shot on video films that 
it's very it's very standard type shot of video filmmaking where there's obviously no budget and it just takes forever for shit to actually start happening you know again this one oh i want to say this one runs oh it must it must be like 80 minutes or 90 minutes or so i don't know it's, it's fucking longer than it should be anyways and it's just a lot of scenes where you have the father uh just kind of freaking out and getting his kids to do shit and it's just like it's so monot it's just it's so monotonous it just keeps kind of repeating itself over and over again and then you know to pad the time even more in the first like 70 minutes or whatever the fuck it is uh it cuts to like the neighbor and his relationship with his wife and his kid and stuff like that and it's just like oh my god like what the fuck uh, we finally get some action when he finally loses his mind and starts, you know, going Rambo style on people and shit like that. The th- the thing about these type of movies that really fucking bugs me is that you ever watching a movie and all of a sudden characters just appear into the film and you're like, where the fuck did that character come from? Like they've never been introduced and stuff, but the 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 you know the character that you're watching the film actually knows who this person is. Like that is just beyond fuck to me, man. I absolutely hate that in movies, man. This movie has that happen. Towards the end of the film, a character shows up, and you're just like, what the fuck? Like, where the hell did this person come from? No mention of the name, nothing like that. It's just, it is what it is. Uh, But that's not even, like, the biggest surprise. This movie actually, theoretically, is a snake revenge film. So after, you know, the father has this paranoid delusion that these snakes are coming to get him and shit, him and his sons, he forces him and his sons to go out and just basically shoot every fucking snake that is around their you know their cabin type deal and it's like this long drawn out fucking like 20 minute scene of them of snakes being blown away obviously with real fucking guns like these things are exploding there's guts there's blood there's fucking everywhere i'm just like holy shit man this is insane (laughs) right so and then the ending goes like completely ridiculous i was shocked to see um or actually to hear that there was like original music for this movie that I thought that was really interesting. And I will say for a shot on video film, this is probably one of the best looking shot on video films. You can tell for the time that they actually had probably some of the best cameras. It kind of reminded me of like watching maybe those early episodes of like Lilith's Hobo when they shot them on video and shit. I don't know. It kind of, it, it's had that production value. It actually looked really clear. It was insane considering it's 83 and it's a VHS transfer and it just fucking looked really good. So, um, but boring straight up fucking boring movie man like just boring and i was getting a little bit it was tedious watching all these snakes getting killed and shit i'm just like i don't need to see this shit anymore man like it's just it's not even tasteful at all it's just brutal and it's just it goes absolutely nowhere it's ridiculous i will say though and i usually don't bring this up for shot on video films because i don't care if the acting is bad or not but the acting actually isn't that bad in this movie i was surprised it seemed like they actually had some you know, people that actually knew a little bit what they're doing, but it's all right. Um, but yeah, Copperhead, fucking absolute bore. The ending's a complete mess and shit like that. It's the ending's actually pretty comical. What happens to everybody? It's just like ridiculous. <laughs> but still, I'm just like I couldn't wait for the shit to end. Uh, two out of ten. It's horrible. Fucking horrible, man. Really did not care for this shit. Wow, <laughs> that's funny. Now I'm like, should I lower my ratings on the first two? <laughs> There's just nothing redeemable about it. I mean, you know, like, have you ever seen Border like Boarding House before? Like, where the scene, yeah. like, the extended cut, like, you know how scenes no. just keep going on and on and on, and you're just like, why the fuck don't they just cut this shit down? That's what this whole movie is. It's like, it's 90% padding of time. There's so many painstaking conversations. You're like, this doesn't even add to anything. It's just so boring. 
horrible shit, man. Like I, these are the type of shot on video films that really, really give shot on video a bad name. Ugh, so bad, <laughs> Mikey. All right, this one's probably a cheap pick because it's one I love. I've seen many times before, but I was actually watching it a little bit before we started recording with my kids. Um, and that would be 1987's The Monster Squad. I've always said growing up, I was a card-carrying member of the Goonies until I saw The Monster Squad and I turned in my Goonies card. Uh, oh, hell no. Because <laughs> I was like, pirate, pirate adventures were cool until I saw the club that actually hunted monsters. Yeah, the Universal the Monsters. Fatellis will beat the shit out of the Universal Monsters. <laughs> Fatellis, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, all, all things considered, The Goonies is just probably more of a quote-unquote epic movie. I mean, it's Spielberg. It's my favorite you know. movie of all time. Yeah, I mean, The Goonies is great. It's not really a knock on The Goonies. It's just a growing up because I was getting into horror that I was, and this really, I mean, if you look at uh, like my age and when I saw this movie this really kind of got set me on the track of Universal Monsters in general because that's you know who's in this movie as far as the villains go but uh, this, this is a very interesting movie to watch like in the modern era it, it's very of its time like a lot of the dialogue between the younger characters you're just like whoa they would not write stuff like that today um, I was getting a kick out of like so the little sister Phoebe is her character name my youngest is about like that age and my my kids have this thing about um, they love watching movies with kids in them not necessarily just kids movies but any movies that just feature kids period so they were kind of checking this movie out getting a kick out of it I've always just loved this movie it's a really good cast uh Noonan as Frankenstein does great. Uh, the werewolf or the wolfman is uh, Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, the guy who plays Dracula just I, I just think every all the monsters are really well done in this. I like the story. It it really reminds me of being a kid in that era where you're into monsters. I didn't have like any type of club or anything when I was a kid because I just didn't know enough people that were interested in horror. Not to not to the extent that I was. I did have a. I grew up in a neighborhood where the where the kid next door to me was a classmate, and we we had those summers where we just rent horror movies like every day, one after the other, from this place called Ninety Nine Cent Video. So I guess that's the closest that I had to actually having a monster squad or club or whatever. Um, but I I've always just loved this movie. It's it's great. It's I and I'm sure there's the nostalgia factor too because it's part of my childhood. Uh, it's a PG-13 movie, but like we said earlier in our earlier discussion on the show, it it doesn't feel like the PG-13 rating hampers anything in this movie. Everything's depicted well. I'm sure this is a movie that everybody, you guys and the listeners included, are very familiar with. I don't know that much needs to be said about it outside of like if it's being done for a main review so I will cut it a little short and just say shit man and I'm going 
I'm going for the gold on this one. I'm giving it a 10 out of 10. I don't really see any flaws in in this one. I think it's, it works for young folks. It works for shit. I guess I consider myself an old folk now. Um, it's it's maintained its consistency with me. I've, I, I don't think I've enjoyed it any less even as I've grown older. So, yeah, Monster Squad. Yeah, I, I know. You, I know you guys have seen it. So, what what do you think of this movie? No, I've it's... actually seen it at the drive-in a couple years ago. What um, did you rate it, Mike? I ten out of ten. Oh, sorry. That's kind of crazy. I mean, moods, I don't. Moods rated it a ten out of ten on the show before. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, I don't really see any flaw. And it, like the running times, it it flies by. Like one of the one yeah, of the things dude, I never noticed. Yeah, why watch? Because you know, I saw it a lot as a kid, and then kind of like that gap goes by. Kind of probably in my like late teens, twenties, where some time and revisiting as like you know, a, a, I guess a later stage adult. I I didn't remember that man. It, it's a it's a pretty short running time, and the pace. It's like it just gets right into it, and before you know it, it's like kind of in the showdown already. So, man, I I don't see any really flaw in the movie yeah i don't know i i've never loved it honestly like i think it's a good movie but i definitely didn't have the nostalgia for it i saw it much later in life i saw it when i was probably 20 for the first time yeah so or maybe eight so how how old were you when you first saw the goonies because a lot of similar a lot of people say a similar thing six See, there you go. Because uh, a lot of people that didn't see the Goonies till adulthood have a similar opinion. They like don't understand why so many people love the Goonies, and it's because they didn't see it till they were adults. So it's kind of has that similar effect. I don't understand though. Even I, I don't know. Seeing the Goonies even an adult, I, I think I could recognize you would ha- you would have a different appreciation for it if you liked it than you know if you saw it when it first came out. Did you watch the Goonies when it came out? When it first came out. Are you yeah. asking me? Yeah. Well, clearly he's not asking me. Well, I, I wasn't. Even he alive. wasn't born yet. But me and you being the same age, because what what exact year did the Goonies come out? I mean, 80, I saw it as a kid. Eighty five. Yeah, I mean, I was a kid definitely when I saw. I don't. I probably didn't see it in eighty five, but I saw it. You know, in the well, I'm, I'm thinking like eighty five, eighty six. Yeah. yeah, like as a young kid, like I saw it at such a young age too. But that shit was like just in bedded into my mind like that was like the coolest shit ever and oh yeah it was like one of those repeat viewings where it's like you constantly oh yeah dude. watched it all the time and yeah i mean i it, it's weird because it's like every time i have this discussion where i'm comparing the two movies it's it's really like no knock on the goonies because i think the goonies is fantastic and all things considered i think the goonies is probably the better movie but it's just be personally because when I was transitioning into just becoming a horror fan, the Monster Squad just had that extra layer of appeal to me because, as opposed to like you know the pirate thing, this one was monsters like horror villains. So this one always just uh, had that kind of extra to it. Even though objectively speaking, I can say that Goonies has the bigger epic adventure feel to it but i don't know man it's just the monster squad i just love it all right my turn yep all right so my next title is a big f you to moods because he said i wouldn't review this film Uh, (laughs) this is 
I told you I'm turning over New Leaf, man. Uh, Blue Underground's three-disc release of House by the Cemetery, the Lucio Falci film that we have reviewed in a featured review here before uh, in the first Italian Horror Month, I believe. Uh, So five years ago, at least. Uh, Been a while since I've seen this. And in fact, I've revisited uh, City of the Living Dead multiple times since then. But House by the Cemetery was always my least favorite in that trilogy. Um, Because honestly, I didn't really get the movie. It's kind of hard to follow a little bit uh, for me. Mm. Um, But this time I kind of understood it a little bit more. Uh, So it basically follows um, a family with their son, Bob, which Bob is kind of... When you bring up House by the Cemetery, I feel like Bob is the first thing everybody thinks which yeah. is kind of funny that that's what everybody thinks because he's the the dubbing on bob <laughs> or the feet or the female that dubs bob's voice that's like 13 or something or 15 oh or is something. it really i didn't even know that yeah or i might have known but forgot but uh yeah so they move into this house because um the husband was friends with a guy who lived there which i didn't i never really understood that whole <clears throat> thing i still don't so like he moves into this house because he knew somebody who lived there and died and he's doing research on old houses or something so it it doesn't really make sense but that happens in these films (laughs) like i think that that happens a lot um that's why like if you're uninitiated sometimes people like Luis no he the the guy that moves into the house is he's basically continuing the research of freud continuing the research of dr freudstein yeah well no dr freud seems a different person his his uh friend was doing research on dr freud scene yeah i've, I've <laughs> that's right yeah 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 um, it, a little confusing but um so yeah okay so i guess that makes a little bit more sense but they don't i don't know do they like flat out say that because if they did i missed it um or do yeah you no they do assume- because yeah they continue the research about dr freud scene and i can't remember what the fucking other doctor's name is um it's like fear Pearson or something. But I mean, if you follow that right there, if I mean, he's, he's moved into this house and he's continuing the research about Dr. Freudstein and stuff. If you keep that in mind until the third act hits, then it, then it kind of makes sense. It's maybe. just weird because why would he be like, why did he have to move into the house where the guy died? If he knows nothing about Freudstein up until that point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Why would he go move into the dude? Like, if you carry over the work of your friend who dies, you don't go move into his house, do you? <laughs> hey man, you know, maybe, especially maybe, when all his research isn't even at the house; it's at the fucking library. Yeah. Well, maybe you just felt like you know being close to it would help. Who fucking knows? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like that's the stuff that like in first watch I never questioned because I'm just so confused the whole time. But in second watch, when I could focus more. I'm like, okay, these are some issues I had last time. Let me see if they actually, because most of the time I can't remember if they like explained it or didn't, but when I'm paying attention a little bit more, mm-hmm. I figure that shit out. So anyway, um, uh, it, it's kind of, a, it's kind of a weird movie. Cause it's like a mixture of things. It's almost like a mad scientist film mixed with like some ghost shit or like some gates of hell shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Where, where it's like on one hand you have like, a dude who used to do experiments in his in the Victorian era in his basement, mm-hmm. and then on the other hand, you have like a potential like like gate of hell type thing, you know, like from the beyond. I guess that's why they 
consider this a gates of hell film um and anyway you know there's uh you know there's a lot of characters that come in and you know are introduced and and then die and that i don't know it's like hard to follow who's who and like why this person's in the house all of a sudden and stuff but there they do explain it if you really pay attention it's just like italian films are so weird with not making it a point to like like let you know like this person's here because they're the, a babysitter. See, if I remember correctly, it's, you know, honestly, like the minor details and stuff, but I think that the reason why they move into the house is because there's information there that he needs to go there to continue the research anyways. Like, he needed to go there, so he just moves his family into the place to... Because that's where the information is, though. It was just easier to move everybody instead of having to do it in a different spot kind of thing, so... It's just weird because like he comes from a you different city, right? If this yeah. guy was so into Freudstein, mm-hmm. he would have just like checked the basement like better. Well, they <laughs> never, but, I mean? but they can't go in the basement. Like, no, like, I'm saying like the other guy. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like weird. It's like, but I'm assuming it's probably the same thing, right? It was, it was locked up and it was like kind of off limits and whatever. And he just, just kind of respected that you know it is it is what it is because it even when they even when they move into the house they realize this thing's all locked up and shit and it's like well okay yeah i know but he clearly killed the last dude so it couldn't have been locked up the entire time Mm Hmm. so who locked it back up the only way that i could explain some of this is that it's like gates of hell shit like Mm -hmm. it's it's supernatural you know what i mean like that that's the only way to explain some of it um but yeah the uh <laughs> the, the 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 good thing about this movie is like there's some gnarly kills and honestly the ending is like really good it's like better than i remembered because mm-hmm. uh, it has uh like the whole like it's kind of intense with bob like on the other side of um you know uh, death approaching thing you know that you're like what's in the basement what's in the basement because they kind of keep it in secret most of the time uh, yeah. the whole movie until like the reveal at the end you're like what the fuck is that you know what i mean like that's not what i was expecting um and then uh it just kind of like the whole like maggot body thing is really gross and cool um very italian um and then the music is fantastic um in this one uh, who did the music in this moods? Um, why I'm Rizzotti? Uh, why am I having a fucking brain fire right now? That's like absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah, I think it's Rizzotti. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, overall, man, I think this one has some fun atmosphere and stuff. There's a lot of like blah 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 talking that goes throughout a lot of the film. I wish that Fulci had put a little bit more action, maybe a cut, like a, even like one or two kills in between some of the dialogue. I think that it would have like took this film like to another level because that's really the only problem is like, there's a lot of downtime of like, like a lot of hoopla shit that I, I, I really don't care about. Um, but other than that, I, I definitely have a new respect for this one because it, it's just weird i like how weird it is um with like the the supernatural like this like the the even the little girl right like the little girl that bob sees but nobody else does and stuff yeah like that's weird 
Um, like it's almost like a haunted but it, house. Gates but it is hell. explainable why she's there and stuff. I mean, right? Because she's kind of there to almost to the, warn the little girl. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. But then at the end, you're kind of like. But why? that's why she is kind of yeah. I mean, that's kind of what her role is because I mean, if you're watching the movie closely and like you you do realize that oh wait a minute, no one else is kind of seeing her. Bob mm-hmm. is only with her. Like she's got to be. There's got to be something going on there. So she is kind of that. You know that angel. She's like the the opposite end of of the demon. You know, mm-hmm. there to you know basically guide them in the right direction so they don't end up dead, kind of thing, right? That's really yeah. what her role is, right? So I, I kind of um, like I kind of like that that angle and shit like that. She's that little girl. She's in a lot of these Italian films too. You recognize her, little ginger kid. Yeah, but o- overall, you know, I, I like this one more now than I did before. It, I definitely was able to like piece together the story a lot better than i did on that show five years ago um but it, it i mean it's still a little problematic i think that it's definitely the the weakest of the three uh but i still do like it i think it's pretty fun and it has good good atmosphere music some good gore in there and overall i like how weird it is it's just it's a it's i like the mix of this like mad scientist uh, murderer with like this almost like ghostly type thing and then this like supernatural like gates of hell element to it too mm-hmm. um so uh i gave it a seven and a half out of ten which i gave it a seven the last time i seen it uh which was five years ago and uh there's some new features on here you got a new audio commentary uh they ported over a ton of features from the original blue underground uh release and then uh like q and a Q&A with Katrino Katriana McCall and uh, a new interview with Dr. Freud's uh, yeah Katarina no Uh, yeah Katarina yep Um, (laughs) Stephen Trower uh, author of Beyond Terror the films of Lucio Falci Uh, so there's an interview with him and then um, the disc three is the soundtrack um and of course, it has the cool lenticular cover. I really like these three discos that Blue Underground does. Imagine that transfer is like ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Definitely some <clears throat> grain in there, but definitely. Well, that that should be there. That should definitely stay there. I mean, those films are. That's just that's like the integrity of them right there. Yeah. So atmospheric, yeah. man. But he always shot like I don't like to this day. I still can't even figure out what the fuck film, like how faulty shot those movies. To, to like just have that atmosphere you know what i'm saying yeah like, it, it, this one's interesting because a lot of it takes place in the daylight mm-hmm. but it's still super atmospheric right because i don't know it's just it's weird man he just manages to capture that but good shit man good shit uh moving along here man um another patreon pick i apologize again <laughs> i do not know who <laughs> uh gave me this one um I could probably figure it out. But uh, anyways, from 2008, this is the second film in what at the time was a trilogy. There is a fourth film now, and it's called Regorgitated Sacrifice. Wait, somebody gave you this? Yep. Didn't you do the um, vomit dolls before? Uh, I did the first one. Isn't this part of that? Yeah, I did the first. This is the second movie. Wow, somebody really hates you. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, of course, directed by Lucer Valentine, who actually is Canadian. <laughs> this guy might be the sickest fucking Canadian ever. Like, oh my god, dude! Like, there's really no 
narrative to speak of in these movies. It's supposed to be about a girl that having... It's kind of an interesting, you know, the way that synopsis is written up here. You know, it says, A girl with a disturbing hallucinations continue her downward spiral into hell. Not for the faint of heart. Um, I guess that's kind of true. I mean, but our main character, like our main, main character, the girl that, uh, you know, uh, what is her name? Amara Lovely. She actually got killed in Vancouver. I think 2017, she got fucking shot, actually. It was crazy. She's like 34 years old. But she's actually not even in the movie that much. She is the girl that where all this kind of nightmare logic and stuff is stemming from. And it's kind of interesting. I'm pretty sure the guy that's, you know, talking in the film, doing the POV and shit actually is Loser Valentine. And I like I always perceive these films to be, you know, his it's like an extension of his reality. Like, I, I truly believe that Loser Valentine is a really fucking messed up individual. I've read Have you ever inter- seen uh, Black Metal Veins? No, nah, I'm see, I've kind of left that one. I really, really hate drug needles i just i don't want to even see that part of the world it's pretty fucked up yeah i, I just i've seen enough living in vancouver with hastings and shit and uh, no way i just don't need to see more of that shit but i mean that's pretty much where he was filming that stuff so i've seen i've seen it live i've been there um but i always feel like these movies are just an extension of his mental reality and shit like that i've read in interviews that you know he had a pretty fucked up relationship with his sister and shit like that some incest and shit like that and you know, this Lu- Loser Valentine's a very, he's a very, I don't know, man, he's mysterious. He's very mysterious. Like, I don't even think I've ever seen what he looks like before. Um, he doesn't really do interviews. He and, and a lot of people say, like, these type of movies are just an extension of, like, what's kind of going through his mind and stuff. And it's really messed up. Like, it's maybe just his fetishes that are put onto film. But, again, you know, our main character here, she is kind of having these nightmares and things like that. But the weirdest thing about this movie is that the Soska sisters actually star in this movie. They're pretty much in the whole movie. They're uncredited. This movie is not on their IMDb page. They will not talk about this shit, which is kind of explainable. Um, It's fucking crazy. And they basically kind of play these twin demons in a sense that kind of torture, like rape and torture and kill people. And it's just really fucked up. It's like scene after scene of, you know, rape and torture and nasty, nasty gore. One thing I will give credit for for Loser Valentine's films is that the gore in these things is fucking crazy, man. It's really bloody, gory, messy, nasty. There's this really cool kind of mashed up head scene with the Soska sisters. Like their heads are fucking, they're together. They're joined. They're Siamese twins, which kind of makes a little bit of sense since they're twins but <laughs> but uh but the gore like the way that the effect happened is really damn good but man you know 65 minute film of nothing but nastiness and he does a really good time it's kind of like gasper no where you know irreversible where you know the music is at that really down tempo low bass stuff real grumbly that actually is meant to nauseate you you know like that was the point of that music in that film and stuff it was really kind of meant to just disorientate you and fucking just get you in that well loser valentine does the same type of thing with his really quick editing the down tempo the low monotone fucking bass lines and shit like that and this it's really meant to make you nauseated and if that isn't enough there's this one right here doesn't have as much puking as the first one actually the puking comes more probably in the last 10-15 minutes of this one but this one really relies more on the rape and gore and and other real nastiness and you know these scenes the scene it's like i said the soska sisters are picking up these hookers and things like that they rape and torture and 
man, there's some crazy, but this one takes it a little one step further than the first one. I mean, there's scenes in this one where there's women really pissing and there's the scene where this chick pisses and then she pisses into a cup and she drinks it. And then of course she instantly pukes in this toilet. And it's like this long puking scene of just like yellow urine. It's fucking nasty. And this other chick comes in the room and they start pissing on each other. And then they start puking in each other's faces. And it's like fucking, it's totally hundred percent real too. And you're just like, Oh my God, like what am I watching? I feel like I'm watching, and then like the effects are so real you feel like you're watching a snuff film mixed in with this real nasty fucking sexual fetishes and but it's mixed in with this like real nightmare type logic like this one is a lot better done than the first one he definitely stepped up his game for filmmaking wise even though there's real no narrative here and maybe there is one to him but i mean to find a coherent narrative is probably uh, it's very subjective. I think people could probably see this shit as being a lot different and you could probably psychoanalyze the shit out of this and come up with 300 different fucking meanings, especially where the end happens too. It's got this whole kind of Kurt Cobain thing because the move, the, the story starts in 1973 and it kind of ends in 1994 with Kurt Cobain's suicide. And the very last scenes in the film are actually like, you know, of her at this, you know, the grave site or at the, you know, as at his home and shit. It's really fucking strange. It's really odd. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of it's just you know like i said for a 65 minute film it's it's a tough watch but this one actually kind of rips by because you're just so intrigued in what the fuck he's gonna do next like it is really really nasty the shit that i don't care for in this film all of a sudden this one dude just kind of appears in this real fucking nasty ass scene man where the soska sisters basically disembowel this chick real nasty guts coming out and he he kind of shows up into the scene he kind of shows up in his was that a real snore what? <laughs> oh my god, he's actually fucking sleeping. He just said he never falls asleep on podcasts. This fucking guy. That was pretend. That was not fucking pretend. Oh my god. But anyways, so this guy jumps into the screen and he basically uses the intestines and he starts like sucking it off and shit and he's like puking in the fucking disemboweled guts. Intestines. Yeah, and oh my god it's just fucking brutal man it's so brutal man oh sewing of like real up close pussies oh my god i could just go on and on man this shit has everything for any type of fucking weird fetish man and then like the end of the film with not with the kirk cobain stuff but with the pov i'm assuming it's loser valentines and oh it's just insane but these are the type of movies that's really hard to review you just have to talk about all the nastiness that's in it because there's no real narrative but uh you know, it's it's kind of interesting that people would say, I, I kept thinking to myself, like, how you find people to do this shit. Like, do you just put out an ad saying, hey, I'm going to do this movie. I want girls that are willing to really piss, drink piss, puke on each other. And and it's fucking nuts, dude. It's absolutely fucking bananas. And I was reading in, in the trivia and it said that there was safe words just in case shit went too far. So they mm. were, like, really kind of doing and pushing the envelopes when they're filming this stuff. And oh man it's just it's on a different level like this shit is not for most people i would say 95 percent of real fucking definitely not for me yeah (laughs) this is the type of shit that you know you don't really want to subject yourself willingly even though i've watched this three times now because i watched this when i first got it and i watched this before um i was supposed to review it months ago when i actually wasn't on a show i'd rewatch i watched it and then i of course had to rewatch it again because i just feel bad if i don't rewatch a film for a review so i watched it again but you know, it's uh, like I said, it's tough. 
it's fucking tough but um i love how you said not willingly like someone's gonna <laughs> tie you to the chair and make you watch it that's pretty much what happens in this people get tied to chairs and tar- yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of ironic it's almost like a flip side of it right a little bit but you know if i ever met the Sosuka sisters which i hope i do one day i want to just bring this up because i'm very confused on why they're uncredited it's not on their imdb page do they get naked in it they don't actually. They're the only girls that don't show their bare pussy and tits and fucking open pussy and asshole of and course. fucking. It's like a. It, it's just a fetish porn, man. Is essentially what year did this come out? Uh, it's two thousand two thousand eight. So this, this so is the second how one. How established were they by this? Not. I think Dead Hooker in the Trunk just was about to come out. Right. I think it was about the time. Yeah. I think it was oh, about that okay. time, but I they they obviously want to you know disconnect themselves with the fact that they did this Lucifer Valentine film because it is. Something I wouldn't want to be associated with if I was, you know, filmmakers trying to do, you know, trying to make something of themselves, like go back to this. But I have heard that they won't even talk about the shit. So I, if you, I think if I you do meet asshole. them and you get a chance to ask him, like nope. gra- swipe your cell phone and hit the record button. I'll just, yeah. you, know, you know what I'm going to do? Like I would bring up this DVD and be like, can you guys sign this and just see what they say? Like, you're going to be like, fuck off. Right. Right. Like I, I don't. I don't want them to be like get the fuck out of here and then hate me and shit. But at the same time, I think it would be pretty funny to do. Well, just say all your other shit first and then bring it up. <laughs> yeah, man. But uh, it is pretty crazy, man. Like, there's there's a scene in this film where, well, I'm convinced. I mean, they don't. He doesn't actually show up, but man, she's right in there. I don't know which Soska sister it is, man. But this like pregnant hooker, like she's fucking totally eating her out, man. It is fucking crazy, dude. I'm like, what the fuck? They're having like this threesome with this pregnant, gross hooker. Ugh, it's nasty. But like she goes right down on her and shit. I'm just like, her face is right in her crotch, man. I mean, oh, man. she's not licking her nose is touching her cooter, so it's pretty fucked. But uh, yeah, it, it's definitely some in- interesting. I mean, it's supposed to be artsy and shit, but like at the end of the day, it's fucking it's. It's pretend snuff with real nasty fetishes. I never understood puking on each other. Like, okay, I mean, it's, it's not like I understood. <laughs> Is there anything shitting. to understand about that? I don't understand it. Though. Like, what the fuck? Like, how is it? This is these are real fetishes. Like people, like Germans, you know, whatever they shit on each other. Uh, I get the pissing thing because you know it's body fluid, but like shit and puke though. Like, I don't understand why people would subject themselves to doing this like i guess i guess people just i mean they obviously enjoy it i don't i don't know it's fucking weird man i just don't understand how it ever got started like who was the first person ever be like yo man can you puke on me just vomit right (laughs) in my mouth right like how do you ask somebody like you like say way back in the day you were like all of a sudden had this you know you saw something you saw a chick shitting you're like man i would love to have her loaf right on my mouth (laughs) Like, I just don't understand don't. how the fuck this ever could happen. But anyways, Lucifer Valentine, um, this is probably the best one. I haven't seen the fourth one yet, even though I do have it. Danny actually bought me the fourth one. Uh, out of the first three, this is by far the best one, if you want to call it. If there is a best one, I don't know. It, it's oddly entertaining if you can handle it. I've seen it twice before, so like the puking and shit wasn't really affecting me and stuff like that. But I wouldn't recommend it, but I am going to actually give this one a pass because, like I said just for the gore effects alone man it's it's edited better than the first one um i mean i I can't say it's not it's like it's not boring i guess you can't look away it's like a train wreck you just can't fucking look away so i'm coming in a five and a half out of ten um 
I just can't stop thinking about it, man. All I see is puke and piss and, and nasty gore. It's fucked up. My brain's all fucked yeah, up. Yeah, right I'm I'm seeing it in my head just from you describing it. I'm like, <laughs> there is just so like in the last 15 minutes, it just goes fucking. I mean, the whole movie is bonkers, and every you know, there's scenes throughout the whole thing. But man, when the dude comes in puking, oh my god, man, it's fucking fucking messed. It is bizarre. So. Yeah, I guess that's going to be what we watched. And now, our feature presentation. Yo, who this? Yo, Modes, it's your boy, the ill-mented funky child, calling you to remind you that the featured reviews on this episode contain spoilers. Aw, oh, yeah, man, that's right, brother. Thanks for the heads up, player. Now go back to being an unproductive asshole. Fuck you. I tell your listeners to stop being so dumb, silly, sensitive. Yeah. Alrighty, getting into the featured reviews here on episode 174. Uh, this is a Patreon pick coming from our homeboy, DBougier963. Uh, yeah, this is a show that he picked, uh, I guess, the mockumentary slash found footage style films. I guess mm-hmm. we'll figure out exactly what we're going to call that if we already did. Yeah, or it, I don't know. they're ma- mockumentary slash found footage, but just <clears throat> for titling's sake, I'm just calling it found footage. Yeah, because, I mean, these ones definitely are bonafide mockumentaries, for sure. Uh, So, without further ado, um, first film from 2008, coming straight from the land down under in uh, Australia. Um, A film called Lake Mungo. This was part of the eight films to die for volume four, I think it was was the fourth fourth one. It was the fourth year. I actually had a sealed box set. That I got from Go Hastings for eight dollars, the full box set, you know, wow. with all eight individual, with all eight slip covers. Yeah. Uh, and I got that. Uh, wait a minute, one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven. Okay, yeah. Um, I thought there was only six in there at first, but um, yeah, uh, it's the fourth year, and I think this is what the there's like two good films in that, two, three good films in that year. Yeah, the the third and fourth seasons were really lacking. The first two have most of the good ones, but this is probably one of the probably one of the better ones from the fourth season. I think um, the third season's the weakest, right? It is, man. I think there's only one, maybe two salvageable ones in that one. Uh, like I said, the first two horror after or, uh, eight films to die for were definitely really fucking solid. They tapered off, but uh, um, Lake Mungo, man, yeah. Uh, Quick little synopsis. Strange things start happening after a girl is found drowned in a lake. Uh, That's pretty accurate, (laughs) I guess. I mean, that's pretty much what the setup is. Um, Beginning of the film kind of starts with this strange kind of voiceover, this premonition voiceover of this girl kind of predicting her death kind of thing. Um, And, uh, yeah, the story actually takes place in 2005, they give like specific dates too. December twenty first, so like four days before Christmas and stuff. Um, our lead or the person that dies in the film, Alice Palmer, she just tragically dies in an outing at the beach. 
Um, see a lot of people, if you're not familiar with Australia and the way the world works and stuff, December is Australia's summer. So that's why they're at the beach swimming and stuff like that. So, so right now it is the middle of the summer there. Uh, but yeah, of course, uh, she, she drowns and, um, not soon after, like kind of strange things start happening. She starts showing up in pictures and, you know, there's other kind of paranormal things that are happening and stuff. And then one thing leads to another and then, you know, yeah. So what are you guys' thoughts on this one? Um, I liked it. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I liked it. I, li- I, I did like how, like, I did find it kind of funny how, like, when they find out the the daughter was, like, fucking the neighbor and his wife, they're just like, oh, yeah, she kept some secrets. Like, <laughs> wow, you guys kind of got over that pretty quick. <laughs> well, I mean, and- yeah, we're kind of jump. I mean, kind of jumping ahead a little bit there, but yeah, it is true because, you know, Basically, the film starts out like after she passes away and stuff. It's it's just interviews with the family and, and her close friends and stuff like that. And everybody has nothing but good things to say about Alice. She's very popular. She was beautiful. Everyone liked her. Uh, she didn't really seem to have any skeletons in her closet until, you know, until they start really kind of looking into, um, you know, certain things about her life and stuff like that. And that's when they actually do discover that kind of weird (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that kind of weird thing. But, you know, I really wish that they had to take in this angle because the way they set this thing up, right. I mean, for the first probably 20, 30 minutes of the film, it's, it's, you know, pretty standard mockumentary stuff. It's a lot of Mm -hmm. interviews and stuff. And then, you know, then we learn that, you know, there's some kind of weird shit happening in the brother or they've taken pictures around the house and stuff. And then she keeps kind of showing up and, you know, this ghostly figure kind of keeps showing up in, um, you know, in these pictures and stuff like that. And it's, everyone's convinced it's Alice. And there's even a point where in the film that I think the father was even fully convinced that, you know, that she was still alive because, you know, she keeps showing up and they're not really convinced that she's, you know, that she's a ghost because he may have yeah. fucked up with, you know, with the uh, identification, identification on the body and stuff, which, you know, I mean, if you do drown and your body's not found until well later and you're kind of... You I mean, know, that body was pretty fucking gnarly. <laughs> it was. It was. But that uh, that's oh, where this movie has a little up. bit of a flaw, though, because, you know, at that point, I mean, if you're somebody that's, you know, supposed to identify the body, and you, if you're not 100% sure, you should be like, I'm not really fucking sure, you know, kind of thing, right? Yeah. At that point, it's just a quick little DNA test. You could figure it out. Um, yeah right like yeah. it's why kind of, why like well because you're fucking with someone's life like i mean not life but like you're dealing with something pretty fucking major here i mean you want to make sure and if it's you want to definitive girl, and especially yeah. considering you would be like praying that like even if you were like pretty sure you're like 100%. no i want dna tests because you're like you know you, you want to know for damn sure yeah right because you're yeah. hoping it's not exactly you're, like, holding on to any shred of hope that it's not her exactly mm-hmm. so so there's a point they don't do any of this stuff um you know she's buried and of course all these pictures start showing up and it, it, these pictures convince the parents that she's still alive so they exhume the body and of course they do a testing on it and it turns out that it actually is her so now the parents are really bummed out everyone's kind of bummed out that it actually was alice that had drowned that day and stuff like that but and then of course right after this revelation happens um, we find out that the bro- the brother, Alice's brother, was actually doctoring these fucking pictures in the house. And, you know, not only pictures, but with video and stuff, he was, you know, kind of fucking around with the stuff. And, and like, it's kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird way to take the narrative, 
I thought for sure because you know at that point when they when they revealed that the shit was you know kind of being doctored and stuff they don't really have like a really great reason because they try to incorporate in the film that the brother was just like well I was kind of doing it for whatever reason and stuff but they don't they don't really go anywhere yeah, with I think that. he says because dad wasn't sure that he identified the body so he was like wanted them to make sure by that he knew that that would get him to of course but don't, but that but doesn't make sense either. no it, it doesn't make sense that's what i'm saying he was doing it because of that but why wouldn't you just take a totally different route why why get their hopes up you know yeah and like you yeah. know like you're really just getting their hopes up to really kind of reveal the inevitable that you know everybody probably pretty much knew that it was her that you know that she was dead and stuff like that mm-hmm. but you go through this whole process of doctoring all this type of shit and and all this type of things and stuff like that but i mean i guess in a sense it kind of leads to um you know kind of looking into alice a little bit more and stuff and there was there was actually you know an incident that happened at where the name of the movie is called lake mungo and it's actually just a small part of the narrative it's actually where um where alice had something happen to her at this lake mungo and uh they don't really know what the fuck happened to her but they do know that something was captured on one of her friend's phones of alice kind of freaking out in the middle of this party and burying her cell phone and her her uh you know her jewelry and things like that on this beach and her parents like why the fuck would they do that like what is up with this shit why would she ever do that type of stuff so that kind of led into them investigating why she would do something like that and shit like that Mm. i thought that was kind of interesting i really wish that they had went into and maybe the narrative was a lot differently when you know they find out that alice actually had some skeletons in her closet she used to babysit the neighbor's kids and not only was she babysitting the neighbor's kids she was actually fucking the the parents of them too which is kind of so strange that they threw this in there but i kept i remember that i I was like how old is she i can't i'm not sure I know that's the funny thing because she said that she babysit them for two and a half years until the age of 16 or something like that. I was like, uh, "Uh, what the fuck? I'm like, is that like an error in like age or something? I was like, what the (laughs) fuck? Didn't that seem a little bit odd? But I mean, I guess age of consent different in different countries, but I guess it just seemed very odd. I I was still too young to be doing that, but. It, it seemed like a big old revel, revelation, but then it seemed like like the her parents kind of got over it, like like, eh, eh, we all have our secrets. It's well, like, this wait, is wait, what? this is where the narrative. This is the first time I watched this movie, which was years ago. I was really hoping that the narrative was going to go in the angle that it was kind of leaning towards at that point, but they don't really take it that far. They don't create the mystery that you know because they found this sex tape and the neighbors may have something to do with her, you know, her death kind of thing because they weren't really 100% sure how exactly Alice drowned and stuff like that and Mm. you know they allude to the fact maybe that you know the neighbor may have had something to do with this and stuff but it's very quickly diminished yeah they tease it yeah because then they find you know and, and that's another problem with the film too is that there's a scene where um, you know, once they're investigating the stuff, the family actually leaves for a little bit, but the brother leaves the cameras running in the house, even though he was the one doctoring all the, you know, the camera footage and, and, you know, the pictures and stuff like that. They leave the camera running because who knows, there might actually be some disturbances. They do catch something on camera, but it it's not Alice. It actually turns out to be the neighbor that she was fucking. He was in the house looking for something and they're like what the fuck and so yeah. that kind of leads into them you know investigating and that's when they you know they find the shit and stuff like that but i it they, they kind of lean towards setting it up that you know you know the fact that she died and she had the evidence that which was the sex tape 
yeah. that he may have offed her that they may have offed her because they actually get up and they move like six months after you know she dies and stuff they just kind of up and leave and shit like that and stuff but it, they chalk it up to him just probably being more embarrassed and doesn't want the truth to really come out and stuff like that but um i don't know this is one this is one of those films that's actually a little bit hard to predict you know where it's kind of going and stuff because you're like where the like what the fuck is going on but it's kind of interesting because in hindsight once the film ends and you think about the very first like line in the film where she's kind of predicting her own death and stuff like that if you think back on that they kind of give you the ending right in the beginning of the film it's kind of fucked up but i mean if you kind of look at it like that and shit so what, what did you guys actually think of the reveal of why alice had buried her stuff and you know what exactly was going on Mike? Nothing. <laughs> no. Um, I thought it was all right. I mean, it was, I, I really liked this movie the first time I saw it, rewatching it for the show. I still enjoyed it. I I thought, like, explanations and reveals were a little convoluted, though, this time around. Like, trying to I, piece together the mystery of it, you know? I just feel like where it goes in the explanation. Like, you mean the for- doppelganger? It, it, it felt like they just added in unnecessary elements to like it plays like a straight up well it's not even the know. doppelganger she like literally sees her death it's so like it is it's okay because I didn't know if it was like supposed to be like a ghost no like, see what happens like a, the re- or a omen yeah. So the, yeah, if that's exactly what it is. It's an omen. Kind of like see a final what destination. See what happens. She's thing. at Lake Mungo and for no but that's the problem with this movie is that it just happens like they reveal this this part where she sees her dead self like you know the the body that we see that gets you know that gets pulled out of the water you know that really yeah. that body shit she sees that at lake mungo and she realizes that holy fuck that's like myself dead and it's like it's like a visual premonition of what's going to happen to her so she freaks out because it was on camera that's why she buries her shit and stuff but i don't know man like do you really i, I just have a hard time buying into the fact that like that's the reveal kind of thing yeah, it feels weird because it's like that supernatural element is uh, added to it when it doesn't seem like it was necessary. Well, the re- the way I look at it, though, too, I guess it doesn't reveal like exactly how she's going to die. But at the same time, it's also telling her that she is going to die presumably soon. And it, by the looks of that, I mean, anybody that's seen someone that's drowned, that's just what you look. That's the only way you look. You look bloated. You look white. You look fucking bad. And shit like that. Like, I mean, it to me, it just seems like, okay. If you're confronted with that, then what, don't you have the power to change it? I mean, I, that's, know, the, uh, that's the thing, right? I mean, it's like, okay, I should probably stay away from some water for the time being. Well, you know, kind of yeah, thing, right? It just fuck out of Lake Mungo. Yeah, well, she doesn't, she doesn't die at Lake Mungo. She dies at you know a different place but that's where the shit happens at lake mongo but but yeah like i don't know man i just think there's a little bit problems with that you know the way things are revealed and the way the narrative goes and stuff but you know it's it's actually pretty the movie itself is pretty well done like i think the acting is on point for these movies and that's like i've always stated i've you guys have heard me say this a million times on these shows mockumentaries and, and found footage films and stuff work the best when the acting is spot on because it's supposed to be real right when you're being interviewed you're just being yourself you're not acting right you need to be authentic in these in in the characters that you're playing and stuff and i think for the most part in this film like everyone seems pretty good except for the father is a little bit off at times i think in some of the interviews and stuff i think that he kind of 
his emotion is just like a little bit wrong at times and shit. And same with the brother actually a little bit too, but for the most part, everyone seems very genuine, especially when they're interviewing the friends, like those interviews seem really fucking genuine, right? Like, Oh yeah. You know, she had, you know, this and that. And she, like, she was cool. And like, it just seemed very, it seemed great. I mean, I don't know. The whole tone of the film just kind of has, a, it's like a perfect level at home. And I actually really enjoy the, the overall kind of feel to it and stuff like that. But, uh, I don't know. I just I think that honestly, man, I think that they could have created a little bit more of a a mystery. More, it seems like what they did with the reveal seems to be a little bit more of a like a shock thing. But it was just like okay, yeah. It is. We get the reveal, and there's really no explanation behind it. Like, well, why does this happening? Like, what's the I don't know if there could be a re- like an explanation for her just having a premonition and seeing death and stuff like that, but at the same time, it just seems like it's out of left field too. It's like <sighs> there's just nothing else there. I mean, I guess I guess these type of shit could happen and stuff, but you know, it's it's not like a, it's not like the worst thing in the world. I just I kind of wish that it turned into something else to be honest. But yeah, I honestly wanted to see more of that sex tape. It looked awesome. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, it looked like they were just getting right into it, and then it's like <laughs> quick cut out of there. Yeah, I think I think because it was big... a sex tape with the husband and the wife, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. I think I think one of the weirdest things, like okay, so once the reveal happens about the brother who's doctoring the pictures and, and kind of fucking around with all that shit and stuff, is that once that once that gets revealed in the film, it really does slow down for like twenty minutes in the middle of the movie. Because then it kind of it kind of focuses on over to like where Alice had, uh, you know, she had went to see the, um, uh, what the fuck was that guy's name? The, um, I guess the medium or something like that. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. But anyways, it kind of focuses on that part and how she went to see him before and stuff. And and then we learn, you know, it's obvious why she was doing that and stuff because of, you know, she had this kind of weird premonition and shit like that. But I don't know, man. It, it's it's pretty decent. JP, you want to chime in? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I I pretty much have the same issues with with you uh, and Mike. You know, it it's decently acted. The story is told kind of cool, and I, I dig the um, doc doc style, the mockumentary style. But there's just some missteps in the story. It just yeah. doesn't, um, it just doesn't make all that much sense. Everything from like the hoaxing to the identification of the body to the actual like reveal um i will say that the the end scroll was pretty cool seeing um other stuff throughout the movie and stuff where where she was featured yeah Mm -hmm. the the very last shot in the film is actually pretty interesting too because it kind of it it kind of puts you know what the brother did to it kind of i wouldn't say faulted but it kind of puts it in perspective that you know this shit could actually you know, she could actually still be there and shit like that too. Um, I think that's kind of interesting. I like that last shot. It's cool. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, but that shit was like full of spoilers, by the way. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, I guess I'll have to put a spoiler thing at the beginning of that. Um, yep. But uh, I, I mean, really it's hard to talk about the movie without spoiling the shit out of it because otherwise you're just talking about interviews. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, all of these kind of are. Yeah, because this one's like really interview heavy. It's super, it's really what it is. I mean, there's not much investigative part to it and stuff like that. But I don't know. I think that, 
I think a lot of the pictures and I think a lot of the, uh, you know, the footage that, you know, the docked footage and stuff like that in it actually looks pretty fucking good. It looks pretty authentic and stuff. I think they did a great job with putting the film together. I think there's just the biggest problems are, you know, the missteps in the narrative and shit. I think they, they probably could have changed around some things and worked things out a little bit differently because I mean, honestly, the, when you're, when you're watching a film and you're like, what the fuck? Like you would totally make sure that that body was identified 100% before yeah, you did. Which anything. Is, it's, it's just a huge misstep in the narrative. It's ridiculous. It's and that, fine. In a regular movie, you can suspend your disbelief a little bit cause it's a movie, but whenever like the, 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 you know, thing that's pulling you in is the fact that this is supposed to be a real thing, mm-hmm. you know, and we know there's, there's a barrier there where we know it's not, but like it, you're supposed to, you know, go along for the ride with these things. But if you're questioning it, then it takes you out of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, ratings? I don't really got much more on it, to be honest. Um, yeah, I'll go first. Uh, I gave it... I, I think that, you know, overall, it's entertaining. You know, it's it, these are fun because um, there's so many things you could do with these mockumentary styles. And it's always interesting to see what people come up with and how they put it together Mm -hmm. uh with the editing right because that's that's a lot of what this is like what kind of clips they're using you know because you have to have variations like you want to have um like for you know a film like this it makes sense that they're interviewing the family and stuff like that but it's always cool to see where they take it and how creative they are with like foot like how they uh frame the footage that they get or the pictures that they get stuff like that because it's like you know they they have to come up with that like okay let's have the like uh the you know the footage from the beach or something like that you know and uh i like that about it um i gave it a six mike uh shit you know if i would have been reviewing this like the first time i watched it years ago it probably would have been higher but Rewatching it for this, yeah, there's a little bit more, more holes in the story and how it unfolded. I still overall liked it. Um, I still get a kick out of the reveal that she was boning the neighbors. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll go uh, six on this one. Yeah, I'm definitely a little bit higher. I still really enjoy this movie. I think it's, you know, for the most part, the actual technical aspects of this movie, and it's pretty entertaining for what it is, but it just has these kind of head scratching moments that are like, why, like, why would you do that? Like, um, you know, and it, the movie actually like surprisingly doesn't really have any suspense. I know in these mockumentaries and stuff, like they, they vary and shit like that. But with the next movies, you know, like at least there is a little bit of, you know, different suspense and shit like that. I feel like this one really is just more of like a head scratching mystery. And I feel like it leaves you head scratching your head even more. You're like, what the fuck, man? Like not well, in a confusing. Feel- it's not even in a confusing way. The movie's really easy to follow, but it's just like, why? Like, where did this? I feel like sometimes when you throw shit out of left field, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I think, you know, in this case, it was like, it kind of works, but at the same time, you're scratching your head and you're going, what the fuck, right? But I, I think that's the best way to put it is like some of the more, I guess, horror thriller aspects feel like they're thrown out of left field. And it, well, I feel it, like the best the best stuff in this movie with the horror aspects and, you know, the mystery and suspense and stuff is is all dumbed down by the fact that it was all, it was all hoax. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah. right? Like the brother yeah. like literally admits to it and you're like, oh, well, what the fuck, man? <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's like getting the rug pulled out from underneath you. You're like, shit, dude. Like I was right there. Now I'm on my ass. It's like, okay. Um, but you know, overall, like I said, no, I think there's a lot of great stuff going on in this film and stuff. I do like it more than you guys. I definitely way down from where I used to be. I think I was probably in like an eight or something like that, but I'm going to mm-hmm. come in at a seven. Cause I still think it's a solid film. I think it's definitely being, I, I think it's worthy of being noted as one of the better kind of mockumentary style films, even though it just, it has minor missteps and shit. I, I, I think some people might be able to get past it and shit like that, but you know, it's, it's definitely worth a look. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. So that was Lake Mungo from 2008. Whenever something's not spoken about, I've got to ask why. It's my job as a journalist. The plan from the start was when we got to the tunnels was to get to the lake because that's where the story was. Okay, through here. Through there? Yeah. It's a bit tight down there, Tubby. You reckon you're going to make it? Directly below one of Sydney's busiest train stations is the forgotten water resource that's causing all the controversy. If it was true that homeless were going missing, this was a big story. And this is something that we could now prove. And moving along to the tunnel from 2011, also an Australian film. Yes, yeah. the tunnel. Yes, the tunnel. Uh, Yeah, 2011. Okay, quick little synopsis. An investigation into a government cover-up leads to a network of abandoned train tunnels deep beneath the heart of Sydney. As a journalist... As a journalist and her crew hunt for the story, it quickly becomes clear the story is hunting them. Ah. That's not bad. Okay, so... This one... Good. Oh, I was going to say the tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This one starts out with like more of a traditional like documentary, like interviewing people. Uh, they talk to a homeless person, um, which is um, the, you know, the homeless live in these tunnels, um, which is very common. Actually, you see that in all parts of the world. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course, of course. Any place that has underground <laughs> caverns or tunnels or, you know, whatever, you see that. Yeah, I see. I like the political... Uh, the, the thing I like about this movie is that it feels very, very genuine, you know? I mean, the movie is about this reporter. She wants, you know, to to basically get that big break kind of story and stuff. She assembles a, a crew because she feels that the story of the tunnels is is just it's not what they're saying it is, you know, kind of thing. So what happens is this, um, I guess the minister of health or something like that, or the water minister or something like that. So water recycling. Yeah. It had something to do with the water recycling. And um, yeah, there's a water project like revitalization going on. So, but what something happens like that, but what happens is here, there's a guy running for the head of this, you know, this um, election and stuff. And his campaign was all about this putting in this water recycling system in the the abandoned train systems and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so when it came time to vote and stuff, this guy ends up winning, but then the whole campaign just disappeared. And she said in the and like her angle is is like, well, 
if this was your entire campaign to get reelected was to put in this water recycling system Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it just disappears, it seems fucking weird, right? Because if you're going to convince all these people to vote for you and put all this money into this project and stuff and then just have it disappear, there's got to be more to the story than this. There has to be something going on down there or whatever. Of course, he tries to interview the mayor and um, it's just not happening. This guy's not saying anything. It's pulled the fuck off. They're really not getting it. <laughs> yeah, they're really not getting anything out of anybody. And they're like, okay, well, since we're, we're not getting any information about this water recycling system supposed to go down there, let's go check it out for ourselves. Yeah. And this actually kind of hilarious scene where they go to the train station, which it's literally like a working train station above. But then when you get down below, it's like there's like a whole nother part of it, which mm-hmm. was all abandoned and stuff like that. So but they go there and they they have all their filming equipment and stuff and one of the security guards is like no you motherfuckers can't go down there (laughs) right (laughs) so they essentially sneak their way down there which is probably one of the worst things they could have done because it's actually really cool because there's a piece of dialogue in the film that says something on the lines of you know the worst thing we could have ever done was covered our tracks I love that piece of line, man. That's a great piece of dialogue, man. Yeah. Because in, in hindsight, it's like so fucking true because, you know, even though you're not supposed to be down there, if you get into trouble, you want people to know that you're in fucking <laughs> trouble, right? And so I just, that that piece of dialogue just like haunted me. I, I still remember from the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, that's great, man. I loved it. Um, but I, I really like this angle, man. So they basically, they go down there and they learned that um, down in the tunnels, it was used for... Uh, they used to it, something to do with World War Two and stuff like that. They used to put soldiers down there, and they used, it was basically set up for that they could live down there. It was like an air raid shelter, an air raid shelter. So it was it was equipped so they could actually live down there. It had bunks and it had running water and and, and mm-hmm. all the amenities to like you know basically save these these people from war and stuff like that. So um, so they come across that kind of sh- shit like that, and and while they're doing investigations and and stuff, something kind of creeps out of the out of the darkness and starts. I thought I was watching and- Chud 3 for a second. I was like, dude, <laughs> fucking Chud 3, Chud from Down Under. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but the, interest, but the interesting Shut thing under. about this movie, and the thing I really like about this movie is that, you know, it, it has tons of great suspense, man. I think the way the movie's yeah. done is like, it's really kind of, it's creepy because they set it up and they, it's not like you just learn it, but, you know, they're in these tunnel systems that is literally pitch fucking black. And the, one of the scariest thoughts that you could ever have is that when you're down there, and actually when they go down into the tunnels, they do have a map of the tunnels. But the and main they're pro- noticing that there's the parts of it that are wrong, and they're like, well, exactly. Shit. <laughs> so, so basically, what they thought was like a very kind of generic tunnel system turns into a labyrinth because there's a lot of tunnels that are areas that aren't supposed to be, or they're just not on the map and stuff. So they essentially, you know, they could get lost really easy. But the scariest part about this whole thing is that. They're in the pitch black in this potential area of being lost, and they only have so much battery life mm-hmm. in their lights. So if the, oh, if the dude, lights so if the lights burn out while they're down there, they're fucked. They literally are fucked. And they they set this up so perfectly, knowing this, and when you're watching them creep through everything, and it's so dark and shit, and they're like, you're just like, man, if those lights go out, man, they are so fucked. And then, and then of course we learn that they're actually being hunted by something down there, which just really fuels the fire. And it's like, it's so suspenseful. It's done so well. I think the acting is like really, really on point in this. It's just like, you can feel the terror in their fucking, in in like the dialogue and the way they're just approaching every scene and shit like that. And it's, it has this kind of very ambiguous approach to it. Also, you don't really know what's going on as they don't either. Mm -hmm. And it kind of, it kind of ends up like that too, which I really do like. And a lot of, 
and like I've said before, in certain films, you know, the ambiguous ending sometimes can be like so tedious. You're like, what the fuck? Like, why the fuck? But at the same time, you have to look at it in perspective. Sometimes it can't be revealed because they don't know either. Like there was nothing ever revealed, you know, in certain in this situation or you know in that situation and stuff. So I think really this this whole film is just like it, it really does work for me on all levels, man. I think it's fantastic, man. I think I mean, that what's really cool about this film in particular is the tunnel underground aspect lends so well to the found footage aspect because um you actually feel like you're there because it's point of view you know what i mean and it's terrifying because i think honestly like one of one of my fears is like underground tunnel tight spaces stuff like that it just it's like horrible to me you know what i mean there's so uh, many elements that are there, though. It's the it's the fact that you don't know what's in there. You don't know, like what's around the next corner. You know, like the the fact that the yeah. light's going out. Like, and you're like, you know, at one time, it, like a really haunting scene is actually where they come across one of the bunkers or one of the bunks, and it actually you could tell that there was homeless people living in there before, but they're nowhere to be found. Like, there's no one around anymore and stuff. And then, well, kinda, the, kinda, yeah, that that fear of the unknown and the fact that every step of the way they figure out or they find that they've been lied to about like what's actually going on down there before even the quote unquote, you know, monster or whatever the hell it was, but, uh, starts stalking them. It, it's yeah. the way everything unfolds. It feels like realistic. Not that we would all find monsters in the sewer, but just the way, I mean, it, up to that point, it feels very realistic that like there's shit going on that you've been told, Oh no, it's not, that's not true. It's, it's all good down there. And then, I, I thought the tension in this really builds really well, even because uh, it, it was kind of creepy, just the fact that they were kind of down there in this huge maze of sewer, you know, uh, play, you know, the labyrinth, as you said, uh, it, it was done really well. I, I found them very believable in kind of like their interviews, just for the mockumentary aspect of the way they dramatized everything. You would get like the comment and then just like the the steady shot on them without them commenting like the just the focus on their face and i was like wow they're really doing a good job to like dramatize this but i i found it good and then when we finally do get the monster it's like effective and they don't and with it being like the found footage we don't sh- we, we're not shown too much we're showing like just enough to make it very effective you know i i think one of the one of my favorite aspects of this film, which I think some people might even find anticlimactic, but the way the story is told is actually from, you know, uh, you know, our journalist and uh, um, one of the, uh, the camera guy. So we, it's revealed right in the beginning of the film that they survived this. I know. And that's, that's one of the things that I think kind of sucks a little bit. See, I actually kind of like that because it doesn't give you any false hope either. Like, they made it out of here. Like, what is the fucking story? Like, it they, they tell you straight up in your face, like, okay, we made it out of here. Let's now let's see what actually happened down there and stuff. And I, I just really like the way it's constructed. I can see how it wouldn't work for some people. It can be a little, like I said, anticlimactic and stuff like that. But I do like this structure to the film because it adds, it kind of adds a realism and it adds that that little potency that you, that I feel really does work for it because. I mean, especially considering where it goes, you know, the ambiguity to it and shit like that. And I don't know, man, I think it really does work for it. But like I said, I can see why people wouldn't like that aspect. You know, you can want, see you, that when you, you want to see how it, it like, yeah, 
if you think of it like you know you're like when you do this when you reveal you know who survives in your film during the film i can kind of see where you're saying well as long as the story of like the story is suspenseful to see like what is going on there's enough mystery to it of in other aspects like the main mystery isn't who's gonna live and who's gonna die at the end it's like what happened down there well so i could kind of see where you're coming from with that exactly and and that's what i like about it because it's i mean you got to remember this story is about uncovering this obvious government cover-up right yeah they they had this project they found out what happened down there and they never they never went through with their shit so now like that's what it's all about and it's fed to you very slowly too which is always a plus in movies like this it is it feels like yeah to me it feels like almost like watching an old school episode of like the x-files where it's like something's going on the government's lying about it and they're gonna go figure it out for themselves with somewhat disastrous results it's it's almost like oh you want to go find out what's going on okay to your own detriment if you go down there and do it and they got they bit off more than they could chew by trying to like you know investigate themselves Mm -hmm. and uh yeah i mean it's true that we know that those two survive but it's like there's also other people with them that are not being interviewed so it's like okay what the hell yeah. happened to them and that's the thing like i mean you always have that to look forward to and i mean with spanks or whatever his fucking name is um like his the way he ends up you know kind of going and shit like that is real i love that scene man where they're they're filming the her hitting the uh, the bell and like mm-hmm. when it's happening oh, yeah. and shit, he's like he's picking up shit in his because he's the he's the sound guy and like for people that don't know sound that well, like, I mean, microphones can pick up shit from, it's crazy, dude. Like you have your headphones on, you can't hear it when you don't have it, but like, you know, like you can hear shit in the background, like really crazy. And he keeps hearing this like fucking like voice or some shit that's going on there. (laughs) And then he's like, okay. It's like, she hits the thing. It fucks up his audio. His his levels peak to shit. So he goes in the other room and then she hits it again. And then like he, all you can hear is some screaming kind of thing. Right. So they go back and review the footage and stuff, and you can like hear him fucking screaming and like all these sounds and crunching. Oh, it's just fucking! I love that shit, man. It just fucking it was just like haunting to me. I'm like, oh my god, ah, nasty. But again, you know, it's done so, it's done so suspenseful too. And like, there's just scene after scene like that and shit that really does work on all levels and shit. And like even the footage right at the end when they when they get back out into the train and stuff like that with one of the with one of the guys and stuff and like just the way that all that shit happens and stuff to me the footage the way it's shot like when the girl comes up she's like you got a phone you got a phone kind of thing she comes over and it just seems like they're gorilla shooting that too because it seems like there's the odd person kind of walks by and i don't know man i love that it just felt so fucking real to me man it's just done well it's really really done well yeah no the film is definitely done very well i think that um the you know the use of the night vision and the actual like you know the the actual camera work in this film um feels very natural Mm -hmm. uh the acting feels very natural um which you know like you said that's one of the most important aspects to making because even though like i heard somebody say the other day like found footage is a genre i'll never understand because they want you to believe something that you know is bullshit Mm -hmm. i'm like yeah but like for that brief moment it's like you kind of let yourself like well what if this was real like what like this is what it would look like if it was real you know you're trying to make it you're, you want it to be as real looking and sounding as possible to have yeah. that 
another layer in between you and reality. You know what I mean? Like it, it, we, we all know that none of these are real. Like none of the found footage films are real, but it only know, ever happened one time when the Blair Witch Project was being promoted and the way they marketed that film yeah. was it actually convinced. I mean, you got to remember what the time was. It was 99 and it was just that time where people just, it was new. It was unexpected. And it, it, people really wanted to believe with that shit. Like, but the, mm-hmm. their, their campaign was so unbelievably believable that it literally had people convinced that they were fucking dead. It was nuts, man. Like it'll never be recreated. And we know like taking that, you know, that learning experience, which obviously didn't really buy into that, but like just taking what you know from that learning experience and incorporating it into all these type of films, you know, this shit's all, it's all fiction. It's just entertainment. But at the end of the day, it's still nice to like convince yourself for the 90 minutes that you're watching this film, that it could have been real. I mean, that's the thing with these mockumentaries is that, I mean, they're still stating something. There's still social commentary here. It's still about government corruption and, and the shit that always happens. Like Australia has been full of this stuff, man. We've reviewed and talked about films many, many times with these same type of topics. Australia always deals with this corruption, this government fucking overtaking all this type of shit. Like dead in driving is another one where it's the control factor and shit. This one doesn't really have the control factor, but it's more about covering up shit, which happens everywhere really with government and stuff. But it's just a prevalent theme in, in Australian films. Um, I don't know if you caught on to this one, but it, one of the main reasons why why she gets interested in this story is actually from like a YouTube video, and I'm glad that they actually that they that they actually you know talk away that because they even laughed at her too. She's like, "Well, I saw this YouTube video about this shit." You know, it was these guys were down in the tunnels and shit like that, and some they pretty much saw something on the cameras right mm-hmm. it was captured on there and stuff and then i like how they kind of joke with them like really like you're gonna go and investigate from a youtube video and shit like that but like at least they acknowledge that that was like ridiculous you know yeah but you know this would be you a go good punches, man good pairing with as above so below yeah man you know mm-hmm. definitely that claustrophobic type feel and down below yeah for sure yeah, for sure man um, in the in the catacombs anything else on this one Oh, I wanted to bring up uh, just before I was thinking that you were going to bring it up. But uh, one thing that we've kind of come to a mutual agreement on about found footage films is the the overuse of camera glitches and stuff and and how it's utilized in these type of films and when it's not utilized and, you know, just how it affects your visual, like your the presentation of the film and stuff. I want to note that when the glitches start in this film, it's it's right after like there was no glitches before. Uh, until the cameras dropped and also got wet and shit, the camera gets all fucked up and stuff. So, yeah, done that's in when the you, correct way. It was done in the proper way because a lot of films that we've reviewed in the past, you'll just be like, they'll be filming shit normally, and then all of a sudden it'll just start glitching. You're like, what? The, when suspense, like it, they're using it as a tool for suspense because it starts yeah. glitching, but it, it, that's so unbelievable because cameras just don't fucking do that. In yeah. this case, it wasn't used as that way. It was used as an after product of the camera being fucked up. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was done properly. Again, another aspect of this film that was done really well. So, um, but I, that's pretty much what I got on the movie, man. I think it's, um, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. It's, it's a very good movie. Um, one cool thing about it is that it actually was, uh, crowdfunded. This is an early crowdfunding uh, experiment 2011 um, mm-hmm. almost 10 years ago and uh, it actually 
um, was released in non-traditional formats as well. Uh, it was basically released as a torrent. Mm, really? Like, yeah, like it was actually released as a um, a a uh, yeah. It says here. Um, let me, it was released on DVD and stuff like that. Uh, the the film has garnered much attention for its controversial release via uh, BitTorrent. The Tunnel was the first Australian film to be distributed and promoted legally through BitTorrent internet downloading platform. Hmm. A release strategy which exposed the film to tens of millions of people for free. Uh, this film, this free and legal online release is a co- cooperation between the filmmakers, peer-to-peer distribution platform, uh, Vodo and uh, BitTorrent Inc., which is di- distributing the film through an app in the client, um, and its client, uh, which is it's kind of interesting because you you always wonder like okay like a film like this is a perfect film to release through BitTorrent because <laughs> it's like a film that people are going to be talking about like oh did you see the tunnel like it's real creepy like scary you know like where can I see it and it's like available everywhere but on the flip side it really didn't do much for any of their careers that millions of people saw this movie because uh the f- the director of this film hasn't done anything since until now they have a new film that came out that hits festivals in 2019 and it's hmm. going to uh hit better in 20 you know be wide released in 2020 mm-hmm. hmm. so it really you know the argument that like you know if people are seeing your work that's what should matter i don't know if it's true man because it's they, they their career kind of this is a great this is a great movie i think we all agree that but their career did not take off after this at all yeah, it's unfortunate because, you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, you, you do a different style of film and it might not work as well, too. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, True. I think that I think that they they kind of got fucked on this one a little bit because it's definitely worthy of seeing. And it should have propelled and turned into more stuff for sure. But who knows? I mean, maybe the, the industry down in Australia. Is, I mean, it is a little bit different. You know, they don't produce as many films and stuff. So. Maybe it's just harder. I mean, like they had to crowdfund this shit, right? I mean, how many times can you crowdfund your films? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess nowadays, all the time. <laughs> they they actually announced a sequel back in 2012 called The Tunnel Dead End, which uh, featured a pair of siblings who were searching for their brother who got lost in the tunnels. Oh, they're searching um, for um, hmm. uh, what's his name? Uh, Tangles. Yeah, but they never. Tangles, yeah. They never made it. That fucking name always just cracked me up all throughout the movie. Like how many damn times they said Tangles within that twenty minute period. Well, yeah, we got we got to find Tangles. Where's Tangles? Oh no, it's Tangles. Well, it's like it's such a <laughs> fucked up scene though, man. Because like, you know, some shit goes down, and then you know you drop your camera and you pick it up and you start reviewing the footage, and it's of someone holding the camera or filming you. Yeah, that's some fun. Could you imagine being down there in the pitch black with this light that's about to die, and you're reviewing that shit? It's kind of interesting that they did that too, because it it almost humanized whatever was down there—the creature, or the or the people, or the mute. We don't really, you don't really know, but Mm -hmm. but they were they knew enough to operate that thing. So kind of cool. I like that. Uh, ratings. Who went first last time? GP. I went first. Yeah, I Mike. went first last time. Mike, you go. 
Um, I'm going to give this one. Uh, what do I want to give it? I'll give it a seven and a half. I I enjoyed it a lot. This is a, this was actually a first time watch for me. I'd seen the other two before, but not this one. I hadn't even heard of it. Um, and I like it's it's one I want to revisit. Um, just you know, see it a second time through. But I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was very effectively done. I thought the when they were kind of being interviewed that. That was like one of my favorite aspects. Is just, I thought they were very effective the way they were being interviewed and recounting the events of what happened. They just came off very convincing to me, and it kind of enhanced uh, my the believability about you know what was going on down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I had a good time with it. So seven and a half. Yeah, this one is. I've stated this to many, many people over the years that this has always been one of my favorite found footage films. I've recommended this to so many people. I've had this on so many top 10 lists, man. I've always been a huge fan of this one. It, you know, I haven't watched it in a few years, but it definitely didn't really change my view of it. I think I've always kind of saw it the same. I, in fact, I probably even liked it even more this time. I just, you know, when you're watching it with a critical eye and you're just really enjoying the shit out of something, it's just, it's so refreshing to have that happen over, you know, you know, since it's been out for so long and I've seen it a few times, sometimes your rewatches can really bring it down and stuff. But I've just seen not a lot of issues with it. I think that it's just, I think everyone was cast perfect, perfect in this. I think it was edited really, really well, like really fucking well. The idea behind it, it's awesome and stuff. I like the ambiguity to it. And there's just so many levels of this film that I, I just truly believe are just so well done. And for me it's kind of a staple for uh this you know the subgenre of horror films uh the tunnel i that's why i always recommend this to people i've had people say they didn't care for it it is what it is i mean everyone's got different opinions and stuff like that but i don't know man just the way they project the journalism is like real journalism but uh you know at the end of the day man the truth always doesn't come to light like literally right <laughs> um but yeah i'm coming in at uh, nine and a half out of ten it's one of my all-time favorites. I love this. Movie. Wow, um, I I like this movie a lot. Um, I think that it's effective in the storytelling aspect as well as the found footage aspect. Um, I think what's probably my favorite aspect of it is that it's actually scary and it's actually suspenseful mm-hmm. and it's actually you know claustrophobic and you give it's like an intense watch you know i recommend watching this with the lights out and like you know not in the middle of the day or something uh like at night uh but yeah um i'm coming in pretty high as well not as high as you but i gave it an 8.5 cool cool yeah man i uh i'm glad you liked it so much it's good fucking Mike coming in with the fucking terrible ass I'm just joking buddy <laughs> I'm just joking I could no, totally see if I rewatched it maybe even liking it more you know I think that, it's just a lot of people that like watch. watch films like this like if you don't appreciate the subject like I, I was never like the I went in stages with found footage though to be honest I like, love them I used to just think they were like ah oh, whatever some are good some are bad but a really good found footage film dude really works for me mm-hmm 
Exactly, right? And that and that's what I kind of learned about found footage. I'm like, there's going to be some bad ones, there's going to be some really good ones, but if you sift through the shit, man, you're going to find those gems. And I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of really great ones out there, and I think the tunnel is definitely one of those ones that uh, is refreshing. So. 911, what are you reporting? <laughs> Sorry, did you say, you say something bad? Yes, Where is she bleeding from? Good morning, Marilyn. I am in Claridge, the host of our annual July 4th party. Uh, but moving along, man, to the following year, 2012, with a film directed by Barry Levinson. Levinson? Levin? Fuck off. It's called The Bay. I can't talk right now. It's late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Levinson. Uh, called The Bay. Synopsis. Chaos breaks out in a small Maryland town after an ecological disaster occurs. Now, this movie is also really scary. Because... <laughs> Because this shit could really fucking happen. Dude, this one feels so real to me. I was just like, wow, dude, this is... Yeah, man, I I really fucking enjoyed it. I saw this movie when it first came out and thought it was great. And I hadn't seen it since, man. This is only my second time I've ever watched. I think it's only my second time. I don't know. But it was like watching it yesterday. I must have been glued to this thing because I just remembered everything that was happening. It was crazy. But these type of stories are fucking scary because it's literally mostly caused by us you know it's 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 a it's just this shit could really fucking happen like you know what it is are, happening i mean not necessarily the not not to this level but i'm just saying, no, like, not man, like the man horror does, aspect but the fact that the government lies about water and you know cleaning things up just to save face and then you find out that they weren't doing shit about it. Well, oh. in this movie, literally, because I think they said like they at the beginning they caught like them dumping what pig shit or something under the water. Uh, it's but the, uh, uh, it's the chicken shit. But I mean, the chicken shit. Yeah. So right. basically, the, the you know the premise of the film is like there's these um, well, there's this outbreak. It's July Fourth. It's Independence Day in the United States in the small little Maryland town, and and basically what's happened is the story is being told by this journalist who was there on the day this is i think she's telling the story well it's it's present day but i think it happens in 2009 2009 the story takes place and right away we know that she survives because she's telling this story and how the story is told is from all the footage that was captured from that day not only what from her and her cameraman but like everybody that was filming on their cameras and shit like that and how they accumulated all this footage was when she wanted to tell the story they set up this website and stuff where if you had footage from you know this these events of these days and stuff it was sent to this it was sent to this website and the whole movie was compiled the whole story was compiled through all this footage and stuff and it's it's like really disastrous because almost every piece of footage is like people just fucking dying you know coming you know getting eaten up by uh these kind of larva of um ice isopods and shit like that mm-hmm. so these kind of mutated isopods that essentially is being created by us you know i mean we learn in the movie that at one time there was like a nuclear reactor that was leaking and you know it wasn't supposed to be hitting the water but who knows it could have leaked already into there and stuff and 
and also there's like these chicken farmers and stuff and they dump all the waste into the into the into the bay area and stuff dude like the part where yeah you're seeing the like night footage of the dude he's like this is all chicken shit like it's like scary dude you're like holy shit yeah it's like mountains dude it is so nasty and I, i like this kind of setup and shit like that because we learn these things and then you know it's july 4th and the mayor is like a you know you know he's talking about how they have the best water in maryland and he's drinking all this water and shit like that but you know it's it's the government not really you know doing proper testing and shit like that and this is very prevalent you know they'll say and and that's so scary to think about this man we read labels and we really trust that's what's on the nutritional facts and stuff but is it true you know like the shit that government's no. telling you do they really test this stuff for really well of course they're going to show you that and stuff but this is this is the hypothetical you know situation that could possibly happen you know if they're this is the result of them of their lies and shit like that it's it's very extreme but i mean at the same time this shit could really that's what's so fucking scary about this man it's like mutated you know mutated these these isopods and to the point where they became almost man eaters, man. They were mm-hmm. like literally eating through shit and killing everything and stuff. And it's just like, Holy fuck, dude, it's absolutely insane. So, so basically people are being infected with this larvae through the water, the drinking water. That's the, that's the kind of the core of the story. Um, you know, the mayor and everyone's assuring everyone that the water's all good. <laughs> we learn very fast. It's not. So people are drink- ingesting this larvae, which they actually it's kind of cool how they tell the story too because the larvae is rapidly growing it's growing mm-hmm. into these huge ass almost like cockroach sized isopods that are eating their way out of your body and what it, what it's doing at first it's causing like a rash you're getting like these blisters on you and shit and it's kind of it's kind of frantic the way they tell the story because you have all these people kind of going to this hospital and this doctor's like i have no fucking dude, idea what the hell to this do with is this scare this movie yeah, is fucking dude. scary dude yeah dude it, so this, this guy's like th- like this guy's a really you can tell he's a good fucking doctor and he's like i don't have a fucking clue i'm trying all this shit and nothing's working he's calling the cdc so he calls up cdc fuck he calls up uh, yeah disease control center and stuff like that and it's like holy shit they're kind of even like what the fuck dude (laughs) because at first you would think that these guys might know but they're not part of the government they're literally part of the disease control so they're like trying all this shit and then you know the kind of their story kind of develops and stuff and then they realize that you know i mean the hard thing about this is that you there's a point in the film where you realize that there's this is not going to end good, man. This is not good for anybody. It's very, very downbeat. And the, the way the story is told with the footage and stuff, and it's like, she's like, yeah, this is so-and-so, and, you know, this is what they were doing right before they died. And it's just, like, over and over again. It's just, like, embedded into your mind, and it's shown over and over again. Like, this is, it's very depressing, but it's just very realistic because if this shit was to actually happen, this is probably how it would go down. Um, it's it's crazy, man. I mean, these type of outbreaks have happened perfect, before. Perfect setting too with the Chesapeake Bay Fourth of mm-hmm. July. Nobody yeah. never really heard this one brought up for Fourth of July horror, but definitely one that like I gotta own this. I don't even own this film. Uh, there's this a few is, Independence Day ones, but yeah, this is definitely one that I I think I'd actually forgotten about that was even on Independence Day. Yeah, that's Day, what I'm saying. You never this, hear this one brought yeah. up as a 4th of July. It, it's a great example of our imitating life because uh, like 20-somewhat years ago, Chesapeake Bay was like becoming insolvent and had to go through like a whole uh, project to fix it up. And, you know, it, it's very common just for government in general. I mean, you know, they'll pass a 
they'll pass a legislation called the Clean Water Act, and everyone's like, well, I'm in favor of clean water. But then you read the bill, and the Clean Water Act actually allows for more pollution into the water. It's all government, like, fuckery. And so to me, this is just, you know, and watching this movie, the way way it's presented, it it reminds me of, like, that um, when, like, YouTube and just online videos and stuff were a little bit newer and you would go on there and watch like you know multiple pieces of news kind of clipped together where it just had that kind of frantic everything felt like a conspiracy when you were watching because you wouldn't get like you know these long documentaries and news programs you would get like bits and pieces of like cut and pasted that's one of my first hand accounts thing mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. one of my favorite things in found footage movies is like the montage of news clips mm-hmm. it just like adds this eeriness to everything where you're just because yeah. like, it feels very amateurish like but purposely like a, but well crafted like it, it's like an it's like a these aren't like news professionals or you know professional journalists like just people trying to figure shit out and they're piecing together what they can with their own resources which are not going to be like a professional news organization they're kind of like you know they're concerned citizens as opposed to like you know these lifelong journalists and they're going on the scene themselves and with a camera and just trying to figure out what they can they're trying to interview people people are blowing them off it's just it's just so well done and it feels very authentic the Um, most impressive aspect of these type of films is the editing to me just what they choose to show how they plan it out because like this isn't they're not taking clips that exist they have to create each of the clips that they use yeah it's it's a it's a full production but the thing i like about it too is that they go the extra route and they actually film on like these camera phones and or these yeah these cameras on these phones and like all these different so the footage all looks different and shit like that so and it's a very big time capsule because like yeah you're putting in that extra effort you know not eight nine ten eleven or whatever uh you know quality of you know cell phone recordings and stuff is just so less good than it is now so it's yeah, it's yeah, really interesting to see yeah it, it, it adds like a a great like a scary like feel to it too though you know like gritty mm-hmm. uh-huh and it adds kind of like a us against the establishment yeah. feeling and it like- also hides some of the f- flaws in in you know like when it's kind of grainy and shitty looking it can hide some of the flaws whether it's like cg or uh you know the the practicals and stuff like that it's kind of well except for the one point where the the fucking isopod comes flying i think it's with one of the divers and shit or something like that it just it looks really bad (laughs) there's a few rough cg things but i mean for the most part like the gore and stuff in this is actually like i mean all the gore and i think the only cg that's in the film is a couple scenes with the isopods and and even the, the the fish where they're showing the parasites and the fish and stuff it, it's yeah. gross it's like makes you your skin yeah. crawl well that actually reminds me of like the opening is, uh, where the film starts out and stuff with all the the dead animals everywhere and like all the like that all oh, that real dude, footage yeah all that real footage because that that footage was from outbreaks and shit like that and like it's showing you right away like this has happened and and you can tell from that footage it's all fucking real i mean some of that footage i think we've seen before but um but it's showing you right up front and then it, it really does set the tone and it sets the film up so great, you know, to have that realistic and, you know, that just that not even hypothetical, you know, this could be the inevitable someday, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I think it really does work. It's very haunting and shit. And, but I think again, you know, like you said, man, the editing and there is like a million different types of 
shots in this film and like it's it's kind of funny it's all shot in this one area but there's so many different characters and so many different things that are kind of the make up the meld of this film and i think it's just so well done there's a lot of production value in this you know it might not look like that to the you know to the layman to the layman's but there really is man there's a lot of effort put into this and you know the editing is just it's the big big fucking factor in this one um, I think the acting in this is pretty spot on too. I think a lot of the scenes seem very authentic, you know, just, you know, everyday shit, you know, with like the, the girl, the high school girl and, and her boyfriend. And she's like, yeah, you know, this is so-and-so and this is right before she dies. She jumps in the water and then gets attacked by these isotopes yeah. and shit. And it's like, I still am very confused on how the boy, why the boyfriend, it's, it almost seems like he doesn't want to go in, but then he falls in the water or something because he doesn't like yeah i'm coming in after you know kind of thing he doesn't really try to save his girlfriend it seems like he more or less fell off the dock and then and then fucking you know got eaten up and shit but that was one thing that bugged me about this because they said they never found the bodies i was like what that was kind of weird so i don't know how they wouldn't be able to find the fucking bodies i mean they would have turned up it's not like they were eating everything you know what i'm saying Right, yeah, this so. this movie, this whole movie has a very authentic feel to it. Like that's what it, like if, like this something, this feels like something you would come across in that era, like on YouTube, and you'd just be like totally enamored with like, oh, what the hell is this? Like, mm-hmm. what this took place where, when? Like, and you would almost like believe that it was real. Did you guys ever like look at the who the director is? <laughs> yeah. It's like weird. Like I expected it to be somebody younger. Yeah, no, this guy's done like a lot of. Dude, he did Rain Man. Yeah. <laughs> and Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah, that's yeah, kind no, of very weird. No, yeah, no, <laughs> this guy's done lots of shit. I actually was gonna list off some of the films he did. I know he did Disclosure too. I think in Sphere and stuff, but. Um, more. Yeah, he did, he did some. Yeah, he did some pretty notable films and shit like that. Wag the Dog, another one. Dennis. <laughs> what? <laughs> What a weird movie to have in his filmography. Which one? This one. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. This is the one that's not like the others. Yeah, well, I mean, a, I mean, this is very different. But I mean, if you, if you, do I, look you normally at his filmography. wouldn't think it's like a young man type film, like a modern. It shows he has yeah, a very if, big range. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, and he, he has an eye for like the times and all that. Because it, you're right. It, it feels like this would have been made by someone more attuned to like the modern era of stuff like look yeah. at this shit man good good morning vietnam rain man bugsy toys jimmy hollywood which i love that movie uh disclosure sleepers wag the dog sphere fuck this guy's done bandits oh and he man of the year wow this guy executive produced like a lot of oz yeah yeah this guy's had an intro definitely dabbled in a lot of different types of genres and different films and stuff so um but yeah this is definitely I wonder. I wonder how this project came about. Like, hey, we have this idea. Uh, he for this. said that he was doing a documentary on, um, like, an actual like pollution thing. Oh, okay. Um, and he stopped doing it because he found out that somebody else had done like something very similar. But then he like kept thinking about the idea of okay. like. And obviously, at the time in 2012, found footage was booming. Right. This is in the the time where there was fucking. It seemed like five films a week were coming out that were found footage. So, but uh, why not jump on that bandwagon, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, actually, there there's one part in this film, man, that just like I don't know if it's the cop that like if he's if he's 
kind of going a little bit crazy or whatever, or if he just wants people to stay away from him. But then when he shoots the dude and then fucking caps himself off, is that like kind of like a minor misstep in the film where because it doesn't seem like the these isopods are making people go crazy and shit. They're just being infected and, you know, essentially succumbing to their infection. I thought it was because he, he knew it was all fucked up. And if people came like too close that like maybe it would spread to them. So but it's he was funny trying to this, ward them off. I get that, but it plays out like he's acting a little bit crazy. Like he's really... I mean, he knows that he's, you know, so bad that he's going to infect other people. I mean, there's no evidence of this either. It just comes across as that he's being a little bit crazy. And he's like, I got a gun. And this dude steps out and he gets capped off and then he fucking shoots himself. But yeah, could have been delirious at that point. Maybe a little crazy. But I just felt I found it interesting because nobody else. There's not one other scene in the film that has somebody going a little bit crazy. I mean, besides, you know, the girl in the back of the police car actually like just a couple minutes later in the film. But that's not. She's actually just she's wanting to help. It's like she needs fucking help. She's asking for help kind of thing. And but I mean, that's where I get confused with it, too, because this guy's like acting polar opposite. And she's like, you know, overly freaking out and trying to get help and stuff, which it appears that she's attacking but she's not. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's strange. Right? And it's, it's just kind of a strange thing. Do you, do you know that part JP? Sorry. I, I was reading something. I didn't hear what you were talking about. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, man. Just missteps all over the fucking place. Okay. There's a scene in the film where I thought was a little bit of a minor misstep because there's no indication that people are going, uh, being infected to the point where they're going crazy and shit. Yeah, like I didn't like that. I, I don't like when it bre- breaks the rules of like what we know. And honestly, that whole people going crazy over like it just is like overdone. I, it, it takes it actually a step away from like the more like realistic tone that this film has like the mm-hmm. entire time. Well, that's the thing, right? Because people are just being infected. They're being, you know, whatever's happening to him and shit like that. And then all of a sudden you have this scene with this cop and he shoots this other guy and he's acting all crazy and then he shoots himself. And I'm just like, but then nothing else happens like that the rest of the movie and shit. I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, it's just so random that they would put that in there because that's not what they were. I don't think that's what they were trying to suggest that this was making mm-hmm. people go crazy. Like Romeo Earls, like crazies or some shit like that. Right. So. I don't know. I thought that was a little bit minor misstep, but you know, overall it's pretty damn good. I got to say, man, the girl that plays the journalist journalist in this, like in the footage from, you know, the time this has taken place, she has like short hair. And then when she's telling the story, she's got a little bit longer. Fuck. She looks like a totally different person. I think the first time I watched this too, I was like, I was like, what? That's the same person. I think it happened to me again. I was like, Oh yeah, it is the same person. Holy fuck. Like it's amazing what hair can do to someone totally changes your appearance. Hardcore. But, um, but yeah, good shit, man. Good shit. Yeah, I thought it was excellent. Yeah, I love this one. This is my favorite of the one of the three. I thought that whole sequence, like I think it's right around the part with the cop, but I think it's like leading up to that where they're they're kind of you know this is well into the movie where they're just driving through the town and you're kind of seeing the after effects of everything where there's just bodies all over the place and I thought that was just creepy because it's like. <clears throat> they were really unable to help stop anything it's like happened it's it's now after the fact of it and it's just it's just really creepy driving around a town it's just been ravaged yeah and it, it's very haunting what she says too she's like and and here comes so and so and her husband and her and they're bringing their baby into this and they don't know where mm-hmm. where they are and like what's happening i'm just like oh yeah that's fucking crazy but 
that's the reality if it was a reality, right? You know, yeah. so it's kind of scary. Um, but yeah, ratings. I guess I'm first. Yep. Um, yeah, this is a good movie, man. It's it's legitimately fucking scary. You know, the majority of the film takes place in the daytime because that's when the majority of the shit was happening. But it just creates this like real creepy, fucking just nasty kind of tone to it, and it's just it's in the in the aspect of it being so real. You know, this is definitely something that could really, really happen, and probably will happen one day because man is a bunch of fucking shitheads, and we we dump chicken shit into waters and let nuclear reactors leak into waters, and we do crazy ass shit and lie and deceive and stuff. So. This is inevitable. So if you live near Maryland and a bay, I'd probably get the fuck out of there. So, shoot, if you just live on either coast with any bay, <laughs> yeah, right. Really, I mean, shoot. It, I mean, what about what do you think? I think people in Flint, Michigan, think because their water got all fucked up. So I mean, it really doesn't even have to be a bay. Just anywhere where your water supplies get messed up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. Right. Uh, but overall, really good, man. Again, like some uh, some of the editing in this film is just fantastic. I actually really the scene that you were talking about, where you know the husband and wife and the kid come into the town. I like the way that scene's edited because it's actually taken from like you know some of the you know the street cams and shit, and just the way it's all edited, it's just done so well, man. There's just a lot of thought process put into that. Instead of just having him, you know, have his camera and stuff, they do different angles with the street cams and shit. I think that's really awesome. But um, yeah, man, just fucking scary ass movie man really really scary i think it's kind of hilarious like at the end of the movie because you're thinking like is there like a resolution to this and like yeah you know they just dumped a shitload of chlorine into the water and killed off all the ice ponds i'm like what i guess that would work right i mean you would have to dump a motherfucking fuckload of chlorine into the water to do that but i mean i guess it's strong enough to kill him kind of thing but there was actually one thing in the film that I thought about the first time I watched this and, and I, it totally caught my attention again. She says towards the end of the film that it was shocking that some people didn't get infected and she doesn't know why they're like, but they just, that's, they leave it at that. They don't try to explain it away that they were just immune. Cause you're not, immu- no one's immune to larvae. It's just impossible. If you're ingesting something, you can't be immune to that. So maybe it's cause they had, AIDS in their blood and the larva was like no we can't do this I knew somebody was coming I knew somebody would say something retarded like that but like honestly though because I mean even if you were there for one or two days you drank the water let's face it you had some of the water so and that's how you were being infected so like I mean how are some people not infected that's pretty bizarre yeah it's interesting though I mean that's a MacGuffin is what it is there's no answer to it it's just funny that they even bring I think if she hadn't even said it well, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even know it. that. No, I. Well, you wouldn't know that, but like, I mean, it, it's like they're thinking ahead to like questions that the audience are going to have and and try to at least acknowledge it. But the, there was never alluding to the fact that that everyone didn't get infected. Uh, I you guess know, so. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, there was never one moment where you were like, there was people that didn't get infected. Like, I never questioned that until she said, and it was weird. Because some people actually didn't get infected, we can't figure out how. And I'm like, what? How? Well, the what fuck about is that her? Possible? Exactly. Right. I mean, she was there investigating. She was probably there the you know the whole time. Probably had some water of some sort. Or yeah. You so know, maybe I mean, you would have questioned that. Like, well, how didn't she get infected? It's funny. I never even thought of that until you mentioned that. But that's good. 
you know that's that's a good point because she's not referring to herself she's actually referring to other people which is actually kind of interesting in itself that she doesn't refer to herself because she was there along with those other people interesting um Mm. not really a big deal but uh very very strong strong solid film i think this is again one of the best uh, found footage slash mockumentary style films out there. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10, man. I, I <laughs> There's something about CG in, in parts of just like whatever, but for the most part, it's very, very minor, but um, it's legitimately scary. I think The Bay and The Tunnel is actually kind of a good double feature, man. Two films that uh, that are scary, man. Different types of scary. You know, one suspenseful scary, this one's just scary in the thought that it's real as fuck. Yeah. Yep. Um... I I think this shit's scary. I think this one this one was definitely my favorite one just because it was like, um, I was just really into the whole idea and the, like it just got like it just felt very unsettling. Even though the other one did too, the tunnel definitely did too. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just think I, the topic of this one was more maybe a little bit more interesting. That's why I would probably um say i was into this one a little bit more um both very good though uh i gave this one a nine out of ten cool mikey hmm you know what this is probably my favorite out of the three too and re-watching it for the show i think I like it even better this time, and I'm sitting way back in my chair, so I was far away from the mic. <laughs> uh, I'm going shit. I'm going nine out of ten. Nines across the board. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's close, but no cigar. Yeah. It's hard to get in the hall for a reason. Yeah, it is. That's why we made it so difficult. Because otherwise, movies like mid lamer get in it mid lamer is in yeah it should be in on principle (laughs) (laughs) we should actually create like a a hall of hall of famers and (laughs) for induct mid midsummer into there man there's a lot i think there's a lot of movies that have 27 and 27 and a half like there is a lot of films that are sitting right on that cusp man oh dude there's so many that have 27 and a half I know, I know overrule. for a fact. <laughs> overrule mood slammer. I should fucking gather up, make a list of all these movies that have a 27, 20 and a half, 27 and a half, and then bring Derek on there and review all these movies. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what, though, man? I give props to Derek for actually giving us a, a, a pretty solid show. Not saying that other people don't, too. Um, actually, Sam has given us a lot of great shows. Sano, um, the yeah, no, trilogy. Yeah, yeah, they probably uh, they gave us like, Yeah, man, F- fuck yeah, dude. But yeah, that's a, that's another. I'd actually like to do a, a Mike volume two. Yeah, there's yeah. so much Mike. There's just out there. so many, fun. dude. I literally have like forty plus movies. Fucking Mike has so many movies. It just fucking does so many of them. It's insane, guys. Yeah, I just picked up Blade of the Immortal, and I was like. Oh, like, dude! Carly, so, oh my god! I was like, Carly, you know this man made a hundred fucking movies, and I'm not talking like some shot on video bullshit either. No. Like a lot of them are fucking real movies, yeah. and like she just most seemed, of them are. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing his output. And you know the crazy thing is is that like he doesn't do, just do like seventy minute movies. Like a lot of his movies are two <laughs> hours plus, and you're like, what the fuck? Production value is crazy. He's got an interesting mind, man. He really does. Yeah, I've man. liked everything I've seen from him. I, I haven't seen nowhere near as many as some people have. I've probably seen like six, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I've liked everything he's done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so that is going to conclude episode 174 here. What do we got going on next week? I'm pretty sure that we decided this, but it was so fucking long ago because this episode turned out to be really long. <laughs> a director's spotlight on David Cronenberg. So oh, yeah. Three Cronenberg films. Uh, I'm very excited for that. We need to get a guest for that, for sure. Um, we are doing Shivers, um, which I've seen and like. Uh, is that the one in the apartment complex? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, always get rabbit and shivers confused. Um, and then we are doing the brood, which I've never seen. Uh, and then we are doing Videodrome, which I love. So. Yep. Cool, man. Got pretty solid show, Cronenberg. It's about time we really. The only Cronenberg we ever really talked about is the fly in 86 and i think we might have talked about crash briefly in 96 it's only the the second canadian director spotlight <laughs> we've done uh who was the first ryan nicholson oh uh, yeah that was the first director spotlight too was it really crazy yeah um we could do a Ryan Nicholson volume two one day. We've had other Canadian directors in feature reviews, like Black Clark, Bob Christmas, Clark, of course, yeah. Bob Clark and stuff. But what? Yeah. What a little flip! What three? He did three horror films. Bob Clark. Uh, yeah, he started out. Yeah, he did three in the be- beginning of his career, and that was it. Yeah, that sucks. It, it, you know the the most fascinating thing about Bob Clark that's always tripped me out, man, is the fact that he did two really really famous christmas movies in completely different genres dude i i've literally <laughs> mentioned that all the time i it's, like i'll be at work and like on christmas uh even uh christmas story will be on and people will be like i'll be like do you guys know that this guy made like the best <laughs> christmas horror movie too <laughs> and of course nobody knows what the hell i'm talking about yeah yeah yeah. Have you ever watched them back to back? Like popped in Black Christmas and then just popped in Christmas. I can't story? say I've ever done that. <laughs> I just <laughs> thought of that right now. I like I don't think I've ever done it before either. <laughs> I've watched them in you know proximity, but like never back to back. Like that's kind of trippy. I always hate when I find a director where I really like their work and they only did like three horror films. Like mm-hmm. because I really like all three of Bob Clark's films. Um, the uh, Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things made my se- top 10 of um, 72. Um, and then Death Dream is awesome. I love Death Dream. Well, I mean, yeah, he only directed three, but I mean, he kind of had the, the general idea and premise for Halloween, though, too. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, it's just like but another guy's Mikael Suave. Suave. I really yeah, like Suave, the, yeah. I really like his at least I really like three of them and the sect's decent. It's just too damn long. Um yeah, I wish Cemetery Man is yeah. arguably one of the best nineties horror films. It's so good. It's yeah, it is so good, man. And the church is awesome too. And hell, like I was watching Stage Fright. Um I just popped on Shutter the other night and um the they just play they like they run just movies like, you know, live like live streams. Yeah. 
and uh, I just popped on, saw what was on, and uh, Stage Fright was on probably like the last act of it, and I finished watching it just because I was like, oh, this is like all the best stuff. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the last act. Nice. <clears throat> yeah. Well, um, again, that is going to conclude uh, this episode here. Mike, thanks again for coming on the show and doing your thing. Thank you for falling yeah. asleep and snoring on me. That was fucking... You know what the funniest thing about that is the fact that you had just mentioned, I think, pre-show that you don't, you've don't, you never fallen asleep on a podcast before. <laughs> well, I had to do everything for the first time. That was the best fucking shit ever. I'm like, wow. It's like it just came around to haunt him or something. He was just like... He was talking about snoring. He was talking about fucking Willis Wheeler falling asleep on a podcast and shit, and he kept it in there. I'm like, fuck. Yeah, I don't blame him. You make us record it ridiculous times. Yeah, when Willis fell asleep, that was like a normal time though. At like nine o'clock, the shit was like you make us do. You make us do five hour shows. Oh, it's all my fucking man. This with, is fucking. This is some bullshit, with, man. Me and Mike it, are in the same time six, zone. I'm it's still fucking energetic. It's a.m. Like if I had to work right now, I would be like late for work right now. Yeah, I'm like a five thirty a.m. wake up call though for work. So it's like even though I'm West Coast, I'm still like early fucking schedule. Schedule, yeah. But I don't um, care. I, w- I woke right back up when I heard my name. <laughs> you did. You did. It would have been weird if like we couldn't get you back up. You actually yeah. did you actually did you were talking in your sleep at first. You said something and then yeah, when I like, fucking screamed oh, it out, you're like, What what? what? <laughs> it's like, oh my god, that's classic. <laughs> classic fucking twenty two shots. Well it, it doesn't it, it doesn't hurt or help that I fucking drank like eight beers. So I like Yeah, <laughs> I think I think yeah, he's taking over the reins of drinking on the show, man. Because well, I, I brought like I brought like three. Well, initially when we first started, I brought like a few beers in here with me, but because we were <laughs> we were bullshitting so long before we actually started, I drank all those before we even started. Yeah, that was that was kind of the misstep right there, man. <laughs> That's funny, man. Oh yeah, just I could hear you drinking. I was like, oh, I want a beer, man. I want a beer, but. That's probably why I'm still doing really good because I haven't drank anything. So, but uh, yeah, man, JP, you want to take us out of here, Mikey? Again, thanks for coming on, and um, yeah, see you in the near future again. Yeah, I'm sure, I'll be back. Yeah, um, especially because Jeremy, um, listeners, uh, is on hiatus for at least another four weeks, I believe. So, um, yeah, so we will make have- do with what we can with we're gonna have a revolving door a revolving door of uh of hosts so who knows we might have day back on ben i don't know just depends who can do it and 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 what's going on and shit like that so we just we don't know but we will still be around so all right guys thank you for listening i want to shout out mike check out no more room and in hell uh which you guys just did an episode i don't know what the titles were i forget it was two movies what were they Oh, the last winter, and what the hell was the other one? Ghostkeeper, and Ghostkeeper. Oh, uh, also, a cool show. Al- mm-hmm. Also, check fun. out Fresh Cuts, which they just posted their Grudge episode. I assume Underwater will be later this week. It shall. Um, and also check out Moods' YouTube channel, Moods Six One Six, my YouTube channel, Double Shot J, uh, as well as my brand new podcast, uh, His and Her Movie Podcast, aka Double HMP or Triple HMP, if you want to throw the horror in there. Uh, and I think you guys are gonna g- 
get a kick out of it. I th- actually think it's like some of the better, you know, stuff that I've done besides this show. Um, this is probably going to be my baby from here on out. Um, that's not 22 shots, especially if I have to, uh, you know, I got some stuff going on right now, but, um, also, you know, website, 22 shots of moods and horror.com email, 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com Twitter, 22 shots, podcast, Facebook, uh, slash group slash 22 shots podcast, uh, as well as shoot. I mean, Porphelia, of course, just check um, the, just check the fucking, um, description, description down there. below, man. All the links are down there. Yeah. I gotta go. You gotta right. go. Yeah. We're all out. We'll see you guys next week with some maple syrup and <laughs> Hey, do you guys really like like squirt that in the snow and then scoop it up with a stick and eat it. I've never even heard that before. <laughs> Cause I, I've been seeing it online where they get a stick. They, they squirt a bottle of maple syrup in the snow outside, let it like slightly harden, grab a stick and roll it up into like a Tootsie pop. What in the fuck? It's gotta be an East. That's fucked up, man. I've never, I've never <laughs> seen or heard of anyone doing that before. That's actually disgusting, dude. That's fucking snow. Yeah, I was like, you guys, <laughs> dude, snow does not taste good, man. That's gross. Ew, ew! Stop ruining the awesome maple syrup with snow. I just want to go up there and get some poutine. That's got to be some I of those love, loony ass I love fucking poutine, man. I don't know why that hasn't caught on down here. Like it's so good. No, it's, you know what sucks is so like crazy. you can you can get poutine in a couple places here yeah, but they but here. they treat it like it's some fucking gourmet thing where they overcharge for where up yeah, there yeah. it's like it's like common everyday thing <laughs> yeah exactly it's literally two of the cheapest like of cheap foods you know like french fries are potatoes are fucking so cheap mm-hmm. and uh you know gravy is i'm sure not too expensive either like scallions okay whatever it depends on how you get it but um I love 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 poutine, and there's there's like two places here that have it, and I get it almost every time I go to those places. If you ever get a ch- oh man, I, I I can't remember where I was, but I think it might have been in Edmonton or something. But I had this like pulled pork poutine one time. Oh my god, it was like fucking so good, dude. It's just like so rich and ridiculously filling. But yeah, pulled yeah, pork. Yeah, the the. the- the one place we have down here does a pull their main dish isn't like a regular poutine it's a it's a pulled pork one. Oh yeah 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 it's it that's pretty cool there's actually a couple of places um you know very very famous like poutine places around but they have like 20 or 25 different fucking types of poutine and it's like gets out of control <laughs> completely out of control man but oh now i want poutine fuck okay <laughs> all right guys we're out of here deuces Peace.